Mike, turn your games down. Hi, and welcome to a very, very special episode of Game My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, and this is part one of our 100,000 download special. So what you're going to be hearing is this first part is going to be about, it's going to be 20 interviews of different people that had games that meant a lot to them. What I did is I got a bunch of people together and I asked them their favorite gaming memories. And this part will go from 1982 to 2000 and there. And you'll get to hear a bunch of great stories in between those, in between those years of how video games affected people's lives. And what I did is I got 20 people together and asked them their favorite gaming memory. And this is part one. And you also, by the time you've seen this, part two will be up too. So definitely go check that out. And that will go from 2002 to 2017. And I, I hope you enjoyed this. I appreciate everyone that's taken time out to listen to this show, this podcast, since I've been doing it for, at this point, we're getting close to four years. And you guys have been great. And this is a special thank you to you. Is why I was able to put this together and talk to all these great people. And I hope you enjoy and stay, listen to all the interviews. And who's with me for this one? Your lovely wife, Tiffany Albert. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And as I've said at this point, well, this, we'll see how, how the order of this thing goes. What is your favorite gaming memory? Mrs. Pac-Man, because I played it with my dad. And we we needed to beat it. And he would sneak into my room at night and play it on my little bitty TV I had. <laughs> he put it on mute. <laughs> Well, that's good. I feel like you would wake up otherwise. No problem. I'm surprised I didn't wake up. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Shut up. Someone who lives with you. Me too. <laughs> Shut up. Nobody asked me anyways. <laughs> I know Miss Pac-Man is one of your favorite games. It's one of my favorite. It was always fun to get like to the cutscenes because they like were dating and then they got married and then they had kids and then they ran off into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had never beaten that game until we first were together and you played it with we played it together. We beat it? I think we beat it. I don't recall that. Hmm. I don't recall playing That's it. That's my together. memory. I don't recall playing it together. I think you were dreaming. Okay. Okay. Because you dream about beating Mrs. Pac-Man. Yes. That's what I dream about. <laughs> <laughs> how long did you guys play Miss Pac-Man for? I don't know how long it took us to beat it, but then once we beat it, we went back because we liked it so much. It took us a while, because the game's a little hard. Yeah, well, all Pac-Man games are hard. Especially once you get to the later levels, they're harder. And so, it took us a little bit. We would, like, take turns. <laughs> it would be like, my turn! <laughs> well, see, that's always something that's so nice to hear when you have those gaming memories that, you know, you're with someone important and it makes them. Yeah. Now, I mean, I know you still like Miss Pac-Man. We, our first Funko Pop we bought together was Miss Pac-Man. Miss Pac-Man? Do we, do we have Mr. Pac-Man? No, we don't. Well, why the hell not? What's wrong with you? Because no, I didn't buy it. it. No, we don't. Yes, I need it now. Right now. Let's go I, I, I could have swore this is your Miss Pac-Man, your favorite game memory, not uh, Mr. But, Pac-Man. But there are a couple. Hello, he was in there, too. She's a single woman. Strong. No, strong prop. <laughs> single woman. You know, I can be a single strong woman, too. We don't need to do that. No. I, I dealt with you without you for 35 years. I can deal without you again. Let's not go down that road. Why not? Because. Um, don't so, tell me more about Miss Pac-Man. What, was that the first game that you and your dad played together? I think so. He had got me the Sega Genesis for like Christmas or something. 
And so, I, and I want to say that came with it. That one or Sonic came with it. Sonic came with it. Oh. He might have bought this. I don't think. I mean, if he bought it new, it would have been Sonic because I don't think oh. they had Miss Pac-Man as a pack-in. No, he bought it new. Okay. So maybe he just bought it randomly. Yeah, it could have been know at the what store. To buy me. <laughs> Miss Pac-Man's a good start, though. I mean, plus you don't have a lot of games at that time with female characters, and Miss Pac-Man obviously is a. Well, it's Pac-Man with a bow. I mean, it's all he really did. They just put a bow and, said, and gave her a dimple and said, there we go. Didn't she have lipstick? I think she had lipstick, didn't she? On the, on the, on the arcade cabinet, yeah. Oh. Also, this Pac-Man was a game that was a, was a hack of Pac-Man made by people that did not own Pac-Man, by the way. And so what, the people that own Pac-Man took it over? Or they sold it to them eventually. I'm pretty sure is <laughs> how the story goes. And right now, somebody else owns the rights to Mrs. Pac-Man that's not Namco. It's, How did that happen? I don't know, but someone else owns the rights to it. Oh my god. So, <laughs> so they're not giving it up. They're like, nope, you can't do nothing with Mrs. Pac-Man. You no. take her off. They gotta pay licensing fees if they do. That would be fun. <laughs> that would be expensive. Like, I, know, I mean, Pac-Man's a simple game, but did you guys go for high scores a lot? Or just play it just to beat it? I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. I feel like we just wanted to beat it, and when we did, I think we probably went back to see if we could be better at it. Okay. Once we beat it. Because <laughs> we played the levels enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean... That's the game where you play over and over until you beat it. That's why I don't like it. I have to play a game, beat it, and move on. As know. you know very well. Because you live with me. <laughs> but that's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, stuff with your dad. Like, we've talked about on the show before, and we've done... Movies that meant a lot to you with your dad, like Beetlejuice, for example, <laughs> that we ripped apart. Shut up. <laughs> I see it with rose-tinted glasses, okay? No, that's fine. I do, too. I, I have played terrible games on the show. I'm like, this is great! It's not great, but <laughs> it's to me. So, no, it's not the first, no, nothing wrong with that. Nostalgic <laughs> does that. And I'm glad you like Miss Pac-Man a lot, and I'm glad that you had those memories. How old were you at the time, do you think? Between 7 and 10, <laughs> I would say and I know when he bought you Genesis, he told me the story, too. After we were together, he's like, I bought Genesis because it was better power, more powerful than the better other system. Graphics. Yeah, which... He said he went for the better graphics, and the other choice was a PlayStation, I think? No, no, um, not at that time. It, I think it was... It was. Super, no, it should have been Super Nintendo, or he might... Genesis comes out after Nintendo, but before Super Nintendo. Genesis was out. Huh. So 16-bit... I, I did have a PlayStation, though, so I don't know if that came after. Oh, it did. Yeah. Because that would have been, because from the sound of the story, he bought Genesis very early on in Genesis, so he might have bought Genesis before Super Nintendo was even out. $500 for it, probably. It was expensive. Not that expensive, but it was expensive. You're thinking more of, like, the other stuff that you wouldn't even know what I'm talking about, like 32X and the Sega CD attachment, but... Wasn't that the next one, Sega CD? Sega CD was an attachment for the Sega Genesis that connected to the Genesis. I know. The next system, actually, for the Sega made was Saturn... Yeah. Saturn was the one that competed with PlayStation 1 and, that wasn't really and N64. It wasn't supported very long. It's also where they said, it's released today at a, at a big convention, and it t- it did terrible. It did You can't release a system randomly when the retailers don't even know what's coming out. They don't have the stock. You tell people, hey, go get the system. There's no system to go buy because we haven't shipped it yet. That's awful. Who decided that? Someone that probably didn't have a job much long after that. <laughs> You're fired. Uh, that's a reason to get fired, by the way. Like, you fuck up like that? Okay. That's a reason not giving cookies out? Not a reason. You know, that not wasn't the only reason. reason, right? That was the first reason in the list, yeah. <laughs> and I know I've talked about it in the show before, so I don't mind. <laughs> Any other games that you remember that kind of stuck out with you with your dad? Besides Miss Pac-Man for Genesis? I think we played Sonic together as well. Okay. But 
Mrs. Pac-Man was the first one we beat, and I don't remember if we ever beat Sonic. Sonic's hard. But we did play it. He did enjoy it. But also, like, with Mrs. Pac-Man, it's kind of like you all, we have Pac-Man stuff in this house. Like, it's something that has always fueled your love for that brand. I do, yeah. Like, I me, mean, I know part of you wants us, would, would be okay if I went and bought a Mrs. Pac-Man cabinet. Yes, I want one. Even if it's a little mini one, I want one. And then we can pack <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> Uh, that's 100% what I would do is take out the guts and put something else inside but <laughs> I, I like how that that game has always like mean so much to you mm-hmm. to this day like Miss Pac I mean it's a Pac-Man game there's only so much you can do you, like, you couldn't even do an episode about it <laughs> no history yes but no but I'm glad to hear that it's something I mean I didn't do this of course but I'm glad it means something to you <laughs> you know you had that moment especially now that my dad died I like to think of good memories. Well, you should. Anytime you lose a loved one, that's what you want to do. You want to hold on to the good memories and not... Not when we're fighting. Mike would hide <laughs> when we fought. It was kind of funny. <laughs> Sometimes. No, you take the dog and go in the bedroom. My favorite is when we got married and we couldn't find the wedding rings. And he put them somewhere and didn't remember where he put them. And you were just... My, it was... The day before our wedding. Hey, it was the day before our wedding. That was the only time I was a bridezilla. I tried not to be, but I... Flip the fuck out. You did. What do you mean you don't know where the wedding rings are? We'll get married tomorrow. And I was tearing apart part of our apartment. It was awful. And me, him, and the dog are just sitting on the bed, not saying a <laughs> word to each other. Just like I didn't even play on my phone. Like she comes in here, I'm playing my phone, she's gonna be angry. So we're just sitting there, just not saying a word, just sitting there looking at each other. The dog's like, what's going on? Because okay. I was just screaming in the living room and they hid in my dad's bedroom. <laughs> I was just screaming. I mean, come on. We were getting married. What was I supposed to do? I think it's Go home buy cheap Walmart rings? I suppose yes. that's what I would have did. Yes, and then be angry about it. Yeah. And then I would have made you buy me a more expensive one. <laughs> yeah, you're doing that anyway. But <laughs> also the final last thing about Miss Pac-Man, I think we actually still have the copies not that far from us of Miss Pac-Man, of your childhood game. Yeah, I have Sega Genesis. I still have it. Mm-hmm. And I still have PlayStation. <laughs> yes. That's so- I think it's because my dad left me. No, there's nothing wrong with that. something I could never get rid of. And my, well, a certain friend always told me to sell it and get rid of it. Also, as (laughs) you're well aware of, and probably most listeners are of the show, I'm a video game collector, even though I don't collect anymore. I will never play any of those PS2 games to your right physically. He literally has a copy of almost every game and every station, game station. Some, yes. There's certain games. I mean, every game. But there's certain games I own multiple copies of, yes. I also own it on Steam, too. I know. You don't even play them. I don't understand that obsession. That's not a collector. That's a hoarder. Hey, the, fi- the digital <laughs> ones hoarder. don't take up any physical space. It's okay. It can it can make my Steam library a thousand. It doesn't matter. It doesn't take up any space. Okay, who was the one who said I'll never go digital? Me. I like the hard copies. Yeah, that, that, that went away when I moved twice, three times. <laughs> now I was done with that. Like, when I didn't move... I loved hard copies. I have now... But then we we had, like, how many bins of your games? Like, four, didn't we? No. There was, like, ten. Oh. <laughs> there were, like, ten bins of games. Just games. And they were big bins. <laughs> they were in your normal standard totes. I was like, okay, Dad, we're going to GameStop and we're selling this. He'll never know. <laughs> He'll know someday. I still remember the games that have been taken from me and sold. Uh, GTA... GTA San Andreas was stolen from me and switched out with GTA Liberty City Stories. And for those that know what I'm talking about, that's an insult. And I had the copy that wasn't that had uh, the coffee scandal thing. I forgot what the hell it was called. Hot coffee scandal. It had that. Co- it was one of the original copies that had the X-rated thing still in there. You could access. He, he stole it and then sold it. 
he stole a few of my other games, and we, I was. He? Oh, he who not shall be named. Some my. Not be named. It was my one of my girlfriends or a family member of hers, and then he stole. I think he stole my. Uh, there was a few other games. My Twilight Princess for Wii went missing. My Smash Brothers for Wii went missing. And like one point, like with the with the San Andreas game, he told my girlfriend at the time, like, "Oh yeah, I got I kept that copy when he when you guys were staying here, and I didn't give it back to him." She's like, "Well, we're coming back. Just give it to me. I'll put it in his collection. He'll never know." She's right. <laughs> Instead, he sold it. Oh. And he knew we were coming less than a month to move back up there. He just sold it because he <laughs> needed the money. So I wonder how much he got for it. Not much at the time. Now it's rare because that I mean they made a ton of them, but it's worth money now. I think. But I was still. I still remember that. Like my little mermaid VHS cover with a penis on it. Yes. I don't think that's worth money, but, but yes. <laughs> Any last thing to say about Miss Pac-Man? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm glad that that's a game that means a lot to you. <laughs> well, I know that already, but I'm glad. You knew that. <laughs> yes, because we're married. You better know <laughs> All right, and stay tuned for the next one. Hi, and who's with me for this interview? Hi, this is uh, Bill Tucker from A Gamer Looks at 40 podcast. If you've listened to this fine program at any <laughs> point in the last few years, uh, you're well aware of uh, my podcast. But uh, yes. yeah, man, thanks for having me on this uh, very special occasion, it feels like. Yeah, actually, this episode was the idea was inspired by you. So, yeah. Oh, stop it. Because of your show. I appreciate that. And what is, as I've been said probably many times at this point, what is your favorite gaming memory? You know, I have so many. And considering it's kind of my podcast job to delve yeah. into memories, it's kind of what I do. I figured I, the one I that kind of stuck out when you first asked was, you know, the, the date was, I'm going to guess 1987. It's probably like the summer of 1987. And when I had a, our video game setup was in our basement in um, New Jersey. So in the basement, it was like a half finished basement. So you got like your washing machine and dryer and the furnaces behind you and you know, it's not a finished basement. And I had the you know, TV on like this stand. It was like a 13 or maybe 17 inch Zenith, maybe 19 inch. I mean, if it was anything <laughs> bigger than 19 inch, that'd be crazy. And I remember playing Metroid. And it was one of those days when it was raining out. There was nothing to do but sit in the basement and play Metroid. And I don't know why my mom let me. I guess she, she just had no, she could care less, I suppose, or maybe she's off doing something else. I beat the original Metroid for the NES in one sitting. It took me seven hours because in those days there was no guides. There was no maps, really. Uh, Metroid doesn't have a map in game. No. So uh, I'm just wandering around. Um, I know it's probably a terrible time, but I played <laughs> Metroid from beginning to end. I think I finished up around 8.30 at night. I think I blew past dinner. Honestly, I don't think I ate dinner. I just think I just blew through it. And I remember getting up, credits are rolling, you know, Sam is the whole thing. I remember turning around, and I was so zonked out from playing Metroid for seven hours. I was hallucinating that, like, Ridley <laughs> was behind the stairs or Craig was in the corner. I remember being terrified just like walking up the stairs going to my room going to bed and it's a very vivid memory of me just bleary-eyed after seven hours playing this game <laughs> and i'm sure i had to pause for some i'm sure maybe dinner or something i'm sure i had to take a break at some point but it was a seven hours of metroid in one day and i was mentally not okay as i a went upstairs 
Yeah, I mean that's way too much Metroid for for anybody at any point in your life. Uh, so that that's that's one of the uh, one of those weird standout memories I have of video games. I'm impressed. I didn't even know you were much of a Metroid fan. I love Metroid. Uh, I as of this recording, I'm still slowly embarking on my Legend of Zelda series, um, and I will do a Metroid one at some point. There's not a version of this show. I don't think they'll have that. But I love Metroid. I played most most of them. I'd like me ninety percent of the Metroids out there. So um, yeah, I really Mission? love it. I have not played Zero Mission. I didn't play Other M. I those are the only two. Zero Mission is like the one main one that I haven't I haven't played. Zero Mission is really good. Now, Zero Mission is my awesome. favorite. Everyone said it's great. I remember your episode. Everyone, mm-hmm. Now is it just the original Metroid that I zonked out on? But, uh, it's a remake of the original, but they right. they do completely redo it, and they also add another section where she's out of the suit because they it gets damaged. Oh, interesting. Okay, because I like never played section. it because yeah, I never played it because I figured I played the original Metroid for seven hours straight. <laughs> I don't need to play Zero Mission, but I, I had no idea it's got a lot of different uh, elements to it. Okay, it's a completely different cool. game. It's nothing like. I mean, well, I mean, I shouldn't say nothing, but it's, it's a completely different game. It's very much a complete remake, like Resident Evil, like example, Resident Evil Two, and then Resident Evil Two for you know remake version. Of, I mean, same game, but completely different games at the same time. Gotcha. All right, yeah, man, kind of like you that. Sold me on it, and people love Zero Mission, so that's that's it's one of those things. Good. Yeah, it has a lot of story, and it has a map. That's beautiful. That's Have beautiful. You Metroid since then, or did you just play it that one time and it's kind of like, okay, I'm done with this first game? Oh no, I, I played it quite a bit. I mean, I played it when I I found you know Nintendo Power published you know the Justin Bailey passwords. <laughs> I roll through it again, and every once in a while on the Switch, I'll I'll fire it up and just kind of tool through it a bit. Especially because on the Switch you have one of the the special versions, which starts you off in the final in Torian in the final area. And you can just play the final area and take out Mother Brain. And I'll do that like once every you know, three months or so just for fun cool. before going to bed. You know, I have 20 minutes to kill. But no, I, I love the original Metroid. I think and Super Metroid for the ver- a very long time was my favorite game of all time. And I still say Super Metroid is, is my favorite Metroid game, full stop. It is That's good. Num- you haven't, you number one on my list. Yet. Yeah, number <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe my tune will change, but I think number, uh, Super Metroid is is my favorite for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I I love Metroid. I love that series. I love Metroid because it's it's always been exceedingly good at creating atmosphere, and Which I think like. creating an and I think creating atmosphere in games is, is one of the harder things you can do. Um, really creating mood through setting and through environment and sound. Uh, Metroid's always been great at that, and I think that's why Super Metroid is uh, a step above um, because its atmosphere is just almost almost perfect. It's it's wonderful that game. I have actually never played Metroid One before. You should fire it up. It's on the Switch. I mean, it's one day. Do, do it with a map. Do it. Just oh, do will. it with like a map. Don't don't try to do this. There's no there's no award you get for doing Metroid without. Yeah, some sort of assistance. Um, I think it's oh, worth yeah, no, playing. This is me. I mean, I'm every every Metroidvania game I play, I print out a map and laminate it at FedEx and then keep it with me. <laughs> like I'm playing Hollow Knight right now, and I have a I have a map that every so often. I mean, it's not the best map because Hollow Knight doesn't have a grid type thing. But I'll pull up the map and go. All right, I want to get to this area. Okay, it's over here. I gotta go this way. Ah, I'm over. Like I can. <laughs> so Hollow just the way I play those a, games. Hollow Knight has a map included in game. Yes, and I use that, but like if it's an area where I haven't 
where I'm just trying to figure out areas that I haven't been to yet, I can kind of tell like where it's located at so I know where I'm going in a way. That is that is one of the roughest parts of that game. <laughs> going to an area and not having a map and just fumbling around is <laughs> so unnerving. Um, so I, I respect that. I, I respect even think, are, are you a big Metroidvania fan? I I, I like this. Con- I, I haven't played. I played most of the big hitters. I'm actually slowly but surely working my way through the DS Castlevania games, which are good. They're actually real good. I just finished Aria of Sorrow maybe a few weeks ago. Okay. Excellent. Very, very good. Need some guides to help. Yeah, it's like that, not. The, the, Portrait the of Ruin is really good. That's also um, what the guy did the MCU. Mike, his favorite of the Castlevania okay. is Portrait of Ruin. That takes place during World War One too, which I, I love. Or after World War One, something like that. I think I also I also played I think it was Dawn of Sorrow is like another one, but I think that's like a spiritual that might be a sequel to Aria. It's a sequel of Sorrow. to Aria Sorrow. Yeah. And it's yeah, also yeah. the last game in the chronological timeline of Castlevania. Oh, okay. I didn't see look at that. I, I just played these games for the jumping and the slashing and the yeah, flying. You know, I mean I can give you all souls. the history, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Stealing souls is fun. But no, I like I, I enjoy the Castlevania games. I've played like your Axiom Verge, of course, Symphony of the Night. Um, so I I do like that genre. I think you it played Bloodstain yet? Which one? Bloodstain Ritual of the Night. I have not. Very not very played. good. I got completely obsessed with that game and couldn't stop thinking about it and couldn't stop playing it when I was on the show a few months ago. So I highly recommend it if you get All around right. to it. Yeah, I'll have to put that on the old mental list. What's is, what's it on? A piece of Steam, Switch, okay. it's on everything. It's on all things. PS4. Yeah. I would. It just it plays really well. It plays like Symphony of the Night, but not as it's not as perfect as Symphony of the Night, of course. But it's a really good game. Yeah, Symphony of the Night is, is just again a step above. It, yeah, it's a step above. I think any of that that style. I play Axiom Verge, the first one. I really enjoyed it. Guacamelee is really fun. So never played yeah. either of those. I oh, they're great. Never Guacamelee is fantastic. I love that game, and and Axiom Verge is really good. So yeah, I I uh, I recommend both. See, I learned something new. After all the hours we have spent talking about Marvel movies and other stuff that we've done uh, on the show, I never knew you were that big of a Metroid fan. <laughs> I knew you liked some Metro, it. but I didn't know like Metrovania, yeah. so I didn't think about it. No, I, I love Metro. I, I, I've, uh, big, I've played all the Prime games, even the dopey third one on the Wii, which is just, <laughs> it's, whatever, it's fine. And uh, Metro, Metroid 2 Echoes, I don't, don't do that without a guide. Oh, oh no. you know me. I'll have I mean, a map, I'll have anybody, a guide, I'll have I videos. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Don't don't do that to yourself. The game is a real big uh, fetch quest uh, toward the end, but coming anyway. up because I'm Prime's, doing I'm running out of Metroid games, so it's coming up. And Prime's good. I like I like Prime. I don't love Prime. I think it's good, not great. That's that's and that's where I'm at with Prime. That's still that's still awesome that you were able to play Metroid one in one day as a kid for seven hours. I find that impressive. Seven <laughs> hours. I don't know. And again, I must have paused for. You know, bio break or, you know, dinner. It makes sense, right? Because my mom's not going to be like, Billy, don't, don't, don't eat dinner. Hey, you're fine. I mean, you're you fine. were, bo- you were born in what year? I know you're, wait, as your game looks at 40. Well, 1980. So, yeah. I come to that conclusion that, like, I, well, my dad is in his 70s, but he was telling me how, like, his mom wasn't even paying attention to him. He got dragged by a car, by their car. He oh. got, like, all this other stuff happened. And, like, and then I, my mother-in-law talked about her son, who's 50. She, he just ran off and went to go look at the trucks, and she found him. All of a sudden, a lady brought him home. Stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I come yeah. to that conclusion that at a certain point, <laughs> if you're a boy, nobody is paying attention. I, I, so. It was not an environment like that, but evidently, <laughs> I don't know, maybe my mom, maybe my mom was, uh, you know, watching soaps or something. Just like, oh, I don't know what Billy's up to, but... He's not screaming, so he's not. And he's dead. in the house, so we're all. He's in the house. <laughs> he, he, he would tell me if he left, so 
leave him to his own devices and play Metroid for seven hours. It's still really cool. And I'm also, I don't know, it's a game that I have no nostalgic for. Interesting. Yeah, I got, I got, I have lots of fond memories of Metroid. I played a lot of them of its era. I didn't play Metroid 2 of its era. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I had a friend who had it for Game Boy, but I, I only tooled around with it. So I only played I, that kind of recently. It's, it's fine. It's perfectly decent game. I never played it yet. I want to one day. I played the remake. The remake, I, I really enjoyed. Kicked my ass, but I enjoyed it. And then I will say uh, publicly here that Metroid Dread is good, not great as well. Okay. It's, I'm I, playing it this year. Okay. Metroid, Metroid Dread is, is, is fine. It's, it's, it's not the best Metroid ever made. It's not this <laughs> cultural touchstone. It doesn't do a lot of things particularly well. Samus has never controlled better. She feels phenomenal in your hands. It just it's buttery and pheno- and, and beautiful to play. Don't feel like a Metroid game though. It just doesn't feel like a Metroid game. <laughs> I can't wait no, to play it though. Yeah, anyway. I mean it has no atmosphere and I think the oh. EV stuff is the is are fine as puzzles, but they're not terribly terrifying. The game is challenging, but I didn't find it too too hard. I think there was that's some, good, and there's an easy mode now, which is one reason. I'm which is nice. Which show. is nice. Yeah, I, when I played it, there was no easy mode, but I don't oh think God. I would have selected it. And there was never a point where I was like banging my head against the wall. You know, a lot of retries, but nothing. You know me though. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> right out on easy mode, and, and uh, yeah, but it's it's a it's a very pretty game, and it's it's a lot of fun. I had a I had a lot of fun playing it. I walked away and like, oh, that was a good game. I like it. Not 10 out of 10 great game of the year. Wow. Not for me, at least. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Bill, for sharing that about Metro. And I learned something new about a guy that I've recorded for over 60 hours probably with at this point. So See that? See that? I'm full, <laughs> I'm full, I'm full of it. Literally full of it. Uh, it. Whatever it happens to be, I am full of. So, yeah, man. My pleasure. All right. And everyone check out A Gamer Looks of the 40s. I say all the damn time. And stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, who's with me? Oh, hi, I'm Greg Seward. <laughs> and welcome back. And where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at Seward. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Seward. Uh, and you can hear me every week on the Player One podcast. Yes. And what, as I've said before, what is your favorite gaming memory? When you reached out and you asked me this, <laughs> I was just like, really? Only one? When you're an old man, you've got so many gaming memories. But <laughs> I think I, I thought about it for a while, and I think I, I'm, I still go back to when we got our NES. When my brother and I got our NES. I couldn't tell you what year it was. I want to say it was like 88, maybe, okay. which would have made me, I think, 12, 12 years old. twelve or 13, I was around 12 or 13 when we got it. Anyway, yeah, so we, we had an Atari 2600 when, when my brother and I were kids. I couldn't tell you where that came from. I think my dad bought it for his uh, younger brother, who was like 10 years younger. I mean, it just sort of ended up at our house. So, I mean, we, you know, we had video games. They weren't, they weren't alien to us or anything. <laughs> but I mean, you know, in the mid eighties, when you were, especially when you were like a kid, especially yeah. preteen, you wanted a Nintendo. Everybody had a Nintendo. Like, you know, I mean, that, that, that was it. Everybody had a Nintendo. So it was Christmas time and my brother and I had not gotten a Nintendo for Christmas. <laughs> uh, and my parents were divorced at this time. So it was just my dad okay. bringing us up. And I think it was like a, a maybe three or four days after Christmas. And somehow we got on the topic with my father. We're just like, we, want, we really want a Nintendo. We really want a Nintendo. And we badgered him and badgered him and badgered him. And he finally broke and said, okay, look, knowing how popular these things were, 
and knowing how hard they were to find. I, I, thinking back on it now, I, I think as a parent now, like he might have actually tried to find us one and couldn't. He finally said, look, if you can find one tonight, I'll buy it for you. <laughs> like, well, that's it. We've got a mission, right? So my brother and I, this is, will age me even more, got out the phone book <laughs> and we called, I swear, there's probably, there probably was not a store within like a hundred mile radius that we didn't call. And they were all out, right? Except for one electronic store. I don't even know what it was called in the next town over. And yeah, basically they had one. They had one action set left. Whatever the one that came with Mario and Duck Hunt. They had one. Okay. So we found it, this single one. And we're like, well, can you hold it for us? Like, nope. Like, okay. So <laughs> we go to our dad. It's like, we got to go now. Like, we got to go now. They're not going to hold it for us. So if, of course, the middle of this, or the end of December, maybe early January. So it was a snowstorm on top of this. It sounds like it sounds like your dad always says, I walked uphill in a snowstorm both ways. But no, it was a snowstorm. <laughs> so we go and we went out and we piled into his his Oldsmobile Delta 88 that, by the way, the passenger side door didn't work. So we had to put your hand. You had to put your hands on the window and force the window down so you could climb in like the Dukes of Hazard. And uh, <laughs> but you couldn't put it all the way down because then you couldn't pull it back up. But anyway, we got into the Delta 88 and we drove to the next town over and they still had it when we got there. Our Nintendo action set. So we uh, yeah, we we picked that up and we brought it home. It was probably. 9 30 10 o'clock by the time we got home and we plugged that baby in to the big floor model tv in the living room i'm actually sitting in the exact spot where that tv was as i'm telling the story oh, nice. and and we played cool we played duck hunt and super mario brothers for hours and i i vividly remember my father talking himself into the fact that this was a good idea about you know <laughs> sort of thinking out loud about how good it is for uh it was for like hand-eye coordination and stuff <laughs> trying to justify what he just did <laughs> yeah meanwhile we're just sitting there going crazy it, with was with the zapper that was gray it wasn't an orange zapper and you know of course we're playing duck hunt so all you could hear was the the muzzle of the zapper like tinging off the the glass tube because we were sitting so close so we wouldn't miss, <laughs> miss. anyway that, i i that have a very, that's a very fond memory and and i kind of point at that moment like like i said we we were into video games but not in a big way but that was when we got our NES, I was hooked, absolutely hooked from that minute forward. Like I, I was just always looking for the next game I could rent, the next game I could buy. You know, Nintendo Power was a thing in Canada at that point, too. So, like, you know, I was excited about that. So, yeah, that was, that, I'd say that's probably my favorite memory. Okay. And then do you have a favorite NES game? Oh, man. Yeah, I'd say uh, it's probably Mega Man 2. Okay. <laughs> and that was, yeah, and that was like the first issue of Nintendo Power that came to Canada was the Mega Man 2 cover. So I kind of, you know, associate that. But yeah, I, I, that's that game's like comfort food. I can practically play through that thing with my eyes closed. Usually play it every every year or so. What about Zelda 2? I remember I've heard you talking about Zelda 2 before. I love Zelda 2. Well, it's funny. Actually, you know, thinking about this now, that's one of the things that was really driving. So actually, that might be. That might really tell us what year we got our NES. Because what year did Zelda 2 come out here? Oh, let me look. I do not know offhand. I know, wasn't Zelda 1 87? If only there was one way we could, some way we could look it up. I'm looking it up right Um, now. Yeah, (laughs) it was 87 in Japan. 88. So 1988 is the year we got our NES. Okay. Because my cousin, they had an NES. And so he got Nintendo Power Flash, which was... I don't know what the the American equivalent of that was like 
Nintendo Power grew out of a free newsletter, right? Like Nintendo before they did Nintendo Power had a free newsletter, which I think was it might have been Fun Club or something like that. I don't know what it was called in the U.S. But anyway, when Nintendo Power became a thing in the United States, we you couldn't get it in Canada. Okay. Uh, you couldn't get a subscription in Canada. You might be able to get it on a newsstand. I really don't know because I wasn't into the video game scene. And I mean, I wasn't old enough to be like traveling yeah. to a newsstand and, and looking myself. But what we did get was a f- if you had an NES and you had registered it with Nintendo of Canada, you got a free subscription to Nintendo Power Flash, which I still have a couple of issues around here. And all they really were were um, like probably, I don't know, maybe 10 pages. They were like pamphlets almost. But they normally had I think they had a couple of like the the previews, whatever they used to call that. They they had like those pages directly out of Nintendo Power. And then they also because Nintendo Power published those great maps with everything. Like usually they had one of the the strategy guides from Nintendo Power was sort of the meat of the pamphlet. And then the beginning, like the editors, the letter from the editor was like whoever the Canadian editor was. And <laughs> all the letters section were actually letters from Canadian kids. And, you know, so it was it was flavored to that. But anyway, the reason I'm even bringing all that up is because my cousin Michael had an NES and he was playing through Zelda 2. And so when we would go visit and they live like an hour away, so we didn't visit all the time. But when we would go visit, he would have these Nintendo power flashes sitting around and he was playing through Zelda, too. So that was, I think, one of the things that really pushed me to start pushing my dad for an NES was I really wanted to play Zelda 2 myself because I thought it was so cool. And when we Zelda did get it, cool. yeah, <laughs> it's and hard as hell. get our system, Zelda 2 was one of the first games we got. And my cousin, Michael, he had already finished the game. Uh, he gave me all those cop those issues of Nintendo Power Flash. So I think, I, like I said, I think I still have them downstairs in my in my game room. That's pretty cool. I yeah. I just played Zelda two for the first time earlier this year, and I was surprised. Like that game is once you understand what you're doing, that's actually a decent game. Yeah, once you make peace with the fact that it's not like the first game. Yeah, there's so much to like about that game. It is difficult, but <laughs> I mean, in, you know, we live in a we we live in a Souls kind of world now. So you <laughs> that's know. What- we called it. We called it the Zelda Souls. Essentially, it really was. Yeah, but I mean, I really wish they'd go back to that because it had some great Damn. mechanics. When you really look at it compared to like other side-scrolling action games of the era, there was a lot going on in that game that was pretty innovative. No, I was surprised by how good it was. I actually recently just played the first Zelda game again too for the show, and I was surprised how much fun that game still was. Yeah, yeah, it was way ahead of its time for sure. Yeah. And then do you still play a lot of NES games, I assume? I know you're I know Marley, you're a Genesis guy now, but <laughs> Yeah, I am, but I mean I you know, as much as I am a I'm a Sega guy and it like I, I would put the Genesis and Sega C D and, and Saturn as like systems that I, I definitely pick up and play more. Um I mean my you know, I fell in love with video games through the NES. So uh, some of my still some of my favorite memories and favorite games of all time are still, you know, NES games. Like when I think about um like I used to be really, really into Japanese role-playing games. Uh, well, I mean, back then, we didn't call them JRPGs. They were just <laughs> RPGs. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, again, through Nintendo Power, my buddy Dave, who I used to go, like, the weekend would come, he and I would t- ride our bikes to, uh, called National Video, okay. uh, to rent, not a movie, but to rent a Nintendo game. And we would spend all weekend with each other playing these games. He had taken advantage of the free Dragon Warrior through Nintendo Power, which I don't know if you remember that or... I heard of it. I, yeah. I didn't. I was I was born in 87, so I was a little young and I right. didn't get. But I do know of it. Yeah. So you could get it for free through Nintendo Power. So he got that and he was crazy about about uh, about Dragon Warrior. And I liked it enough. But Nintendo was really talking about Final Fantasy. 
around around that time because I think that came out here in 1990 or ni- yeah 1990. So it was you know they were starting to really hype it up right around the time I got my Nintendo and really started getting into it. So we uh, I remember going down because you also we didn't have like release dates for games back then. Right. No. It was kind of like whatever was in the catalog. You get the Sears catalog and whatever they have, maybe you'll get it or around here you go to consumers distributing. But so you, you kind of just, you know, and, and in Atlantic Canada in particular, if you were east of Quebec, like it just we, we didn't have a lot like, you know, we weren't poor or destitute or anything like that. But just, you know, all the cool stuff stopped in Quebec. Right. It came east as far <laughs> as Quebec. And that was it. The Maritimes, the Atlantic provinces, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. We didn't get anything cool. So what we used to do is like every summer. Our big trip for the summer would be to drive down to Maine because it was the nearest state, basically. And uh, so we go to Maine and we go to the Portland Mall and the Portland Mall had a Toys R Us. So once we got our our gaming systems, like for me, it was a chance to go buy something like really new. Like, you know, like you go down there and I remember getting like Faxanadu when I was there and Ninja Gaiden. And like you couldn't I couldn't find those here for some reason. But I was so excited about Final Fantasy because of Nintendo Power. And so that one that one summer that it, that it, the year it came out, so 1990 I'm guessing, I went down there with my money ready to buy Final Fantasy. And <laughs> I opened that box and like that game had a pretty thick manual. Uh it had a map, it had a bestiary and I think it was a I think they were like a list of spells. I had that stuff memorized <laughs> by the time I got home and turned it on for the first time because of course we still had to finish our trip and drive home before I could even play the game. Yeah. Those, so, you know, those joys. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I mean, that, that, that was, that was a big, big thing for me too, but well, Final Fantasy one is I've never played the original NES version much, but I played the GBA version. And I loved it. Oh, I'm so actually going to go back to Dawn of Souls. I can't, I wasn't, I didn't grow up in the NES, so it's hard for me to play a lot of NES games. Sure. I totally, I totally appreciate that for sure. It's I try. Sometimes I go back, but it's, yeah. It's still very difficult for me to enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get don't it. have that. But well, thank you, Greg, for sharing that. No problem. Thanks <laughs> for asking. And everyone else, stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me for this one? A long time games, my mom found guest, Kenneth Sanity. Not talking. Hi, and welcome back. And as anyone who's already listened to this already knows, what is your favorite gaming memory? That's what I'm here to talk about. Oh my gosh, favorite gaming memory. Well, that's a lot of years. I started playing games when I was just like a wee child back when I was like five or six. And that was before I even had a Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, I'm, you know, I'm an old man. Well, not old, old, but, you know, I'm in my <laughs> early 50s. And I had an Apple IIe computer growing up. A lot of people my age remember that as the computer to play Oregon Trail on before Macintosh came around, but there was a game called Taipan, which was essentially one of those economic simulators. Like you're a pirate, you're going around, you're buying things and selling them at a higher price. You're fighting off other fleets. And most of it was all text-based interface. Okay. And my dad was a huge fan of that. And I I played a lot of it. I still play it to this day. Actually, Uh, somebody made an app version of it and it's, damn near perfect for the android so it's probably out there for iphones too but i think my favorite memory revolves around the old nes game bionic commando (laughs) okay that's not what i expected 
that's that's kind of weird. But no, it's not. Game, it's not weird. Oh no, it's plenty weird. But the reason is um, when I finally got an NES, which was you know I still got it when they were bundling Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt together. The zapper was not orange; it was still gray in color. So I was probably part of that like first wave of NES people. And played a lot of games, uh, Super Mario Brothers, of course, Capcom Strider. I don't know if anybody remembers Strider, but woof. I, I do. That, the NES version was not an easy game. But Bionic Commando was the one that really kind of sticks out to me because I remember playing that a lot with my dad. Okay. Uh, would alternate levels because there was an overworld map kind of thing, and it was non well mostly non-linear progression it was like the super mario brothers 3 map in that you had like optional levels you could do you had you know your mainline side-scrolling story missions there were encounters where you hit trucks and it was like a top-down type of shooty game like commando was it was a lot of different games in one and i just remember playing that through completion like we had passwords, like we'd play like four or five levels, swapping off every time one of us died. And uh, we would get far and then write down the password. Uh, for those of you listening, a uh, password <laughs> thing that happened uh, before you had save files for everything. Uh, <laughs> passwords would track your progress through a series of alphanumeric entries. And they were usually long and incredibly complicated. Some of those old passwords were make great online passwords now (laughs) yeah they were they were for sure you know we just we played the hell out of this game and it was not an easy game as nes games go (laughs) no Uh, they never are no 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 nes games like if you grew up with nes games you you dealt with a lot of weird shit so you get upgrades in this game too like different equipment uh, you do, yeah, absolutely. There was it was a surprisingly deep equipment set. Like you would start off with your regular gun, and then you would get other guns like the wide cannon, which would like fire three projectiles, one straight ahead, and then two two at uh, forty five degree angles above and below that. Uh, you would also get a rocket launcher. Uh, they had a machine gun. They had all sorts of different weapons, and you could always change your loadout before you went into a level. So it was shockingly deep for an 8-bit game. There were different color communicators that you had to bring with you. Like some communicators didn't work on some levels. And if you brought the wrong communicator, it would trigger an alarm. (laughs) Arms would bring more bad guys down. And that was just a whole other nightmare. I have never played it. I meant to. I just have never gotten around to playing Biot Commando in my life yet. It's it's definitely one of those games that you got to get used to because the hook of Bionic Commando is that you have a retractable arm. And this arm you used to grab on stuff, and it has a swinging mechanic, very much like your Tarzan. So there's no jump button in this game at all. So you have to get really, really good at using this arm for, like, long swinging portions. And for the longest time, this was the closest thing we had to a good Spider-Man game. <laughs> what are you talking about? You mean the Atari game wasn't good? No. <laughs> I know it's not. I, I, I played it, though, the 2600 one. I played it a few times. 
Oh, God. Yeah, like some of those older superhero games were a nightmare. I specifically am recalling right now the uh, Superman game for the NES, and that was a special kind of hell. <laughs> I, I don't play a lot of NES. I oh, I have no. stayed away, but I do want to play more. Like, now that I'm watching this, and now that I know someone who likes this game, I might have to someday make myself play this finally for the show. Well, they actually remade this game pretty darn well, actually, called uh, Bionic Commando Rearmed. It uh, came out like the PS3 era, so PS3, mm-hmm. Xbox 360. And it was a pretty faithful remake of the game. Um, definitely upped the graphics a lot. Uh, this originally began life as a uh, as an arcade game uh, Capcom made. It is available in the uh, Capcom arcade collection that you can get now for modern consoles. Very interesting look to the game, but uh, this particular storyline got really, really dark because you're fighting this army, right? <laughs> and... <laughs> I know where you're going with this, and I can't wait. <laughs> it's ridiculous saying it out loud because you're fighting this army and they have a goal and you know that their goal is to, you know, get their leader up and moving. They want to bring him back from the dead. And it turns out, of course, like all good things, the leader is, of course, Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's absolutely ridiculous. I, God, I don't remember what the American, because they didn't call him Hitler in the American version. They did in the Japanese version. But I think it was like Hisler or something. Yeah, it's something different. I was just I just saw it just now the way they say it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you look at him and it's fucking Hitler. It's Hitler. I think that's hilarious. That's one I mean, I'm as I've said on the show many times, I love World War II stuff, so I've always been super interested in one day trying this game. And stuff like this amuses me. Well, it's it's interesting because it does play like a war game, but it's got enough fantastic elements in there that it never really feels like a call of duty or anything. It feels more sci-fi because, you know, you have an extendable bionic arm (laughs) and you're swinging around going point to point and man, oof, it is hard on the thumbs. It's like when you're using that old school NES controller, that's all sharp angles. Like you eventually wear grooves in your fingers because the swinging takes a lot of back and forth adjustment and you have to position the arm just right. And then you have the corners of that square controller digging into your hands. <laughs> like the NES games had an extra element of physical punishment as well as intellectual punishment for the difficulty. And I don't know about everybody else, but when I played in NES games, I gripped that controller tight. Like I had this feeling like, okay, my hands are getting sweaty. I need to hold on to this tight. Otherwise, I'm going to drop the controller. And when I drop the controller, I'm screwed. But uh, Bionic Commando was really the first time that I got into into a game and reading all the lore and going to all the alternative levels because I wanted to know the entire story. And it's just as dumb as you think. <laughs> it would get dumber uh, when the game was redone for PS3, Xbox 360, just called Bionic Commando. And all yeah, Bionic sudden, Commando Rearmed is what it's called. Well, Bionic Commando Rearmed was the remastered version of the NES game. There was a different Bionic oh, Commando. Oh, you're talking about the, the remake with PS3 360 era? Yeah. I have that. I have multiple copies of that. I've never played it. I want to, and it looks terrible, but I just have never gotten to it yet. 
It's absolutely horrible. I figured. Absolutely horrible. Like, I I consider myself to be a Bionic Commando fan. I enjoy Bionic Commando Rearmed. I love Bionic Commando Rearmed 2. I've played the NES version. I've played the arcade version. I've even played that shitty, horrible PS3, Xbox 360 one. And there's I also, played it and I think there's a Game Boy Color port, too. Probably. And the Game Boy Color port is probably closer to the NES game. Yeah, it is from what I, from what I remember. Oh, God. The less said about that, three, the better. Because it just gets ridiculous. But... Before that happened, it was all about the 8-bit. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. Like, people swore in this game. (laughs) They called me a damn fool. (laughs) I always forget damn's a swear word. And that, like, as like an 8-year-old or however young I was when that game came out, that was mind-blowing. Not only is Hitler somehow alive in this game, but he's calling me a damn fool. (laughs) And how you beat him... It's the most ridiculous bit of video game chicanery I've ever encountered. He's in a helicopter, and you have to swing off of a ledge and time it just right to send a rocket flying through the cockpit of the helicopter. If you miss, you die instantly. Oh, that's nice. Like, it is ridiculous, but the Uh, the rule... You gotta love NES. Oh my god. Especially because, yeah, you hit Hitler, you kill Hitler. And it shows you in, of you know, pictures, like, they'll change the picture. It's slow animation, but it's his head graphically exploding. <laughs> like, it is. It was shocking as a child. And, like, I didn't, I didn't know you could do this. I didn't know you could get away with this in video games. And this was before the ratings came out. So, you know, Hitler calling you a damn fool and had <laughs> for the trouble. It, and it being Hitler. Yeah, and it being Hitler, I mean, it was just, it's wild. But these are the kind of things you can get away with. And this came out, yeah, 1988, so I would have been eight years old when this game came out. And being called a damn fool by Hitler and then getting to blow up his head, well, (laughs) shit. We'll live with you forever. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it really will. Uh, This was originally released as a game in Japan called Hitler's Resurrection Top Secret, which, you know, that's a hell of a title. Now, this came out in 87, it looks like, for the NES version. I'm showing 88. Okay. Wikipedia's lying to one of us, then. (laughs) Whatever. Regardless. Oh, the arcade game came out in 87. Okay, that's probably what I'm looking at, then. Okay. Yeah. Yep, you're right. 88 NES. Okay, never mind me. Yeah, this was, uh, this was, I think, a Christmas present in 88. And it has we, stuck with you all this time. And now you got me wanting to play this game. And I had no interest whatsoever in playing this game. And now I do. So this time. And you know what? I'll be honest. Occasionally, I go back to this. I probably play this, you know, once every couple of years from beginning to end. And it's just a good time. Okay. Uh, they were called the Bads in America. But uh, in Japan, they were actual Nazis. No, I get that. We we don't like to say that word here sometimes. <laughs> Mostly not in 88. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, no. It become much more common, unfortunately, in 2020 yeah. moving forward. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, Ken, and thank you for sharing that. And again, you made me want to play a game I had no intention of wanting to play ever, and now I do. So thank you, I think. Fantastic. I think everybody out here should give it a shot.
All right, and stay tuned for the next one. Hi, and who's with me? Hi, folks, uh, Steve Rosader back again. Hey, welcome back. And as I've said, I'm assuming multiple times, <laughs> what is your favorite gaming memory? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's kind of like picking your favorite kid or, or pet or something. Sometimes <laughs> it's, 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 it's just hard to pick one, especially when you've, hey, you've been around the block like I have. You know, 43 years old, you've got a lot of different memories to, to compile here. Um, so probably, um, I mean, I've got memories of dating back to, I don't know if you've heard me over on uh, Bill Tucker's Gamer Looks at 40 podcast many, many years ago, but I, I first got my start in gaming uh, kind of running in arcades and bowling alleys uh, where my parents used to bowl. And I don't remember them so much as so much my mom would tell the stories about me just standing on chairs and playing the arcade games <laughs> a lot of bugs in the pool hall would come out and watch me because they're just memorizing just like five-year-old kids and slammed out of a Pac-Man cabinet. <laughs> my mom would uh, she jokingly says this, but I don't imagine that she's actually that far from the truth. But she's saying it used to be a, you know, one of the thugs would hold me in one arm and come bring the chair out to her in, in the other and be like, uh, this is Lusader, he's out of quarters. Because <laughs> <laughs> they used to just, just like to watch him play. I think probably the earliest one that I, I have actual recollection of is probably, I think I'm, uh, I'm trying to do the math in my head, I think I'm nine years old. Uh, this is the first Christmas in our first uh, actual home. You know, we read it the early parts of my life. My first actual home, I was entering third grade. Okay. And it was the Christmas that I, I got my first NES console. I remember I remember sitting there and opening a couple different bigger boxes. And, like, the first box I opened has, like, the NES Advantage, that big, like, bulky joystick thing. I think a lot of people may not have had it, but a lot of people have And, like, okay. And then the second one had... I forget what else I think maybe just had this upper attachment. I'm not real sure what it was. I'm like, and I remember saying, like, well, you know, this is all great, but none of this matters without the, and in the third box, like the actual control deck system. And I just remember, you know, you know, for nine years old, just being over the moon because it was, you know, that one thing that you wanted for Christmas. You know, I know my parents probably struggled a little more than they, they lead me to believe or something. So it, it really meant a lot that, that I got that that year. Do you remember what what any what games came with it for the Nintendo? You said the Power Pack, was it? or? Yeah, it was just the control deck. So I think it was just, um, I didn't actually even have the dual cartridge with um, Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. And the one I had just had Super Mario Brothers. But I remember, I see that year, I think I, in addition to it, I think I'd gotten like a, Hogan's Alley, because that was an old favorite of my own. Okay. I was a kid. Icarus, I think I got. I think that's kind of what we what came, not like with the set, but as additional games to go along with that that year. Because those are, yeah, those are some of the earliest ones I remember, I remember playing. And what was your favorite of that bunch? Is there one that like stuck with you that you played more? I am still a Mega Man junkie. I am still, to this dying day, an absolute Mega Man I... <laughs> I don't even know how many times I played and beat Mega Man 2. I, I do remember that it took me probably a better part of like two or three years probably to beat Mega Man 2 for the first time because it's hard. It's a tough game. Really. I mean, obviously, I played it enough on the ace at it, but when you're 10 years old, man, that's a freaking tough game. I mean, um, I'm but sure. I know I put that game through its paces and, you know, I downloaded the legacy collection and stuff. My, my PS2 collection has the anniversary collection. My PS4 has 
legacy collections for the base Mega Man games and all the X series. I'm, I'm just, I'm a diehard junkie for that stuff. So I, I bet I've easily played Mega Man 2 well into the hundreds, well into the hundreds over my time. That's impressive. I, I love Mega Man 2 also. I can't, I've never beat it legit. I went through a phase before this podcast started. But I, like, I, I told myself, I'm going to beat Mega Man 2. And I, Kept practicing and practicing and practicing, but I never, I got, I never got past all the Wily stages. I just, qu- I just couldn't do it. <laughs> and I stopped caring. So, since you love Mega Man Two as a kid, did that? I'm assuming that pr- pushed you on to get Mega Man One and Mega Man Three and things. Then eventually, um, oddly enough, my my original NES collection, I only had Mega Man Two and Mega Man Four. And I remember buying Mega Man Four from a yard sale that my younger brother's best friend was having. I went over there, he was selling it, I picked up like five bucks and put it into my collection. <laughs> Those were the only two I ever actually owned. Most of the rest I played through like video store rentals because, uh, you know, in the 1980s, you know, long before we had internet and streaming, ladies and gentlemen, we got to yeah. video stores and we rented games for extended weekends. And that, that was my experience with a lot of different games I played through, both my NES and my SNES. Uh, I don't think I actually played the original Mega Man for the first time until the anniversary collection came out on the play, on the PS2. Damn, but, that's the 90s. Well, yeah, well, here's the thing. And some diehard Mega Man fans know this, and a lot don't. The original Mega Man cart is exceedingly rare. It was actually very short published by Capcom because they weren't sure that this thing was going to take off. They just kind of threw it together on a whim and threw it out there. They did not expect it to catch on like wildfire like it did. And by the time anybody really caught, you know, they had enough success to make a Mega Man 2. But by the time the series took off, anybody wanting to go back and get an original cart was having a hard time. And like I said, we're talking pre-2000s, so we're talking pre-internet and eBay. So finding one of these by hand was a grueling task. They were so impossible to find because they were so short printed. I can even tell you, here's another one, a memory. So my library used to have these like game swap programs every now and again. And what it was is you could bring in any of your unwanted games. And they almost did a sort of pseudo-auction style. Like somebody would go up there and if it was something that you wanted, like they would tell you what they have. And if it's something that you wanted, you'd be like, hey, I got one of these games. Are you willing to swap it? And whether you did or didn't, it was, it was done. We only did that one time, and I did do a couple swaps that night. But I remember there was a gentleman there who was looking for an original Mega Man cart. And so, like I said, time-wise, we're probably talking very late 80s. And his offer pretty much was, I'll, I will buy you any new game of your choice for a swap of that cart. He said, don't care. So we'll go to Toys R Us, I'll give you the cash or whatever it is. But I'm looking for that car. I don't know that anybody actually had one there to give him. I remember him making that offer because at that time, for our age, it was a pretty fantastic offer. Yeah, that is. That's kind of cool, though. I mean, I, so you said the anniversary or you said Legacy Collection earlier? The PS2 collection is actually called the Anniversary Collection. Yes, and that was 2005. I thought it was newer than that. Yeah, but yeah. So, yeah the Legacy older. Collection are the ones that came out later for like PS4, PS5, and the modern Xbox. Yeah, and then PC and, and everything. Yeah, they do still have those too, because still a junkie like that. <laughs> hey, they're they're great games. I mean, I I played Mega Man 2 as a kid, but I really didn't jump into that series until Legacy Collection is when I, re- I mean, when I really started playing them and this podcast. I had a uh, Nintendo Power subscription through almost all of my video game shopping, probably even I think it was late high school when I finally gave up on, on collecting them. 
But man, I remember I remember getting hyped for any time that Nintendo Power was ready to tease the tidbit for the next Mega Man game. And to me, that was that was high limit. Like it didn't get much higher to you know ten to sixteen year old me than that. Than finding out, hey, Capcom's releasing the next Mega Man game. We're gonna give you a sneak preview next month. And I was chomping at the bit for that next issue. So like, I mean, I need these, like, we're gonna be these bosses, we're gonna be these weapons, we're gonna be these things, and it was, it was always just something new to me, and it's just like, it, it's a repetitive formula, yes, I get it, but it was always just barely fresh enough to still be really cool each time, and, and then the problem was, is the best part of the games, to me, a lot of times, it turned out to be the music, which you couldn't hear in the magazines. You could get the maps and the layouts and the strategies, but you couldn't hear the music. And then once that music hits you, you're just like, oh my damn, this is amazing stuff. <laughs> no, Mega Man 2 soundtrack. I, I, I'm notorious not listening to a lot of music on this podcast, but I do like the Mega Man 2 soundtrack. Mega Man 2 is a top 10 all time. Easy top 10 all time. Okay. Let's see, and the game stuck with you all your life. <laughs> it sounds like so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mega Man 2, I think, is... I think Mega Man 2 is my favorite of the of the series, too. Like, that game is just something else. Well, and I think what it is, too, for a lot of gamers, myself included, it was the jump-on point. Like, most of us didn't jump on at Mega Man. We jumped on at Mega Man. That's, that's where we started to ride that train. So it sticks with us more. That makes sense, because, like you said, the first one didn't have much of a print run, so they didn't know. Because <laughs> I, I was introduced to Mega Man 2 first. I wasn't introduced to 1 till years later. It was 2 and 3 my buddy had when I first saw them. Or maybe two, three, four, five, six. I can't remember. I just know that he had two for sure. And I played it a lot. All right, any last things you want to say about Mega Man 2? Or any other Nintendo game that stuck with you from that original batch? Uh, no, probably not from, the, from, not, from, not from the original batch. I mean, you know, the, the original, a lot of the original lineup is, I, I mean, it's, it's good nostalgia. But sometimes, thinking back about it, maybe they, they weren't really, like, the best of games. I, I mean, I remember Kid Icarus being... Moderately frustrating for, for a long time. It was like, yeah, sure, it was fun with the fun music, but it was actually a really super challenging game. And yeah. you know, I remember playing, I remember playing Metroid for the first time. And everybody has this allure of the original Metroid. You know, and, and yeah, sure, it's a game that started all. But the original Metroid is darn near impossible to play. It, it's just not that <laughs> great of a game. And I, I, and a lot of people probably be mad at me for saying that, but I mean, I'm okay with it. But you know, so we got the later games that had the, the, the built-in maps and stuff like that. Got, the first one's almost unplayable unless you want to sit down there with a freaking grid sketch pad and map your way around everything. So many twists, turns, and, and dead ends. It's, like, I, I, it's amazing that younger me ever finished that. You know, I, I've never actually played the original Metroid yet. It's on my list of games to get to. I played a bunch of them. I never played the actually original, original one. I don't know if I want to, but one day... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, if you feel like you got to scratch that itch for whatever reason, fine. But after playing all of the later games, you know, whether it's Super Metroid or the Primes or even Metroid Dread, you're going to miss all the innovations that the game brought. And you're going to be like, I need a map. I need this. Why doesn't this game have this? Because it's like 1986. That's <laughs> well, I mean, I'd be playing with a map because I always, I always print maps out when I play Metrovania games, but I'm just trying to beat all the Metro games and I've done zero. I've, that's one of the ones I've never gotten around to, so it's, on, it's just on my list just to do it to do it type of thing, because I'm crazy. We'll see what happens. Eventually it might, but not anytime soon. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve, for coming on to share that with us. 
All right, and stay tuned for the next one. Hi, and who's with me? This is Ian Bauer. Hi, and welcome back. Thank you. And what is your favorite gaming memory? My favorite gaming memory. So I, I've been uh, thinking about this a lot over the last couple of days. It's it's why it's why I didn't get back to you promptly. Oh no, you're fine. You know, it, there there was a couple different things that really stick out, and I, I'm 40, so I have quite a few memories at this point since I've been playing for I don't know however many years now. <laughs> you know, like the first time I played Castlevania Symphony of the Night, the first time I beat Zelda two when I was like eight. Ooh. But, you know, what really sticks out to me, and I was talking to my wife about this right before we, before I met you, before I met you, before I, <laughs> I got on. So do you remember that movie, The Wizard? I remember of it. I barely seen it, but I know of it. Okay. So, you know, again, me being 40, I was <laughs> old enough or young enough, however you want to put it, to have seen it in the theater, right? And uh, I remember, man, that movie blew my mind as a kid. And I, didn't, I didn't put it together that it was just a, a big Nintendo commercial. But I, I love that movie. And in fact, in my 20s, I managed to get a copy of it on VHS when a video store went out of business. You know, moving forward, my my one of my my biggest memories of, of gaming and one of the most important experiences, I think, is uh, Nintendo put on something in the early 90s called the Nintendo Power Fest. And if if you're familiar with it, you know, those cartridges that run for, God, I don't know, like 80, 90, 100, 300 thousand dollars or whatever it is. Uh huh. I got to play one of those. And so what it was is I, I'm, I live in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, Nintendo put on the event at the Oakland Coliseum and you went in and it was kind of modeled to look exactly like the last scene in the movie where they're having the tournament. Okay. And uh, it, I mean, it was it was fantastic. And it was so early 90s, man. It was all that gray and pink and purple. So it was like the, <laughs> the late 80s meet the early 90s of color. And you look good. Uh, 1991 or 1994 one? 19, I did both. Okay. The, I did the 1991 at the Coliseum, then I did the 1994 Blockbuster one, but that was for the Genesis. Okay. And that was where you go to your local Blockbuster and you play in the tournament and they give you dates to come in. But this one was, it was all, it was over the course of a weekend and you got tickets for Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And every Nintendo game they had made was playable and it was on like a 10 minute timer. So, you know, kids weren't bogarting the whole thing. <laughs> Every, I mean, the only food there had sugar in it. So everything was just sugar, 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 caffeine, you know, the kind of food that your mom was like, all right, don't, don't eat it, you know, at all. And you're like, uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to. Oh my God, man. It, it blew my mind. I walked in and this is like, this is where I was introduced to double dragon two. This is where I played like, you know, just all kind of like Ninja Gaiden. And I mean, it was, it was, it was Mecca. It was amazing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they let you know what games ahead of time. And my dad, who is, uh, you know, 62. So he was in his late, uh, late, late twenties, early thirties at the time. He was, dude was a whiz at Tetris. In fact, I remember he, uh, he did so well one time that, you know, how at the, at the end, the little rocket would take off next to the Kremlin. I've never gotten that far. <laughs> I never played the NES one, actually, but I know of it. Okay, so if I you do well enough, me. yeah, they, they have a little rocket on a pad because, you know, it's communism or whatever. <laughs> and yeah. it, it blasts off. Well, the rocket was so damn big, it didn't fit on the screen, so the Kremlin took off. And uh, I remember he was, like, teaching me how to play Tetris better, and you had to get, like, 
the 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 whole thing was like you get 50 coins in mario you finish the first track in rad racer and then you get as many points as you can in tetris and if you did well enough in the preliminary round you got to go up on stage and play again and if you did well enough on stage they invited you back for sunday afternoon so you got a free ticket back and then you know the the winner there would go on to face the the winners from the other districts and i think there was like 26 places around the country that were doing this at but it was it was stunning and they were playing all these previews for new games coming out up on the big screen and the guy was asking questions and and uh i remember he asked what are the four ninja turtles and i raised my hand and i got that one right and i got like a pin or something but it was so much fun and it, it's a bummer that they don't do anything like that anymore oh because i mean it they should because it would still like it would get attention but i guess I mean, this is, I mean, long, even long before COVID, they didn't do this stuff. Yeah. I think the last time they tried it was what, about six or seven years ago. And it was like at Best Buy. And you know, like here, there was that, uh, that NES Rebix thing that you would play. Okay. I remember that game for Wii U and 3 and DS. No, 3DS. 3DS. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think if you did well enough on that, you, I don't know, won some popcorn or something. But <laughs> I, it was such a place in time kind of thing, you know, and it was, it was such a cool experience. That is really cool. I, I, I went to one championship type thing. It was a Pokemon thing. And I can't remember the year, though, unfortunately. But I know I, I did that once where I played Game Boy and I lost both my matches. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being there. Like that's the thing. You build yourself at, at home so much and you're like, oh, I'm so good at this game. I'm going to annihilate. And then you go to a place and where other people know what they're doing. And you're like, oh, oh, I my." <laughs> My confidence, my pride. <laughs> well, I didn't. Off. I was like, I was young, and I don't. I didn't understand Pokemon well enough that like I knew what types to have. I didn't have my Pokemon all leveled up to ninety nine. Like I probably, like I should have. They were in the seventies and things. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Because the champ, it was like you got to enter like seventy to ninety nine was one turn was one tournament, and that was the one that I grade I entered in, and I just remember that. But <laughs> <laughs> that had been fun though in San Francisco going to these going to these tournaments. I'm sure like or just all the excitement must have been crazy too for Nintendo at the time. I mean it was wild. Like I said, it was nineteen ninety. It was right after uh that movie came out. You know, everybody <laughs> was so into Nintendo. It was one of those things, uh you know, you, you I remember kids trying to figure out like Mega Man two or you know any one of the zelda games uh, you know and and there was no internet so you have to talk to each other on the playground and uh hey man how'd you beat heat man i don't know how'd you beat (laughs) quick man i don't know so we're both stuck yep or uh oh god or punch out man trying to beat uh (laughs) that fat bastard uh king King hippo oh my god my dad finally somebody he worked with figured it out and he came home he's like ian ian you got to wait till his mouth opens and you punch him. And then you start beating him in the stomach. And uh, I mean, that was like a six month roadblock finally cleared. <laughs> I still have never played punch out. You got to play punch. It is. One I mean, it is shockingly racist. Um, yeah, that, I've seen that. <laughs> but I, I it just it feel like one of those games. I, I skipped a lot of Nintendo games. So I was just like one that I need to play. You know, it, it's fun. It's one of those things you invest about two or three hours in. And then, you know, somebody just you know slaughters you and you're like cool had the experience i'm good you know <laughs> but yeah you know walking around because uh it was it was on the main floor of the coliseum so where the the warriors used to play right okay and so the the main event was held where the the basketball court was and so they cleared everything away and then all the games were in like the main 
concession areas and maybe not the concession areas, but kind of this underground area that was just a big open space. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's where I'm pretty sure that's where I, I discovered that I loved double dragon too. And I ended up getting that for Christmas that year. And me and my friend played it all the time. You know, you could just, I mean, there was everything there. Every game that <laughs> Nintendo had made was there. And, you know, it was just, it was just, it, it was this wild time. And I remember my dad finally finding me. He's like, here, eat a sandwich. We've been here for <laughs> hours. You got to do, eat something. Your mom will kill me. And I was like, that I don't know. Sugar. <laughs> that isn't sugar, right? And, you know, just waiting back in line again to play Double Dragon 2 and then to play it again and then play it again and then going to play like Ninja Gaiden and going to play. There's all these things because it was it was everything. And there's never been a time in my life again where I've seen every game available to play. I think the closest that I've come to that experience is maybe like going to PAX when I lived up near Seattle, which is an amazing thing to go to. This is a free plug for PAX. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I had the best time doing that, too. But yeah, I, I I I think about that that experience a lot and how unique it was and and how it'll just I mean there there's a lot of I can go back and I can play Castlevania Symphony of the Night again. I can't go back and play Mag again because you know uh, <laughs> video game universe gods are uh, are finicky. Mag was know, only I, online, right? It was yeah, it was only online. Okay, but you know that that is something that you can never go back and do again, and will probably never get replicated. And if it does, it'll be you know, it'll be like a an esports tournament sort of atmosphere, and not just "Hey, here's everything. Go nuts for the evening. Enjoy yourself. This is what we do." And yeah, I was I was really happy to do it. And yeah, you know, I even though I didn't make it past the preliminary round onto the stage, which is again, you know, I, I was eight or nine, I could have cared less. I was surrounded <laughs> by video games, and it was it was it was the best I'd ever seen. And and uh, you know. I don't know too many people that experienced it. In fact, I don't think I know anybody that went to it. So, yeah, I, I, it was it was really cool. Well, that was super cool. I mean, that had to have been a hell of an event just to be at. Did you? How did you get? Were you able to get into the tournament much after? Or, or how did you do when it came to playing the game for the score? Uh, I think I placed. I out of uh, I think there was twenty kids that would play at a time. I think I placed like eighth at, in my in my bracket. And there, I mean, there must have been like three, four, five hundred kids there at the time that were <laughs> playing, and not just kids, you know, adults and, yeah. and everybody else. And uh, I remember my dad standing behind me. He's like, "No, no, you gotta, you gotta slot all the blocks to the left, so that when the big four four block stick comes down, you get the Tetris." And I was like, "Dad, I don't know what I'm doing. God." <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I probably you know blew it totally because you know, again, you're a little kid, and it's just like, oh, yeah. I know what I'm doing. And it's hard too. I mean, you all the excitement and everything. So. Oh yeah. Well, and then you know, like, again, you're jacked up on sugar. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I made it through the 50 Mario coins without a problem. I, I beat the Rad Racer track. Both of those things. I don't know if those are doable anymore. <laughs> so, these games are so damn hard. You go back and you play them. You're like, how how the hell do we play any of these things? Do you even like? Uh, God, you remember that? Speaking of Ninja Gaiden, that. Uh, the the super replay they did with Jeff playing Ninja Gaiden and Dan kept like screwing with him to the point where he almost like stabbed him in the head. Oh, vaguely, I did. I never. I watched part of that, but that that was kind of when I fell off replay. Was around I that gotcha. time. And like you watch, and it's like, oh my god, these games are so hard. 
what the hell were we doing at the time? And you realize, <laughs> oh, there was nothing else to play. So yeah. you just played it and played it and played it until you got really good. And, and then you had you time. It. Yeah, and you had time. Now it's like, oh, uh, Dark Souls is hard. I got to go do something else. <laughs> and Dark Souls isn't that bad. But yeah, I know a lot of people act like, oh, it's hard. It's like, it's an RPG. If it's that hard, you just go level for hours and you'll get through it just fine. Exactly. So. Older games? No. <laughs> No, definitely. Like, go back and play the original Final Fantasy on Nintendo. That one, that will scramble your brain. I'll play it on GBA, but that's it. <laughs> you can play I'll, it on your iPhone. Well, that too, but I wouldn't. I played Dawn of Souls version. I will not play the original NES version. That's for sure. Oh man! All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Ian, and thank you for coming on for this. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. This was a lot of fun to reminisce. Oh, it's a good story. And every and stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? I am Chris Johnston, host of the Player One podcast and, and former editor of EGM. And welcome back. It's good to be back, Michael. Thank you for <laughs> having me. a little me. bit. And as I brought you on for it, what is your favorite gaming memory? My favorite gaming memory. This might be a little bit different than uh, most people because my favorite gaming memory is going to be of the Summer CES in 1991. Okay. And... This was the first CES, Consumer Electronics Show, that I went to. And for those of you who don't know, before E3 was a thing, there was a show called the Consumer Electronics Show. There still is a Consumer Electronics Show, but it only held once a year now, whereas before it used to be held twice a year. And that used to be the the place where, you know, not only would consumer electronics companies show off TVs and VCRs and Laserdisc players, (laughs) <laughs> but they'd also show off video game systems. You know, video game companies would go to that show. And so back in 1991, I was but a wee lad, <laughs> 14 years old, you know, had been a reader of video game magazines, avid reader of video game magazines for, for years, and had seen pictures of the Consumer Electronics Show winter and summer, summer in Chicago, winter in Las Vegas, for years and i always wanted to go i mean i think every everybody who plays games can uh, identify with that where oh yeah when one of these shows happens yeah there's just so much envy it's just like oh i wish i could go there and play these games before they come out right so you know i knew the summer one was in chicago i lived in chicago just so happened to (laughs) and (laughs) so i thought about how could I devise a way to go to this show. And I, I took a summer uh, class on from for our local sort of cable broadcaster, you know, local access channel. They were doing like a kids produce TV thing. So I took a class there. And as part of that, I was like, you know, maybe I can use this. Uh, hey, I'm I'm working for a public access <laughs> channel to get into the consumer electronics show. So that's what I did. And uh, it worked. And I got a badge to go into the 1991 CES, summer CES, as press. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I weaseled my way in. <laughs> I guess it also helps that I'm a, I'm a tall person now. Even uh, back then when I was 14, I was still six foot three. So I looked like I was supposed to be <laughs> supposed to be there. I looked the part. 
But that, <laughs> that does help. Like, it helps. Yeah. And my dad drove me to the show and it, uh, we lived out in the suburbs and the CES was downtown at McCormick Place. And I got a badge for my dad and for me, my dad being my cameraman. <laughs> uh, we brought our family camcorder as well. <laughs> I think we still have the videos, which is going to be great. I should, uh, I should get those, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. We, so I attended that CES, which, you know, if, if you're, if you're around then or remember the 1991 summer CES, that is the place where like a lot of the events of the book console wars happened, oh, right? That's cool. The big Sega versus Nintendo blow up really <laughs> occurred there, you know, where Sega announced their price was going to be lower than the Super Nintendo. And it was the debut of the U.S. version of the Super Nintendo. You know, before that, it hadn't been seen. And uh, so that was amazing just to see what the Super Nintendo looked like at that time. Because there were a lot of, like, rumors in the video game magazines that, oh, it's going to look like this or that. But seeing it firsthand before reading about it in a magazine was was just fantastic. And then, of course, on the Sega side, you have Sonic the Hedgehog making its real debut this was a few weeks before it came out in the u.s and getting to play it before it came out which was just amazing but also just kind of hobnobbing around the various booths of this show playing games that were you know months out it's just an amazing experience and to be like a 14 year old who like read game pro and egm for years and now suddenly i'm there not even working for one of those. <laughs> Not <magazines>. really. <laughs> you know, I, I had, yeah, gotten in under the guise of <laughs> doing videos for public access. But uh, really, I was just there to have fun. And I did. It was amazing. And, you know, I, since I had a press badge, I also could get um, press materials and press kits. So, like, at the time, this was pre-internet, of course, pre getting a thumb drive with all the press releases on it or anything like that. Uh, Nintendo, Sega, NEC, and, who made the TurboGrafx-16, and all these other video game companies would have press kits that were big binders. They were like trapper keepers of information, like system specs, and they all usually had like a page that had slides, which were you know screenshots or key art or executive headshots in these press kits and it was just amazing to like have this material and then also think hey you know this isn't just a fun hobby this is an industry like yeah you <laughs> kind of get a business <laughs> suddenly like you realize oh right you know this is a corporate thing too like and this the show really is mainly corporate <laughs> yeah. not not some kind of paradise for games <laughs> because you technically weren't supposed to be there but <laughs> Yeah, technically I wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> but uh yeah, and then when I look back on that, just the, you know, and I think I only went for a day or maybe two days. Maybe I may have conned my dad into driving down a second day. <laughs> but uh you know, to look back on that and to have been at that show when, you know, suddenly the subject of the console wars book and it seemed like an important point in video game history that I just so happened to have been at, and it feels very strange. Plus, I feel like it probably infected your life, because, I mean, you went on to write for a gaming magazine. 
Yeah, I think you it did. I officially think it did. press. Yeah, you know, I wanted to work for a video game magazine, and I was 14 at the time, so <laughs> not going to happen. But, uh, you know, it did happen a couple of years after that. And, you know, I put a lot of credit to living in the place that I lived, which was like two towns over from where uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly was was produced. And Chicago, you know, had a kind of a rich coin-op history, and there were some video game companies there as well before everybody moved out to the West Coast. So you had Konami and Jalico was there, and uh, NEC, you know, the TurboGrafx-16 business was kind of run okay. out chicago suburbs as well for a little while so yeah you know had that not happened i don't know that i would be in the industry today or have had like a video game career so that was sort of the start of all of that was that show okay that's pretty damn cool yeah that's a good story i know you went on to like egm we were talking about like i and all those other stuff you've done but that's so cool to see like you know to, something like that i mean plus chicago is just such an Chicago's a really cool city. I'm not from Chicago, but I've been there in a few times. I like that city a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I haven't lived there for 20 years, yeah. <laughs> but I still consider myself like from Chicago. Like yeah, when somebody you're... asks me like, oh, where are you from? Well, originally from Chicago. You know, <laughs> I haven't lived there for almost half my life. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so north of where you were from. But like I have, I left when I was 18. I still tell people, yeah, I'm from Milwaukee, even though I've lived. At this point, I want to say, no, not longer yet, but I'm getting close to living longer in Minnesota than I ever did in Wisconsin. But ah. it's kind of one of those things like, you you know, you always have that place wherever you live, you know, your childhood from, even though if you don't <laughs> go there anymore. That's true. Yeah, definitely. I just went to downtown Chicago last time I was in there. I went to the aquarium and Navy Pier and walked the lakeside. It's so nice now. <laughs> when I was it growing was. up there, I didn't really remember it as being nice like i have a lot of memories of chicago but a lot of them is just you know gray tones a very like dark sort of city area but <laughs> it's it's nice now i know i thought about like i know our uber drive and we were there we were thinking about going to the white Sox stadium just to go see it and the guy's like yeah if you go over there make sure you're not there after it gets dark <laughs> <laughs> so some areas are good some areas are like yeah don't go there yeah <laughs> stay away <laughs> Yeah, I just remember that because we were just we were just being tourists and trying to go see like we went to go see Wrigley Field just because. Mm. And I remember that was fine. But, yeah, they were like, yeah, don't go. Don't go. Don't go by White Sox. <laughs> Stay away from that. Well, because of the Ferris Bueller stuff, right? Like the the, you know, <laughs> I do love that movie. <laughs> uh, you want you want to see Save Ferris up on the LCD uh, screen there. I don't think they have that anymore. Oh, that would probably. But I have a good story. The first time I ever saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off was when I was taking, I had a high school trip for some reason, my English class, we were going to Chicago, like the art museum or something, and they played it on the bus on the way there. That was the first time I ever saw that movie on my way to Chicago. So it's always kind of like stuck with me. Like, you know, that movie is Chicago and just like to really, you know, to see it in your first time when you're going to Chicago with a bunch of high schoolers. Oh, completely. <laughs> was- and then also to see a movie about skipping school on a school sanctioned event like that's. I mean, we weren't we weren't doing anything. I mean, it wasn't like we went for any school reason. We were I don't know sure why even the hell we went there. It wasn't. We went to a mall. Went to the the vertical mall. I think it is. That was in Chicago. Wait, and this was a school trip. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure what the hell we were doing. We were doing anything for school. We were just the guy was like it was like it was senior year. It was uh, an AP class. I'm like yeah, fuck it, we're going to Chicago. I'm like okay, sure, I'll go to Chicago. 
Wow, this this that sounds amazing. <laughs> it, it was. It was my one of my fir- not my first one, or one of my, my I think my second time ever being in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But my best experience. And my first time I went there, I walked Navy Pier, and on the way back, our train ran over somebody, and we were stopped for hours. So oh. It wasn't a good experience. <laughs> but a memorable trip. It was. I will never forget what what, Gosh. what happens when you let one Amtrak go by, and then you go for the other one. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, CJ. Absolutely. It was good to talk with you. Yeah, good to talk to you, too. All right. And everyone else, stay tuned for the next interview. Hi. Who's with me? Peter Bingham Pankratz, the author of the sci-fi novel The Fifth Civilization in stores now. And welcome back. And what is your favorite gaming memory? Well, for to me... As not a, I'm not a strong gamer anymore. No. To me, gamers are, games are, you know, rooted in my childhood. That's when I did the most gaming. And I have, I had one older brother who's just a couple years older than me named Dan. And I think my strongest memories, my favorite memories in my youth are with him and we played games together. You know, before, you know, there was no online game at the time. So, you know, you'd play with whoever was available. If you had friends over, you know, you might get four people to do Mario Kart or maybe get two people to do Mario Kart. Or if or you're lucky, all your, all your friends will play uh, Golden yeah. or convince your friend to play GoldenEye for you to unlock GoldenEye. Yes. GoldenEye <laughs> is also another one. Um, you know, if you didn't have, you know, a bunch of friends that could get together at one time, you kind of had to do with what you had in, in, you know, in your own home. So luckily, my brother and I played the same games and we were both involved with many different video games that we had. I think all the all the big classics from the 90s, you know, like Mario Kart 64, also, you know, GoldenEye, of course, <laughs> and Little Ones. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of their names. You know, you play Sonic, Sonic 3 and Tails, you know, one person be Tails, one person be Sonic. Um, oh, yeah, you can do that in that game. Yeah, you could do that at the time. Any racing games, I think San Francisco Rush was a big one. Uh, that was for Nintendo 64. Also, things like various racing games. I think N64 was big for racing games. Yeah, it was. Um, I didn't play any, but it was. They're they're not as fun with the computer as they are with the real person. You know, I you learn that pretty quickly. You know, you can you can kind of either the bots are too easy to beat, or they're too hard to beat. Is what I figured was the case with it. Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> but you know, if you're racing as a real person, it you know there's some level of skill and mastery that is beyond the computer, and you get to be really you know you be you get to be really skilled racing as one person all the time. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, one game I really remember playing that my brother and I really liked, and that's kind of it's kind of obscure and kind of not obscure at the same time. It was for Sega Genesis. It was called Toe Jam and Earl. Okay, you may have heard of it, maybe not. I have, but it's the premise is like these two like aliens, and like it's the classic one skinny dude and one fat dude, you know, come to a planet. I think it's planet Earth, and they have to repair their spaceship. And so each level they go to is like. They have there's like a randomly generated level generated by the game, and you have to like find a piece of the spaceship and find like power ups like hot dogs and <laughs> hot dogs, stereo systems, things like that. It was very nineties in that, you know, the the lead character had like a backwards baseball cap and they were rappers and you know, they were very funky. The music was very funky. It's a classic, you know, uh-huh. urban stuff is hip at the time. Um, I've never played it, but I or, okay, I never played it for more than like ten minutes, but I know right. about it. I never it's, knew you played it. Yeah, it was 
it may have been, if not the first game that we ever got for Sega Genesis, one of the first games from Sega Genesis. Um, I think it probably came out around the same time as Sonic the Hedgehog came out. Okay, it came um, out in 91. There we go. It was That was very early for Sega Genesis, I think, I believe. I can't remember. I'm trying to look up as we're talking. But yeah, I mean, it is early for sure. Sonic the Hedgehog is 1991 also, so yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's just a really funky game, you know. If you don't if you don't want to play it, at least watch a video of it on YouTube for like ten minutes or so and just see, you know, it's got weird aliens that throw tomatoes at you and it's got <laughs> you know, you could be you have like a hula a hula mermaid or something will will come by and then it'll force you to you'll start dancing and that's what enemies can attack you for dancing. Like you can't you can't you're like she has a force field that makes you dance and like you can't escape from that. It's like so strange. <laughs> and All right. It's so bizarre. I love games that are just bizarre and not what you expect. It's not by the numbers in any sense of the word. It's simply everything happens is something you wouldn't expect. And you know, you, you go in the water at one point, I remember, and then it plays a Jaws theme. You can see a little shark, and you have to get out of the water <laughs> for the Jaws. It's you. And that was a see, that was a two-player game. And so my brother and I it wasn't it wasn't the one we played the most, but it was one we always came back to. We really loved doing it. We really love collaborating because you'd have to the screen would split you'd have to figure out okay you couldn't leave the level until all people were in the elevator and the elevator moved up to the next level so you had to you know make sure you coordinated with your you know your companion to get to where you needed to go and one thing i'll always remember is you know many years later after we outgrew that and we moved on to like college and we moved on to other things and one time we were both home from college together and we were just playing a bunch of video games. And so my brother and I were like, let's try and play Toe Jam and Earl. <laughs> and we ended up, I don't know, I remember how long it took. It took into the wee hours of the night, maybe into the wee hours of the morning. But I think it lasts, you know, three or four hours of us just playing this game. And we, we finally beat it. We completed it in one nice. sitting um, with no save states or anything. <laughs> it, it wasn't, not, it wasn't not like me. It wasn't that involved. Yeah. You know, we had to do it old school, Mike. We had to do it just relying on brawn yeah no thank um, you but we did it and you know maybe there was a beer there might have been you know some new glarus involved or something i don't <laughs> i don't remember it was a long time ago um but you know we did it and we were so proud of it we were so proud of it he said we haven't played this game in 10 years but we got back to it and we still had the skills and it was just so fun it was so fun to like go to a different level and you know revisit this childhood and like you know sometimes we talk if there's a slow part of the game just talk about our lives and sometimes we'd you know say oh you have to get no no there's an enemy following you you have to go left go left go left you know that's really cool and it was just such a good time it's such a good i love my brother very much and i i miss the times that we'd play games together and we still do very occasionally but it was kind of just reminding of the golden times when there was nothing to do, you know, we didn't have any worries, just had, we got to beat this Sega game. And that was the most pressing thing in your life. And for me, that's a very bittersweet feeling. I know what you mean. I'm, I, I miss those days too. And I had nothing to worry about, but well, I still beat video games now for a show, but right. I do miss the days when like nothing else matters. I'm like, I oh, just, just, just spend all day doing this one thing. It doesn't matter. Cause I'm a kid. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. You know, I, I look at, again, I'm, I'm an old school gamer. So look at a game like Zelda Ocarina of Time or Zelda Majora's Mask. And I think there's so much to do, but there's a time when I found every side quest, you know, you find, you get all the items and you, you know, go fishing and get all the fish that you could in those games. And I would say to myself, wow, I had, I must've had hours to spend on that. Cause I don't know if I could these days, I think I would, if I tried to do that, 
personally, I would say I probably should, you know, get to bed or I probably should do something adult. <laughs> but when you're a kid, you know, you just have the one focus is to find, yeah. find that one item, get that, deplete that side quest. You don't have, well, I mean, you have lack of money and lack of responsibility. So you're like, well, how can right. I make use of all this time I have? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's really cool about Toe Jammer. I had, I mean, we known each other since I think we were six years old. So I never knew you played Toe Jammer <laughs> before. That's really cool. I think cool. it was, um, you know, I think it was earlier than that. I think it might have been four or five. God, yeah. We, yeah, we met in like, what, K4, K5? Kindergarten, yeah. God, very, no. very early on. <laughs> and we, so- I, I know how it was for the, to, the, to the listeners. If you know how Mike is, I believe it was Mike. Mike saw me in the playground. was like, hey, you, let's be friends. And it was very much Mike decided it. And I was like, okay. I didn't have any say in the matter. Just like, we're going to be friends now. And now we're both 34 and we still, we're still in contact, which I'm happy about. Yeah. You know, it's my <laughs> oldest friendship and I do appreciate that greatly. And we had many times playing games together, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonic. Mo- a lot of Sonic and then GoldenEye later on. Right. Classic 90s games, yeah. God, I... I still, every time I still see Sonic, I mean, it, it always brings back our friendship when we first met and we played a lot of Sonic games, things like that. I don't play much of the old Sonic anymore, but anytime I do, it still brings back the old memories. I have to say it does too, yeah. I, you know, it, it's, it's nothing but childhood for me. It's nostalgia, but it's, you know, it's a good feeling. And I do think, I do think they're quality games. For the Sonic games, you know, they would hold yeah. up today as, you know, a quality side-scrolling adventure. No, they they really are. I mean, Sonic yeah. Two is a still a really good game. Sonic Three is still an amazing game. Oh, yeah. I think Sonic One and Two is. I just have no. I don't have the nostalgic or love for Sonic One like I do for Two and Three. Oh yeah, those those two middle ones are spectacular. Uh, I'll never beat Sonic Two legit, but God, is it a great game? <laughs> you can never do that. I've only known one person <laughs> who's ever done that, and he was a, a Maven, and he might he must be using Black Magic or something. It's <laughs> so freaking hard. I mean. I also don't like games where they make you do the same thing over and over again and really like just memorize the patterns and just not fuck up. Like if I do it three times, like reward me. I'm, I don't want to do it ten times. And I think Sonic Two is like you got to you got to fight Metal Sonic with ten hits in the end, and you got to fight Robotnik with like ten hits in the end or seven hits or something ridiculous. Like it's just too much. Yeah, that's uh, it's giving me anxiety just thinking about it. <laughs> well, I'm really happy to hear about that with Toe Jam Earl. I mean, it's a game that I've always been curious about. Tiff is actually a big fan of it, and when early on we met, she's like, here, you should play this, and I'm like, "Eh." and we tried it, I'm like, I don't understand, but it's cool to hear something good about it, maybe one day I'll pick it up. Well, speaking of random Genesis games, I want to play Echo the Dolphin one day, for some reason. Oh, it's been, it had to, it's been 25 years since I played it, but I would definitely, I would consider picking it up again, because I remember that being, you know, a very visually interesting game. It's just one of those things that's on my list of Someday I need to do this, and so it's always there. So it's so damn narrow. Always on my list of one day I should play this. Yeah, what I, I, I recommend it, and to all your listeners, I recommend it too. If you if you like early '90s games, I think it's I think it's very fun and silly, and you won't expect like quite what you're looking at. I know there's a sequel to Panic at something, or there's a, I know there's a sequel. I know Panic that. on Funkotron. Yes, I think they made another one more recently, but I don't remember if I'm a, if I'm accurate or not. In my assumption. I, I can't say I play either of the sequels. If they were okay. for Genesis, I, I I miss them. But a one is for Genesis. One was like way later on. If I'm if I'm accurate, I, like I the last ten years. I wonder if the quality is quality. Oh, the quality is like I can't beat the original. You know, I'm gonna have to <laughs> just go to um, go to YouTube and see what I can figure out about those. 
You got me curious now. Well, well, thank you, Peter, for sharing that. And You're welcome. I learned something new from the guy that I know long as many friends I know. So. I mean, I'm full of surprises. You'll find that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on and stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Blake Anglin, how's it going? Going pretty good. And the question that I, depending on what, when this happens to get inserted into the into the episode, I'm, I'm going to ask again, what is your favorite gaming memory? Oh, man, I have so many. <laughs> okay, this is, it's bit, this is bittersweet for me, so it may get real. Tears may be That's shed. <laughs> Think, things can get real. Okay, so my favorite game of all time was, uh, is Secret of Mana on a Super Nintendo. I played it as a kid a lot, you know. It's just like one of the games that kind of got me passionate into RPGs and action games and all sorts of stuff. And just like real, re- really formed the, the way I make opinions about games. Me and my brother used to play as one of the one of the only really co-op RPGs available, you know. So uh, there weren't many. There weren't many, especially back then. So it was it was a big deal for us. Well, like I said, it was my favorite game. I played it tons and tons. Started it un told number of times but i i was never able to finish it as a kid even went back like remember in college i picked it up on an emulator played through it a few times this was on the pc before emulators were just this was the flip phone era <laughs> you know i had the the uh, this actually i had the slide phone which slid down and had the whole entire keypad on it some kids may not even mm-hmm. know what talking about when i say that but like the lg rumor too that's what i have yeah i can't i think it was an lg i can't i could picture the phone in my head right but I, yeah so slid down and no games on that so yeah i actually borrowed my roommate's computer played it a little bit yeah you know, i never never got around to finishing it well eventually it did come to phones you know i, I get an emulator on my phone and i'm pumped because i'm like reliving my childhood and I actually, I'm playing, I'm playing the game and I'm, I'm really deep into it. And I get a call one day, my dad had had a stroke, you know, um, this was six years ago, seven years ago. And so I, you know, pack up, my family's like five hours away and I go and we're in the hospital for like a week, you know, no, no one knows what's going on. And I, of course, to pass the time, you know, you're just sitting in the hospital. So, uh, you know, I, pick up this game and uh i finish it and my dad was in a, a pretty bad situation you know he ended up passing but but he could he we were able to talk a little bit before he did while he was in the hospital and he i was he asked me like what you know what i've, how I've been passing the time and i tell him and he kind of like remembered me playing that when i was little and he wasn't a big gamer but like he always supported me in my and what I like to do. And so I actually just like finished the game in the hospital where my dad would eventually pass. And we ended up talking about it. And it was almost surreal in a way, but it was, it just, just this weird sense of kind of closure uh, by finally beating this like all time favorite game of mine. And then, you know, having a conversation about it with my dad before he passed. And it was just like this oddly emotional thing, you know, that, will probably stick with me for the rest of my life. It will, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That also makes more sense why you love that game so much, because even, I think, one of the early times when we first met on the internet was because of Secret of Man. (laughs) Oh, so, like, what what was the the catalyst there? I remember you being the guy you talked about Secret of Man all the time. I did. Like, whatever would come up, you'd be like, and then that's, that's how I remember you, and then 
I know when I was thinking about putting on the show originally, which has not happened yet, you were the guy that I was going to reach out to and have on because you knew so much about it. Yeah. And one, one cool moment I had was uh, I went to a, like the game. So Game Informer, you know, it's like a group, the, the, the Super Replay group. It's how we met and how a lot of like even real life friends at this point. So I went, I got to go to a, a con and meet a lot of the like Overblood members and the GI editors. And they were doing a replay of Secret of Mana. And so I actually got to hop on stage with like Kimberly and Tack and Reiner. And it, 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 we had technical difficulties. So the game itself wouldn't work which was a super bummer. But I still got to get up there and like chat with them and talk with them for a while. And we just kind of talked trivia about the game. Uh, Kim, Kim Wallace, formerly of GI, actually had like a, a really cool and similar story about her grandpa and like her them playing Secret of Mana. So we kind of bonded over that. And so it's just like multiple memories stretching from cool to super nostalgic for me. That's something that will always stay with you. Oh yeah, 100%. at least it's, it's a good game too. <laughs> so. It's a it's a, it's a legitimately great game. Had a remaster not too long ago that kind of got hated on, but I still I still even objectively think that it like it did a decent job as a as a remaster. People just get angry about stuff in general. I I mean, people get upset when there's any remaster. Rem- I mean, it's more a remake, wasn't it? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. So yeah, full blown remake. Like it, cha- a new art style, like essentially remade mechanics. So yeah, remake. Like, more in the vein of, like, the Resident Evil 2 remake, you know, <laughs> definitely a full-blown thing. Okay, I remember when it came out, but I've never, I'm not a biggest fan of Secret of Mana. Yeah, but. for sure. It's a polarizing, I mean, it's not a perfect title by any, I'm not even sure I would, it's my favorite game, but I, I have no qualms about calling it, like, the best game ever made. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you also have all the attachment to the game, too, I mean, that that's a good memory. Like, I mean, sad, but at the same time, at least it's fate was going to happen no matter what at least you had something you know something to share together you know that will always stick with you certainly yeah something i'll never forget and just like a, a really special thing okay now i know why more more you like why you like this game did you and your bro- you said you and your brother used to play it did you guys ever get close to the end or you know so yeah of course i didn't know if the, this was back in like we're playing it you know we're, we're kids like there's yeah. no uh yeah, the, yeah. Days of the internet but, Right, yeah, so you don't really know. But I, I did have a good feeling. We actually, I, I, I know exactly where we got stuck. There's a boss called the Dark Lich in the final dungeon that we got stuck on. And so, I, I mean, I would say, like, we didn't know it at the time, but we were literally 92-odd percent of the way, like, through the game. You Is know? that the mana tree, or what the hell? I've beaten this game once. So just, yeah, just like uh, the quick overview of it is essentially like uh, at, the, at the very end of the game, like the, the kind of plot is like you're, the bad guys are tra- trying to bring back the mana fortress. So that's like a floating okay. fortress. Like think the Black Omen, right? In Chrono Trigger. Yes. So like it shows up, you go into that. And then by beating that, it allows you to access the mana tree and the mana dragon, which is the last boss. So like, yeah, yeah they're very close then. Uh, super close yeah and they, this that's like a boss rush so there was like that's like the third of four bosses in there i think so essentially two bosses away from the end super close yeah had no fucking idea i was so close to it <laughs> i mean it is a hard as hell game i beat it once but i use safe states and i out and it was before i met my wife and i was a very depressed and didn't have much going on and i'm like i'm gonna finally beat this game and i played it on emulators and i had like no money and that's always stuck with me and then I remember when I got to the end, I couldn't beat the boss at first because I ran out of mana. I didn't yes, have enough that's heat. a big deal. <laughs> and then I was right. doing one point of damage. I had to do hit, save state, careful, 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 hit, 
and just kept doing that for like an hour until I finally just killed it. Or it was a, yeah. maybe not an hour, but it was a long time. It was not fun. It's fucking hard because like you can only carry four of each item, and there's only two healing items and one MP like replenishing item. So it's uh, w- right. So essentially, you're stuck with like four or eight healing items and four MP replenishing stuff, and like that's your resource management. So like that's it's fucking brutal, and it's a spike. So it's a relatively like calm and chill game up until like the last eighty percent, and then it just starts slapping you in the face over and over. Yeah, so it's, it's something. At some point, I want to replay it and put it on the show. At some point, when I'm oh. willing to eat through it again. <laughs> oh well, you know I'm I'm ready Wait, and willing for that one. <laughs> it's also like because I'm assuming when you guys play, who, who was the character you always played as? Were you the younger or the older brother? So like I'm the older brother. Josh, my brother, is a year younger than me, and this, yeah, this is this is crucial because there's three characters. There's like you're, as I never knew they actually have names. It turns out, but like not in my head. So it's just literally, yeah, yeah. So we always named them boy, girl, and like I think it was Dumpy is like because my brother would play as the sprite. I want to say Dump or Dumpy was the and then boy (laughs) and girl. And I would always use girl because one of the things that always stuck out up to me about the game is that like each character had unique animations, especially for like the punch weapon. So they had their own. I thought that I don't know why it just stuck out to me as cool. And like the girl had like this punch, punch, kick animation, and I was like, oh, it's fucking dope. So you know, for me, it was just always like stick with girl. And then Josh would be dumpy, and they're the two magic users. So that's kind of who you're using most anyway. Because for those of you who don't know, Secret of Mana is weird in that it's an action RPG. So there's a lot of, you know, like it's not turn based, but you have to pause the action to use spells. So it's this weird, like almost like a pause and play, like you're playing Mass Effect on hard. Like you're always just pausing, like doing your doing your plan. And it's really the pacing can be very off putting for some people. It's a strange game, too. I, I remember the sprite because I played this with an older friend of mine. So I was he would play. As the main character, and I always beat the sprite. Or yeah, dumpy, so, in your case, dump, dump, Dumpy is your offensive spellcaster, like pretty much your your like who's doing your most damage. So it it had a weird mechanic that like one one button would bring up your ring menu for your character, and then a, a separate button would bring up the ring character for like uh, another character, and that those would swap. So like when things got hairy. Yeah, you know, my brother would have to swap to the fighter so I could essentially control, you know, our two magic users with with, with my buttons because you know I, I couldn't. I, I love I love Josh. If you're listening, I love you. But like I, we couldn't leave that to chance and to your the whims of your magic use. He understands, you know. <laughs> Big brother had to take over and ensure that we were fucking head in the right direction here. Uh, it, it's a confusing game. I know as a kid I played it a ton, but we could never. We could never get it. We never finished it. It wasn't until years later when I was in my 30s that I finally beat it. Yes. And ex- even more so before. Yeah. Like before guides, it was crazy. There's there's some spots in there that are just so ridiculous in terms of like where you're supposed to go next. You know, it's it's very unclear. And one of my favorite things that the remaster added, like so when you stay at ends in the remaster only like your characters will actually talk to each other, which was such, such a cool dynamic that is like such a shame it was missing from the original. Cause there's really no sense of like why these three people are traveling together outside of like this, this is your party and this is what's happening, you know? Yeah. It's a video so, game so, type. Yeah. Right. All right. Just, uh, this is happening. You don't get the like, logic get, that 
in a Super Nintendo game at the time. You don't always get a story like you want. It's, shit's just happening, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. like no, And then, like, so to have a little context, like, was, was pretty cool, like, to, you know, added context to something you love as a child is not something that, like, you often get in media. You know, it's usually just, like, some sort of cashless, or, you know, faithless <laughs> ca- yeah. cash in on your nostalgia. And I guess there is an element of that. Like, I'm not, it wasn't made for the art. You know, the story of Secret of Mana, it's like a vehicle to get the fucking game made. But, you know, cool nonetheless. Yeah, that's really cool. Now I know more why you love this game. Yeah, for sure. It's just, and I loved it even before all of this stuff. So, like, that's definitely why it's meaningful to me in such a strong sense. Right, well, thank you for sharing that, Blake. Hey, yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me talk about it. All right. And stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Oh, I am with you. <laughs> Welcome. Obviously. <laughs> what is it's your name, me. sir? It's me, Phil. <laughs> I'm Phil Theobald. I'm 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 one of the co-hosts of the Player One podcast. I used to work at Nintendo Power and EGM <laughs> and a whole bunch of places like that forever ago. But now it was I'm your fault. The- Nintendo Power went out of business, right? You know what? You would think so. Guess <laughs> you were there at the end, right? If I remember correctly, I was. I I was there for the the last couple uh, <laughs> years doing. Was there full time for the last year, year and a half of the magazine, and I had been doing freelance for a couple of years leading up to that. So I did. I did help close the door on <laughs> Nintendo Power. I hey, and you know what? I'll tell you this. I did. I was one of the big uh, uh, forces behind pushing to get that uh, clay cover on that final issue. The the cover that oh. homages the the very first Nintendo Power. Oh, the Mario two, Mario two, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, indeed. That was one of the things we were like, if we're if if, if we got to shut this magazine down, we got to do another clay cover to uh to to bring it full circle. So that's cool, though. Yes, I mean, don't get me wrong. I did not <laughs> sculpt this cover. I am not that talented. <laughs> we found a wonderful a wonderful artist named Leslie Levings who who actually did the sculpting. But I was, I, I was, I was like, uh, I was one of the main people. I, you know, trying to, trying to like <laughs> convince people, you know, like we gotta, we gotta pay this artist to, to do this uh, cover for us. So you're welcome, yeah. I guess, is what I'm, I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. And as I've said before, what is your favorite gaming memory? Oh golly, uh, <laughs> I, feel free to have multiple than one. Yeah, I mean, you know what? You, you, you hit me up the other day. And you were like, oh, what is your favorite gaming memory? Can you come, come, come on the show and talk about it? And <laughs> my gosh, I mean, see, this is the problem. I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm an old man these days. And I've been playing video games for, what, 45 years? A long time. I'm old. And I've been in the video game industry somewhat tangentially, I guess. I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, the, the, the press side of things. That's so, I mean, I've, I've. I, I, I have all these memories, the great memories of playing games as 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 a kid, as a fan, and then all this you know s- stuff from when I was uh, doing it professionally, you know, going to to shows and meeting you know game designers, developers, you know, all this all this stuff, and, and I'm just like, man, how do I how do I pin that down to to my favorite? It's like you know, yeah, the 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 Christmas when I got my NES. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> Getting to talk to Shigeru Miyamoto. That's that's some you know. How do you not have that as one of your favorites? You know. And uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, it is. And he was very, very. He was very sweet. Really nice guy. But it's like, yeah. How do how do you 
to to left uh, you know uh, uh, narrow down down yeah how do you pare that down and i'll tell you this the first thing that came into my head is an incident a incident's a, a strange term for that a, a, just a, an event that happened this was okay. uh, back in oh 1993 93 the 16-bit era was was in full swing and uh, at the time, I was working at a Babbage's. <laughs> if you remember Babbage's, I do. Yes, Babbage's. For those who don't know, and why would you? Babbage's hasn't existed in years upon years. Oh, was a video game store. Uh, they are now GameStop, who you certainly have heard of. Unfortunately, um, GameStop bought Babbage's. I think years and years ago. Yeah, so I think around the same time they bought Funko Land when they bought everybody. Yes. Yes. And it was nice back then because because the same company owned Babbage's and Funko Land. I was able to get an employee discount at Funko Land. Oh, which was I nice. The same company. Yeah, at, at one point the it was it was crazy because yeah, it was like the same company owned Babbage's and Funko Land and like Barnes and Noble because I was also able to get an employee discount at Barnes and Noble at that at that okay. time. It was very weird, but, you know, it saved me a few bucks back in the day. So I was working at at Babbage's and in the mall where I worked at. This was this was uh, in the Chicago suburbs <laughs> where I grew up. There was a, uh, a and the fellow olds will remember this, perhaps around the time. Well, it wasn't around the time. It was the time. It was exactly the time when the original Star Fox was released. Oh, OK for the uh, Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And Star Fox came out. I Of course, I picked it up uh, when it when it launched, and I played it. I loved it. I mean, it's Star Fox. I loved it. Everyone <laughs> loved Star Fox back then. And Nintendo, shortly after the game launched, they held a special event at participating retailers. It was the Star Fox Super Weekend. Do you remember this? I do not. Okay, so it was... I was born in 87, but... Oh, so yeah, you're a child. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I was. I was little at this time, but no, no, no. I was only Star Fox, so that's okay. Yeah, so you would have been what six <laughs> around this yeah. time? Yeah, yeah. So Nintendo, they they were holding the it was the Star Fox Super Weekend, and it was a uh, in store competition. And I, you know, I don't know the what particular stores who were were hosting these. You know, probably some video game stores, certainly toy stores. This was back when we still had toy stores in the United States. You know, Toys R Us and KB and 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 the like, uh, which you know sadly just don't exist in this country anymore. But yeah, they're in in the mall where I worked. The KB Toys was was hosting the Star Fox Super Weekend competition, and basically what it was was a, uh, Nintendo would send these stores uh, a special cartridge a special competition cartridge that they could play in their stores. You know, they, I, I don't know if they sent a Super Nintendo and a TV, but you got this uh, special cartridge. And these cartridges go for a fair bit of coin these days. You know, because the, 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 the cartridges ended up surviving. And, you know, some of them have made it onto the, uh, the secondary market. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to see. I'm going to take <laughs> a peek real quick. I'm doing a live search. Holy free holies. So I'm on pricecharting.com, which is a good site to keep track of like values of games and stuff. And of course, this this cartridge is always loose. You know, there's no like 
complete boxed version or anything. Well, yeah, because they weren't exactly that way. <laughs> yeah, this was not a retail game. This was just sent to retailers for the purpose of playing them over one weekend in this competition. Those cards are going for uh, knocking on twenty two hundred dollars these days. God, that's a lot of money for just for a cart that like you'll never actually play. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the collector's market, man. It's it's nuts. Yeah, you know, I'm not part of that at all. Yeah. So like, I get it. Yeah, I will not be buying one of these. But <laughs> and, and and you know because because all it is it's a just a, a a chunk of Star Fox. It's not even like the whole game. It's like a specially designed version. I don't I don't know exactly what's on it's it. It's the but, first two levels. Is it just the first two? Okay. Yeah, the version of the first Corneria and Ashray stages. Okay. Yeah, and and you have I if I'm remembering correctly, see I didn't I didn't research this be- beforehand like I probably should have. <laughs> but I think it was a time limit. Like maybe you five had, minutes. Like, was it five, it was 5 minutes. Okay. Yeah. That's just what Sorry, I Sorry, I'm reading right now as you're talking. So. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So yeah, you had 5 minutes to play as far as you can in the game and you're going for a high score. And because I, you know, the, this competition was held after the game was released. So I already had the game and I loved it. I played, was playing it a ton at the time and I was pretty good at it. And I, when I heard the, the, you know, KB toys was going to be hosting and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to start practicing. So I was practicing at home and I got very, very good at the five minute initial playthrough <laughs> of that game like maximizing you know I, I memorized where every ship would pop out so i could shoot it and you know i i memorized when like a swarm of ships would come so i could launch a bomb and blow up everyone at once to kind of maximize my score within the time limit and then when the uh when the competition started i'm assuming on a friday is that it was a weekend long thing i was working and then i took my break <laughs> i went over to the KB toys and I entered the competition. I played my game and boom, my first try five minutes, I racked up a tremendously high score that just the, the couple people who were already on the leaderboard, I just blew them out of the water. <laughs> I was like, damn, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I, it seems like I may have this wrapped up. I know it just started. I know there's still Saturday and Sunday to go, but I might have this wrapped up. And the, the prize, the grand prize, was a jacket, this black jacket uh, that had like a big, like embroidered, you know, Star Fox competition weekend uh, thing on the back or something like that. Yeah, you can buy it on eBay for only twenty five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> somebody sold it on, on eBay for two grand. And oh, my. Yeah, somebody's trying well, to sell it for two point five grand or best well, offer. Oh, dear. I'm going to spoil this, the ending. This has a tragic ending. Okay. There's a reason why I'm not selling my uh, Star Fox jacket for $2,500 <laughs> at the moment. So, so I went back to work. I was telling my coworkers about it. They were all very impressed. And like I said, it seemed like I had it all wrapped up. I had it all in the bag. But then a little later, someone popped into the store. And you know, this is, you know, mall culture has dimmed a fair amount since the 90s. Oh, yeah. It's not what it used to be. No, not at all. Yes, but in the 90s, when you worked at the mall, you got to know everybody else who worked at the mall. You know, because you, know, you, you, had, you had friends from school. You had, you know, other people from, from all around town working in the mall. So you got to kind of know people just from being in the mall all the time. And 
certainly if there were related uh, types of businesses. So at the video game store, we certainly knew the people who worked at the arcade at the mall. And one of the dudes who worked at the arcade came in and was like, oh, I just was over at KB and I saw you have the, the high score of, uh, of the Star Fox game. And I said, yes, indeed I do. And he said, well, and I'm just like, oh, oh, oh okay. I mean, what? I'm not going to wish you luck, but okay. <laughs> go, go ahead, I guess. I can't stop you from entering. And uh, he went over and came back a few minutes later and was like, I didn't beat your score, but I'm going to keep trying. I was like, well, I, I hope you don't, I hope you don't win, I guess. I mean, that's what I'd be saying. So yeah. And, and, and I worked all weekend long. So I was there like Saturday and Sunday as well. And apparently he was too, because this dude would, would, you know, he came in like every, like like he was, he was taking, he must've been taking constant breaks because he would, he would, come into my store like once every hour or so to give me an update. He's like, oh, I entered it again. I'm getting real close. I'm just like, well, okay. <laughs> but just, I mean, probably probably half a dozen times he would come in and just, I'm getting closer. I'm getting a little bit closer each time and I just, okay, oh, you know. <laughs> you're going through a lot of trouble. Just to beat your score to win a jacket. Yeah. And, and, and the tragedy is is that on Sunday, towards the end of the the competition as the malls you know winding down getting ready to close he comes running over and he's like ah, i did it i beat your score it was, you know it was you know, maybe like 100 points or something ridiculous i beat it <laughs> i finally did it it took me all weekend but i beat it are you going to now now are you going to go over and try and beat my score and i'm just like well no no i'm not <laughs> like i'm done i <laughs> i i played my one game on friday i did very well you spent three days trying to beat it. You you did it. Good job. Enjoy your jacket, I guess. Was I bitter? Absolutely. Oh, I'd be bitter. <laughs> but I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of knowing that I was bitter. Well, if it makes you feel any better, at some places you could win an international trip. Oh, really? Apparently. Because I found this thing and it said, depending on the point scored, players could win a t-shirt, jacket, or even trips to international destinations. Oh, Wow. So if it makes you feel any better, he didn't win that trip. I'm no, assuming. he didn't get. He didn't get that. <laughs> he he did come in with the jacket, like a, you know, a couple of days later. He came in to show off his jacket that he that he took from me, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you know, you you did it. Good job." So okay, I'd be. I never. I didn't work in a mall until way later in the future. But I I remember right. being around in malls. I mean, I could see that being a really cool culture to work in though at that time. Yeah, yeah I mean, I love malls. I mean, yeah, the nineties. Early, early to mid nineties, absolutely. Because you still I, had video cool. game stores there. Mm -hmm. You still had arcades. You still had toy stores and and you know Suncoast Video and and <laughs> that sort of thing. So you know, I love my local malls when I was a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was a a fun kind of little chunk of of pop culture uh, society and. Just yeah, you know, you're hanging out with all your friends after school, basically doing your crappy little mall jobs, <laughs> dealing with weirdo customers and creeps at arcades mm -hmm. who <laughs> play Star Fox too much. Yeah, who work very very hard <laughs> to steal your thunder, but it's like whatever, dude. Oh, and I, it's I guess the the third level was a completely unique level for that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, okay. it was something that they they 
they used several ad sets or something from a level, but it was all pretty much different, new. Okay. And original just for that little little cartridge. Yeah, see, I I I did not remember that, but I mean that's how many you know that's a long time ago. That was yeah, it's like thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I'm still pissy about it. So. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'd be I, I'm still mad at myself for not buying a copy of of Sukadin two for forty dollars at a take uh, store. Uh, okay, and that was in two thousand four, and I'm still grumpy about it. Oh, I know. Or maybe it was I thirty. Know. I have no one to blame but myself. But I just bought Sukadin one. I'm like, I don't need to buy Sukadin two. <sighs> And I look back like, you idiot, why are you buying it? Yep. yep. <laughs> I don't really collect games like that, but it right. makes me angry. <laughs> but still, it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cool. it's, it's, yeah, you can't, you can't spend, spend so much time dwelling on the what could have been, because <laughs> I know I've talked about this on my podcast before, but, you know, the one, the, the similar thing that I'm still kicking myself about is going to Best Buy years ago, back in the 90s, and there was a gigantic, Gigantic, just massive stack pile of of dozens upon dozens of copies earthbound oh. for Super Nintendo. The one that came in the big box because uh-huh. you got the cartridge and you got the uh, strategy guide. And the stickers. And, yeah. And there was a just a giant pile of these arranged in like a big circle on the floor. It was probably waist high and they were selling for, and I am not kidding at all here they were selling for five dollars each mm-hmm. they were selling for five dollars i bought one i bought one exactly. why did i buy the whole stack and yeah what i should have done <laughs> is walked out of there with like 20 copies <laughs> you know i was i was i was what 20 years old maybe but what's the chance they would have survived all your moves and everything you know what i'm pretty anal retentive about my crap so okay. very high they would moved probably and... all be in exceptional shape. Every time I move, things go missing. <laughs> oh man, I will be honest. Yeah, I mean, I still have I still have NES games complete in the box, Ooh. and you you wouldn't you would think that I opened them up yesterday <laughs> because they are that crisp well, and yeah. Speaking of regrets, I do have one. It's not video games comic related. I kicked myself. This was I think two thousand. Like 2016 or so, let's say 2015. I was in a half price books in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I saw a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 300 for like 20 bucks. Oh, I had the money, but I thought it was a reprint because the cover was more foil than it normally looks like. It was a cardboard type cover. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at this point it was an authentic copy. I was just stupid and didn't go. No, I don't. I don't want that. Now, here's here's the thing. I, I do enjoy comic books. When you say Amazing Spider-Man 300 to me, that does not immediately go like, oh, it's that one. Uh, first appearance of Venom. Okay, and you know what? I just looked it up, and as soon as I saw the cover, I was like, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. that issue. And that's what, ki- And I mean, I yes. have some rare books, but it was like, I kicked myself. 20 bucks would have been mine. 20 be bucks. Like, Look what I got. And, but nope. Oh, <laughs> man. And again, I, what, what, what does that comic go for these days? A graded copy, uh, it looks like about $400 for an ungraded copy. Okay. Some people are selling for 600 best offer, 550 for, yeah, let's just say 400 to $500. That's, and it was a good condition. It wasn't like a beat up, ripped up copy. Right. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's one of my, my biggest kicks. Like, I mean, oh. I've had good luck. I've gotten first appearances for like three bucks and people didn't realize what they had, but that always oh, kicks, kicks me. <laughs> I didn't grab it. Jeez. 
Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Phil. This was fun. Yes. Thank you so much. And for everyone else, stay tuned for the next interview. And, and hey, uh, congratulations on, on, on your milestone. <laughs> my gosh, that's, that's fantastic. It, it's exciting. That's pretty cool. All right. And enjoy awesome. the next interview. Thanks so much. Hey, welcome to Huggings, my mom phone. I am Tiffany Elberton, the beautiful wife of Mike Elberton. And who is with me? My darling husband. Hi, Mike Elberton. This is weird. <laughs> oh. Hey, I did fine. You did. Okay. What is your favorite gaming memory? Alright, it's weird to be on this side. Well, I mean, as obviously I'm sure you expected. Chrono Trigger related. Uh-huh. I-, I always <laughs> a favorite game of mine. I always remember yeah, you know, um, a long, <laughs> long time ago. I remember playing it. I played it with my dad a bunch. And I remember like it was a Saturday morning. I woke up. I was all excited to get out of bed and go downstairs and play Colonel Trigger. Because I was going to go beat the Hecarin ball. Did you beat the Hecarin yes, ball? Good job. <laughs> but, like, gently? Yes. Okay. This is old Mike. When, or younger Mike when he didn't know how to cheat as much as, he, <laughs> as this Mike does now. 34-year-old Mike. But no, I remember, we used to play every day. I loved that game. It was something that we did together, me and my dad. Because I could... I, I was scared of games, so I wouldn't do the battles. I would do the moving around. I would do the talking NPCs, getting items, but he would do all the battling. Because for some reason, I was terrified of it. Do not know why. Do not understand it. But I was. <laughs> I got nothing. But I was. It I just scared nothing. me. And that's so that's... And we, we used to play that game all the time. It took us years. I, I want to say over a year, years to beat that game finally. Not that hard. It's just that... Did you play it every day? Often. Often? Mm-hmm. And it took you a year? Mm-hmm. At least. I'm pretty sure. It's just one of those games that always meant a lot to me. I also had the player's guide for it, but I was scared. So we would probably get to a certain point and then restart the game and play over again. Because I would be scared of doing certain things. But it's not a scary movie. No. Or a scary game. Whatever. No, neither. <laughs> it's just, that's just who I was at that time. I was so scared to finish games. you were anxious? That's probably the more correct word. But yeah, we just we, we wouldn't do it. We I'm would get just to a trying to point. figure this out. We would level too much. I know one time early on, we got we played through the first part of the game, got to the first Dragon Tank boss. So this day, I still have PTSD about this boss. I will always level up way more than I need to because we, when I was a kid and we played it together, we got to that boss and couldn't do it and had to start the whole game over, which is not that far. It's like two hours in. But it was a big deal to me. <laughs> it broke little Mike's heart. It did. And little how, Mike never forgot. How old were you? I don't remember. Ten? I don't remember when the game came out exactly, so I can't tell um, you the year. Excuse me. You usually do your homework properly. Yeah, but I'm usually on the other side of the seat. How is this my fault? 1995. I was born in 87. I probably got it in 95 or 96. So let's say eight or nine year Mike. So. <laughs> I was so upset. Mike was. Did you cry to your mom and she was like, that's nice. <laughs> no, I don't remember. I doubt that. But I, I, it's just it always stuck with me. The game that always stuck with me. You know, there are other things with it too, like that I remember that were just so epic, like the the Magus battle, which I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but it was just a little epic for us to get there. And just, it was something that we always did together. We always played it together. And, and that's one thing I always... I mean, there are a lot of games, but that was a big game that... Because it wasn't super... Like, we use Game Genie all the time. This is one game that we weren't didn't need to because it's an RPG. But I always remember my dad wanted me... Game Genie. So you could cheat codes. So I played most of the games. When you were younger? Yeah. I always cheated in you one way or another. You cheated when you were younger? Yes, too. I did. Oh, you just broke my heart. No, I didn't. You don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we, You're not supposed to cheat. Yeah, okay. It's naughty. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to the show that complain that I use cheat codes and save states and stuff to beat games. But hey, how do I play games? I am one of them. Eh, you don't care. Yes, I do. You should You should enjoy the game as it was meant to be enjoyed. I am. Or hated. 
I am enjoying it or hating it the way I meant to enjoy it. <laughs> Chrono Trigger is one of those, and I still play it from time to time. Is that the game you play on your phone? Not now, but I have, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's also the game that I have with the awesome canvas over there above the over TV. <laughs> it's something that means so much to me and my dad because it's something that we played so much together and just kept working at it and kept trying to get through the game. And it should have been a lot faster considering we had a strategy guide, but it just wasn't. I know that. <laughs> It wasn't a fast game. You had a strategy game? Yeah. I also remember it. And jo- it still took you forever? Yeah. How long is this game supposed to be? It's like 20 hours. <laughs> Not that long. It wasn't... I, we were just scared of stuff, I guess. Or I was scared of stuff. He just didn't... I don't, he didn't care. He also get tired of RPGs. Does he get tired of the grinding where you're doing random battles over and all? That would annoy him. Oh, He'd want to see something else. What else did he play? Just RPGs with me. He would just do the battle for Final Fantasy IV. He did that. Final Fantasy VI. Which we didn't. No beat. idea Eric was a gamer. Not really. Well, he liked watching games, but I was scared to do the battling, which is just choose. And so he would do it for me. Oh. I don't know why I was scared of it. Dude. I look back, I have no idea why. Maybe I couldn't read, and that's why I started, because I was still learning how to read. And you need to read, and he could read. Oh. That might have been it, but it didn't stop for a while. That goes kind of fast, too, huh? You control it, but. You do? Yeah, you hit buttons. Oh. I, didn't, I couldn't. I, I don't remember when I learned how to read first grade. But I was playing games long before. So that was, yeah. So you would have been six or seven. Yeah. Yeah, so and that, that, that's how he stuck with me. I wasn't. Yeah. I, I started a year later because of I was born in November, so I that's didn't. That's what I meant. Yeah, but I wasn't held back. No. Well, <laughs> your mom could have started you if she wanted to. Nah, I wasn't ready at all, what they say. <laughs> and I can believe it knowing me, so. <laughs> no question there. Because <laughs> you would have been four, not five. Mm-hmm. And then you I would have been five. Then I would have graduated. In a month. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. But, so, I mean, that was this game that meant a lot to us. Final Fantasy IV meant a lot to us. Trying to think of other stuff with Chrono Trigger that is in my head that I want to speak about. But it's just, there was an, there were other games that he really liked. Skull Jager he liked a lot, which is a weird 2D platformer game that we played a bunch of. Oh, that's funny. It's hard. You think things are hard when I don't think I know. things are hard. So, that's why like, I like... Like Duck Quackshot. That's not hard. <laughs> yeah, that tells, who cares? That tells, but it's just, and I mean, Crown Trigger still means a lot. I, I have a bumper sticker in the back of my car, Crown Trigger. I have the canvas. I have Perler Beat Art. I just love Chrono Trigger. I wish I could get the. They have little. Excuse me, Funko Pops. That'd be terrible. I'd have more. I'd chase it. <laughs> but they, I mean, it's a dead franchise. I mean, to be honest, it's not coming what, back. Chrono Trigger? Yeah, I mean, there's Chrono Trigger, there's Radical okay. Dreamers, which is a. Finally just came to America, and there's Chrono Cross, which is a... They remastered it? They remastered Chrono Cross. Semi, uh, yeah, they, they made they made it prettier. They didn't really remake They didn't remake it, they just remastered it. But They made it prettier. They did. I'm actually about to play it soon for the show in November, which is very soon, depending on when you hear this. But it's that's it. Like We got that game on PlayStation 1 in 2000 or 1999, and then we got nothing. There was supposed to be a third Chrono game called Chrono Break, but that got canceled. So we'll never see the light of day. Uh, me and Rich, you know, one of my friends, we Red were. Fox, yes, right? I just call him Rich, but yes. And we, we were. We actually tried make RPG Maker to make our own Chrono game. You play as Cyrus, one of the characters in Chrono Trigger. That's an that's a NPC that you don't play as, but he's in the game. We were going to make his story. That's we, what NPC means. A non-playable character. I know. Okay. And we were going to do that, and we never did. We started making them. We were making tile sets. Like, I was making... we take turns. Like, I'd go over to his house and Peter and I'd make tile sets where we take squares and put each square to make this whole area. But we could never get... We couldn't get it to, like, the battle system to work, even though... Not... If we would have had the RPG makers they have now, but 
not what they had in like the early 2000s, we could have made it. Because <laughs> now, I mean, there are games on Steam people have made an RPG Maker. Ours wouldn't have been able to because licensing, but we could have made it. <laughs> and it's something that I always like. The games mean so we'll much to me. make it now. Just rename your characters. I, to, I don't have time. I got a podcast. I got a wife. I got cats. I don't got a job. I don't got time. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm able to get a lot done. In, but no, I, I can't anything else in my, in my bucket list. I do enough stuff. This podcast <laughs> takes enough of my time. But you but love it. I do. And I love Crown Trigger. I mean, I, I have played it on DS. I actually, and I'm going to probably play it again. Like the canvas that I mentioned now for the third time. The thing special about it is it's signed by my dad. And I made one for my dad, too, where a bunch of my friends all signed it. So it was something special. No, it's not on there. I just looked. But it's all our friends. It was something that I made something special. The, what, the one he has. Your dad has one similar. Yes, he has one. The text is different. It's, it's a, and then it has all my friends signed it for him, including me. No, but me. I didn't get to sign it. That was rude. You signed it. I did. Oh, yeah. I don't remember You that. signed both of them. I don't I'm remember pretty sure. That. We signed the other one for sure. I don't see my signature. Am I up there? It's on there, yes. Oh, it looks like panties. <laughs> but yeah, it's there. So, I mean, it's, again, it's just such an important game. I wish we'd get more Chrono Trigger. I mean, we, I don't know. I At this point, we never will, I bet. But I wish we would. I would love to see more. And I was saying before, the merchandise that I, that they have little figurines that they made, but they only came out in Japan. Uh, or no, they might have come out here. They were here, but they're expensive, and I looked them up before. But I do. There's a couple. I, there's part of me like, hmm, but no, I can't. Little figurines? Yes. Oh. They're not cheap. They're on eBay only. What are they? Little things of Chrono Trigger. Little statues. I want them, but yeah. And it's, just, it's only, there's very little official merchandise, so that's why people make stuff, because you can't, there's nothing official for Crown Trigger, really. It's just, it's that's not, it's a franchise that, part of it is Square has no interest in that franchise anymore, because the people who created it are no longer there, really. It was created by three people, Akira Toriyama, the guy that made Dragon Ball Z and <laughs> Dragon Ball. What? Nobu Yumetsu, who left the company, found his own company, Miss Walker, and, no, Nobu Yumetsu is a singer, sorry, not singer, but he's the guy that orchestrated music. I should know this. Uh, the guy that left was her, Saku, Saku, Sakuguchi, or something like that. He left, and he started Miss Walker. Yeah, nobody met the composer. Great freaking composer. <laughs> you, know, you know me. I don't listen to a lot of music that isn't sung by Taylor Swift. You listen to this? I did. When I play this game, I will. <laughs> I, I love this music. Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. I love it. Because it's that time. Music for me is very, time, like, for gaming, time-sensitive to when it happened to me in my life. I don't understand why I'm a Taylor Swift fan. I never will understand it. But it's not my fault. I'm not that no, I know it's not. Taylor Swift fan. It's not you. I don't know what it is. I do not know why I'm obsessed with her music. Everybody I will never know. judge Mike. Oh, I'm sure people do listen to the show. It's okay. <laughs> no, Mike, why? I'm trying to get anything else to here that I want to mention. I, I feel like the first time we beat it was later on when I'd already met Rich, which would have been years later, but I don't remember for sure. I know Final Fantasy VI, the day that we beat it, because we played Final Fantasy VI when I was a kid, too, all the time, but we never finished it. But the day we beat it was when I was playing it with Rich together, which is like my probably my fifth or sixth time trying to go through this game. And then I always remember that we beat it when he got a call from his brother that now has passed away, called him that day, and he missed the ending because he's talking to his brother on the phone. Uh, and I always remember that. It always stuck with me because his brother didn't call very much. He just happened to call at that time, right? When we beat the game. Final Fantasy, though? Final Fantasy VI, yeah. Oh, okay. But it's all around the same time, made by the same Square Enix, and they're all kind of associated with my stuff with my dad. Oh, I don't have anything else with Chrono Trigger exclusively to say that I can think of that really like triggers that memory or what we used to do. I, I just remember him complaining when I used to grind levels. <laughs> he didn't like to get irritated with that. But yeah, <laughs> he we just didn't want to do it over and over again. No, he, got, he wanted to see other stuff. Yeah, I but get that. I was scared, and I want to level up, so we're extra strong. Oh, his grandson's just like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just oh, <yeah>. like him. <laughs> but 
But no, it, it shit runs in the family. It always means a lot to me. I mean, we did episode 100 all about Chrono Trigger, so people can hear all about that. And I think that's everything I need to say. So stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, who's with me for this one? I am the king of approximate and or useless knowledge, Joe <laughs> Butler. And as I said probably multiple times before at this point, what is your favorite gaming memory, Joe? So my favorite gaming moment, the favorite gaming memory would probably have to be uh, my first. The very tender age of six, I contracted chicken pox for the second time. And this was like just heavy duty, like chicken pox. And it because I, I had gotten it a second time. So I had it on the palms of my hands and the base of my feet. Just Ugh. yeah, awful stuff. I, I think I even had it on my eyelids. That's how bad it was. Sounds terrible. Yeah. And this is as, as much as it's going to sound. It's not a family memory. It's a video game memory. My <laughs> I'm bedridden. And of course, I have the second biggest TV in the house. I have a, a, a big wooden TV. My <laughs> my oldest cousin, who's probably a teenager, walks in with like something under his arm. I'm like, what do you want, dude? You know, we, we never got along. We still don't. And he's like, look, dude, I don't want to be in my room myself. And you have the biggest TV. So I want to sit in here and you're going to watch me play these games. And I'm like, OK. And I think out of all the games he had, two of the ones that he played the most and the other one he actually beat in front of me. So I saw the entirety of the whole thing in like one setting was Resident Evil Director's Cut and obviously Metal Gear Solid. OK. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, you'd imagine like, of course, a teenager would walk into a room with like two of the probably most violent and or convoluted storylines of all time. So, you know, it's it, I just remember being a kid and being a six year old and Resident Evil. You know, obviously you have zombies, mindless, mindless horror, things like that's fine. I just remember being six and just watching Metal Gear. And I remember pretty much probably because I played a couple times. But I remember everything back even when I was a kid about how bad that game looked and like the story and just being completely interested in what's going on, especially because technically Metal Gear Solid is a sequel. But even then, the you still understand the story. So just seeing this stuff as a kid with like the sniper fight and the. You know, the stuff between Snake and Meryl, and then probably the coolest thing I remember was obviously the part where, what is it, uh, Gray Fox comes out, and he gets, oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's fighting the Metal Gear. Yeah, obviously, he's just like the coolest thing. And, I, I, <laughs> and if I remember that Meryl died, I do remember the ending my cousin got ended up being the Otacon ending. So I've never done that, because I can't stand a killer. I think you have to you have to chicken out, don't you? To get yeah, to... and I, I can't do it. The few times I played the game, I always save her because I just can't bring myself to want to kill her. Yeah, but this is also like I said, I'm with my teenage cousin. You know, I don't even think he had a walkthrough for this thing. I'm just surprised he beat it in one sitting. <laughs> and I guess he couldn't he couldn't get past it probably. And so we got the we got the ocelot ending or not ocelot Otacon. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, you are right though. Those are two very violent games to be have in front of a kid. Uh, it's nineties. It's a nineties tour. <laughs> no, probably like two thousand. Yeah. So it, it you know. <laughs> but I know both have stuck with you because I know like you you're a big fan of Resident Evil now. Oh yeah. My half my cups that I drink out of have the stars uh, umbrella logo. I think the only thing that I've never beaten is probably the Metal Gear spinoffs, like the ones on the PSP, which might change. And it will. Eventually. Yeah. It, yeah. And. uh what is the other one that I've said I've never played the, the the PSP one? There's Metal Gear Acid and there's Metal Gear Peace oh. Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Peace Walker. I've I've never played Peace Walker. I might now. Okay. 
I've never beaten Peace Walker. I played it, but I it's one of those games I really need to finish one day. Same. And it's going to happen. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> on this show, I'm going to make myself. Same with Portable Ops. I really want to play Portable Ops for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, I know Portable Ops is like very, very like story heavy. Mm-hmm. It it's canon. It is canon because I think uh I think that's how Snake meets uh the Naked Snake meets Major Zero. I don't no because Portable Ops takes place after Major Zero's in Snake Eater. Yeah. Oh. Portable Ops takes place after Snake Eater before Peace Walker. I mean, it's it's one of those stories I think they kind of like skip over, but I think it's still considered canon. Just no one talks about it. Oh yeah. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, they, those, those games, and it, it continues on to that because, you know, I love Metal Gear and then there goes in the Silent, I love the Silent Hill series. And even with Resident Evil, I don't think I've ever not played. The only thing I can think of that I probably haven't played is the weird Game Boy Color version. <laughs> Gaiden? Yeah. <laughs> I really want to play Gaiden one day on the it'd show. Be, it'd be a mini. Yeah. It's one of those random things. It's been actually on my potential list since the show started for some reason. It never happened yet, but it's there. <laughs> I'm sure it's not good, but it's just I love weird. I love weird ass games sometimes. Like I really do. Probably would have been better if it was a card game. Imagine a Resident Evil card game. That'd be hilarious. I mean, it can work. You can make. I mean, as you found out earlier on the show, Dragon Ball Z card game. <laughs> yeah, well, there there is a Resident Evil card game, but I mean, like a phys- it's a physical card game. Yeah, I don't like physical card games. They cost too much money. <laughs> they do. <laughs> I used to play Magic the Gathering in Pokemon. Never again. We still play Magic the Gathering. I can't do it. $200. So you, weren't, so you weren't scared of Resident Evil as a six-year-old? No. It's <laughs> like, like I think, I, I've, I've never really been terrified. I mean, I probably was terrified, but I was bedridden. What am I going to do? Just shut my eyes? <laughs> I would have. I When I first saw Resident Evil, I was born in 87. So I was at least 10 or 11 when I first saw it. And the game fucking terrified me. I was over at a friend's house, and he had a big house. I remember that because his parents had money. And we're sitting in this big living room by ourselves in the dark because they're either they're either not there or they were somewhere else. And I just remember just I think yeah I don't think they were there. And I remember just being terrified. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I think I think if anything, uh, do you remember those demo discs they used to have for the PlayStation that came with like the Pizza Hut? Yes, I remember being more terrified of Silent Hill more than probably Resident Evil. See, I didn't actually come across Silent Hill one. Until this podcast existed. So I had never seen it. I had never played it. My first Silent Hill was Silent Hill 2. That was my first experience with it. And I was much older at that point. So it didn't bother me. But Resident Evil 1 terrified the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. I think specifically the part we stopped at, I think my cousin Rage quit whenever he got to the snake. I think that's when we stopped playing it. And he switched over to Metal Gear. Okay. I can see it. Metal Gear is easier to figure out, I think, than Resident Evil 1 probably would be. Yeah, and I think that you can you can scum save Metal Gear Solid, both the original and the remake too. You can always just save every area you get. Yeah, you won't. Yeah, but Resident Evil One it penalizes you for saving, or any older Resident Evil. Yeah, but when you first play it for the first time, you don't know that, so you, <laughs> you figure out pretty quick. <laughs> but it's everything Resident. Evil. I remember when I was a kid, and we first played Resident. Evil, I was probably a kid, more of a teenager, and we played Resident Evil One back then. And me and my friend would just see how many zombies we could kill before we were just done with the game. Because we couldn't really figure out the hell we were doing. So we would barely find ammo. And like, I actually have never played the original Resident Evil game and beat it ever. I beat the remake for the show, but I've never done the original PS1 version yet. The the original's a little weird. I remember someone was streaming them, like re- redoing all of them before Remake 3 came out. And one's really weird because you can get like Barry kill a certain number of ways. 
like there's a there's a lot of weird like uh what do they used to call it like nintendo power moments or like you have to have like a friend tell you <laughs> yeah. like there's a room you can leave out of but you don't because if you do you'll get barry killed he drops a if you wait exactly like i think in game like five minutes he'll come actually come back and drop you a rope to climb up on that's fucking weird yeah it's weird okay and that wasn't in the remake was it no hmm. i think the only way you get Barry killed in the remake is if you don't give him back his gun whenever you do that boss fight with Lisa. Yeah, or if you you or you can let, you either you I think you can take his gun and still he can still survive if you don't let Lisa kill him, but he's less likely to. Mm-hmm. But I mean that's just how older games were back then. They tried to hide you know they would hide a lot of stuff. Yeah, that I mean that was the whole concept. You play is either Chris or Jill, and you just and I think it's always weirder that the female character is always the better character because she gets better equipment. Do you yeah. remember who your cousin picked back then? Probably Chris. Oh, that probably makes sense, because I'm assuming he was like a teenager or something. Yeah, and I think also, too, I want to say it was probably either he, he picked Chris or Jill. And I want to say it was Chris, because I remember there was a conversation, which is like I said, it's, it's like, you know, teenager conversations. <laughs> he he got he got to uh, what the hell is that guy's name? He get he gets the big he gets, he gets bitten by a snake. The, the guy gets bitten by a snake. Uh, and yeah, Adam, I don't remember. It's something like that. You're probably right. Can't completely remember. I I know the guy. Like I I can picture exactly yeah. who you're talking about. But he's got a he's got a mullet. Also, funny enough, you you probably are right. Resident Evil did scare me because I swear it's like like Destiny lined up. The first dude who dies in Resident Evil is Joseph. So <laughs> Resident Evil is, is terrifying, especially for that era. Yeah, that that was the especially because it was the director's cut. And the opening does not shy away from vi- live action violence. So. <laughs> I remember that stuff freaking me out, too, when I was younger. Terrified oh, yeah. the hell out of me. Like like I was saying, I think he played Chris because he tried to go. You can you can you can make it with Jill to get the serum if you cut it. But you cut it close. I know with Rebecca, you can make it for sure. But if you play as Chris, period, you're not going to get him to survive. And I think that's meant because I don't know if it's the same in the original as the remake. But I think if you save him, he gives you a shotgun upgrade. Okay. I can't. Rem- I don't remember in the remake or not. I don't think you get an upgrade shotgun in the remake. So, oh, you get the assault shotgun. So yeah, you get that from the guy that got bit by the snake. Yeah, I don't know if you still get it in the. Uh, in the original. Still- yeah, in the old director's cut. I think you do, because I remember it when I was younger, and I know my a friend of mine, the same guy who first introduced me to it. He later on beat the director's cut a few different times mm-hmm. in front of me. So because he was always he loved the first Resident Evil. Oh yeah, never had to though. Yeah, the first Resident Evil is a is a pretty decent game. I'm I'm glad I remaked it. I'm always hoping we'll get a second remake, a la remake two and three. I I mean I, w- I wouldn't mind it. Hey, we we got other remakes. We got Deadly Silence, whatever the hell that is. I never played it, but I know it's a remake. Yeah, and they uh, I know for a fact that remake two does in a sense tease uh, Outbreak. That would have been nice. Yeah, we still might. We still might. They they're trying to make a Resident Evil game every year. So I mean Outbreak. I played it for the show a long, like two years ago. It game still holds up, so. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, and I and we talked before. I know Resident Evil, you know, has impacted your life a lot. So. <laughs> yeah, I love that series. And Metal Gear. Series. Yeah, and Metal Gear. Oh, that's right. where I, that's a, that's where I get all my weird like love of all this weird shit because Metal Gear Solid, you know, especially probably being six, just doesn't make absolute any sense. It doesn't make sense now. I mean, Metal Gear Two. I mean, when we played it, I still didn't understand it. <laughs> and I'm not six, <laughs> so it's just yeah. one of those really weird games that just doesn't. He purposely made it that way. Mm-hmm. Also, you cannot buy Metal Gear Solid 2 at the time of this recording right now because the archive footage is copyright and they have their, they're trying to renew it. 
Really? Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, it, it, it's because of the archive footage. Okay. So they're trying to work it out and get it back on there. But I thought that was just hilarious. That's like, that's what did it. Archive footage. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for telling me that. And stay tuned, guys, for the next one. Hi, and who's with me right now? This is this is uh, Kendall Holman of uh, KendallCast.Ninja. Hi, and welcome back. And as, as we're doing for the special, I want to know, what is your favorite gaming memory? Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the Gen 1 Pokemon games, specifically uh, my experiences with Red Version, kind of after it was the most, after it was the most popular thing, less popular a few years later. When I was in high school, we would, you know, this was back in the days, in the ancient days before cell phone, before, uh, <laughs> you know, smartphones and whatnot. So I would, we would go, you know, to like a remote cabin in Canada for a week and uh, bring my Game Boy Color, for which I had exactly three games, or exactly four games, three Pokemon games and Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. But in particular... We'd be play- I'd be playing through red version. Uh, my little sister had blue version, and we would start a new game as we as we left the as we left the house. And uh, <laughs> usually by the end of the week, we'd be fighting the elite four. Always had like uh, weird like we were we never did any Nuzlocke runs, but it'd be like I'm gonna catch only Pokemon that I've never caught before, or okay. I'm gonna only catch the first six Pokemon that I see. So. That's kind of like a Nuzlocke yeah, yeah. one, because they weren't really a thing. I mean, Nuzlocke became a thing, in quotations, more when the internet was a- mm. later on, but this is early internet. Right, right, yeah, 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 this was, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like Pokemon, once they faint, they're dead, or anything like that, but it was like, you, you know, we would, I would, I would have these, like, little random stipulations, so I'd end up with a party of Pidgey and Spearow and Rattata <laughs> and, and have to play through the whole game like that. I'm a big fan of Pidgey and Spearow and Rattatat in the first game. I think they're all three are good Pokemon in the first game. I play weirdly. Agree to disagree. <laughs> I know they're shitty Pokemon, but they can win and fight. Because the thing, well, the thing in, I, I actually, I hate the flying Pokemon in Gen 1 so much. Like, it's, I always would try to, I always, but when I was playing through, like, you, you know, you're trying to just go, you have to have, because you have to have somebody that can fly. So it's like, Okay, fine. I'll get Doduo, or or I'll get. And the concept of an HM slave was never was never <laughs> like a thing. So you know, like like, can I get far enough in the game that I can get Aerodactyl as my flyer? Like maybe that you know maybe that'll work. You know, in Yellow version, Charizard can fly, but not in uh, not, not in Red. red. <laughs> he's um, not a he's still a flying type, but he can't fly. Right, right. After they were just weird like that. Yeah, I just had so much affection for those those early games, and you just like it's like I I know those maps inside and out. I know all of the, all of the Pokemon, and you know they do all the you you ask you, you could probably ask me literally any of the original 150 Pokemon, and I can tell you where to where to find them. That's all I was to at one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask me one. Ask me one. I'll, I'll, okay, where do you find Jinx? Jinx is in Seafoam uh, uh, Islands. Yeah. Uh, I want to say you can also find it in in the in the um, in the secret dungeon at the end, but I'm not sure. But I mainly, think you're right, it's, but mainly it's Seafoam Islands. Islands. That last dungeon is a very mixed of a lot of different stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and and you just you play through to and like you know not worrying about doing the on these vacation trips not not worrying about like catching all 150 because that's never going to happen but but you play through you you beat you beat all the gyms you beat all the you know like little side questy things that yeah. you have to to get through the storyline and you catch all the legend all the legendaries uh you know you catch because it was possible back then you catch uh you catch Articuno Zapdos and uh, Moltres and you catch and you catch uh Mewtwo and you beat the elite four or five or six times and then you and you're good what about Pika Blue and Mew and Pika Flare and Right, right. You got to get the. You got to push the. You got to use strength on the truck, right? Oh, um, I love that. I, I love that stupid rumor thing when that went on as a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. When people, because I was one of the people on the internet looking up trying to find this thing, and it doesn't exist. Like there was a. I remember that there was a. I had a book, like a published book of like of like cheat codes, and it was like this is the official from Nintendo way that you can get Peekaboo. And it's level 999, <laughs> and all of its stats are 999. And uh, you have to, it was like, it involved talking to the talking to the guy in Viridian City that teaches you how to catch a Pokemon. And then you have to, like, reset your game so that he's standing in a different spot. And, and then you have to, yeah, you have to go to, you have to go, you have to fly to, to the, the SSN where you, did where you got cut some other way, so it hasn't left, and then you surf, and then you use strength on the truck, push <laughs> it. All fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, but that truck was there. That it's truck there. was there, which is yeah. When uh, when po- when uh, Pokemon Go first came out, I had somebody uh, take a picture of me trying to push an SUV, and I was like, I'm trying to find Mew. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, Mew is in the original Pokemon game. Right, right. Yeah, you just had to get him through an event. Which I went to, by the way. Or I did Game Shark. Yeah, I did. I did Game Shark, but I actually went to a summer training event in Milwaukee when they had one. I think in '94. I, I have a sticker on my window in my childhood bedroom, which I saw when I was in Milwaukee last week, but I forgot. Would have been later than '94. '95. '96. I can't remember. I have it though. I have a sticker that says I was at this tournament that I lost both matches. For. Yeah, I thought it was. I I thought that the games came to. United States in ninety seven. You might be. I could. It could have been ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, just, ni- yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight. I'm gonna like find that. out now. Definitely by ninety eight. I think. Um, I want to say Yellow Version came out ninety nine. I'm gonna send my mo- have my mother get a picture of that. I'm <laughs> curious. I looked at it, but I don't remember. I was paying that much attention. So what was your favorite Pokemon back then for the original gen? I was pretty. I was pretty boring with uh with with favorites back then. I mean, Art like if we say more specifically, Articuno was my favorite of the rare birds. Venusaur was my favorite of the starters. I had a lot of affection for Beedrill and for Snorlax. Okay, um, but yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if I had a, like a like a favorite favorite. I mean, I liked I liked Pikachu. You know, I'm I'm not not immune to that. But I wasn't like <laughs> one of these cool people who's like, oh yeah, my favorite from the get go was Golduck. Mine was Sandshrew. I loved Sandshrew. I don't know why, and I also couldn't use, I don't think I could use Sandshrew at first, because I had the red version, and he's mm-hmm. only in the blue version. I think that's also why I like him, because he was something that I couldn't get. Yeah. And as a kid, I always have liked Sandshrew. Me and my friend wrote, like, a little fan fiction one when we were kids, like, in our notebooks, and Sandshrew was my starter. I definitely liked, I liked Vulpix over... Growlithe? Growlithe. You know, that's Growlithe, you get him on Brett. Cinnabar Island. Yes. Um, <laughs> in red or blue? No, and, uh, I think he's in red. I think in Volpix Pokemon Mansion. Yeah, Volpix is blue. Yeah, because that's, you know, that's where you were saying you get, couldn't get him. 
The other thing was, speaking of some of those, like, the Pokemon, I, I always hated the ones that you could only get one of them. So, like, I hated, I so, like, Hitmonlee and Hitmonchan, like, I would just play through the game and I would just never choose which one. Because <laughs> it bother you too much? Because, like, I, if, I, if I picked one, then I couldn't have the, I knew yeah. I couldn't have the other. So, I, I, you know, I was afraid, like, there's going to be some situation that uh, that comes up where I really would have wanted the other one. So, I just didn't even pick. That's same thing funny. with the... Same thing with the Helix Fossil and the Dome Fossil. I don't think you have a choice with that one, do you? I thought you have to pick one of them. Oh, yeah, I guess you, you Yeah, because he did. blocks the path until you take yeah, one. Yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. there's. I think there's... I, but I think there is one other one that that I could just not pick. And then you you never use the Master Ball, ever, because you never know when you're going to need it. Me too. Well, not, well, see, if I was smart, especially because the game ended for me when yeah. it caught Mewtwo, like, that was the, the final... He was probably the last Pokemon that I was going to catch... But no, no. You gotta catch Mewtwo with an Ultra Ball. That's not. Okay. I also, I've, I've always been under the belief to beat a Pokemon game, you have to beat the Elite Four and fight or catch all the Legendaries. That's all I consider beating a Pokemon uh, game. Yeah, I would say, I, I mean, that's general, I, I generally agree with that. Um, it's certainly with the with the early gens. I do think that, I mean, to beat, I don't think to beat Gold and Silver, you have to catch all the dogs. Okay, I don't consider that. You're right. Okay, the, I forgot about them. The roaming, maybe the roaming. I don't consider the roaming one because that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Unless you have a way to make them spawn right on you, which it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think for one of the remakes, I I was really trying to for the uh, Alpha Red Omega Ruby. I was really trying to catch all of the legendaries, which there were like a bajillion legendaries yes. available. Those. And I was and I was looking up the specific, like if you like. If you can find one of the, if you can find one of them, then they're gonna fly. They're gonna go to this place or this place or this place, and so they're they're here. So then that means you should fly here, and then, then you can kind of like herd them. Like you can kind of yeah, you can kind of do the, the figure out the pattern. But like yeah, I those those rare dogs in uh, in in silver version were were hard. Yeah, I did not. I I've got I've never gotten all three of them as a kid. I'm playing. Well, both of us are playing Crystal, depending on when mm-hmm. you hear this. Might already have to... I don't remember. <laughs> it was on my time paradox, but I don't remember... In Cry- I think Crystal, they make it easier to get the dog, but I can't remember. It's been a long time. So what was your favorite of the three Pokemon? Red, blue, or yellow? So, red version. Okay. But, you know, I like the sprites in the in red in red and blue better than the sprites in yellow. Okay, because um, yeah, they do change them. Uh, the uh, I think that, for me... And I mean, this was, you know, me as being a... 12-year-old, you know, cool, cooler than thou. <laughs> um, and I also didn't understand that JRPGs are all about everything being cute all the time. But... <laughs> not, um, <laughs> not always. But, I mean, there's a there's a lot, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of, like, I wanted, you know, I wanted this to be, like, the Japanese anime thing, and it didn't really occur to me that there's a there's a cuteness aesthetic, there's a cuteness element of of Japanese art, and that's, you know, and that that's okay. Yeah. You know, so I, always, so I always liked... I always liked that the uh, that the the sprites in red and blue were were a little bit a little bit uglier, a little bit edgier. <laughs> they are. Um, whereas whereas yellow version was very modeled after the after the anime. Yeah. Which and and also yellow version had a couple of quality of life mm-hmm. uh, improvements that kind of felt like easy mode. You get all three starters. Um, yeah, you get all three starters. You get Pikachu. Uh, you get you get Pikachu, Nidoran. It's just like little stuff. Like Nidoran learns double kick really early, so 
so really Brock should be super difficult because you started with an electro type and he's Yeah. But you can but you can just catch Nidoran and get him to like level ten and he knows double kick and he can just fight him attack. And yeah. he just he just wipes the floor with with Brock. They have to, otherwise that would be a hell of a fight. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened when you play when you started with Charmander. Mm-hmm. You can be an Ember, but it's not easy. Right. I mean, it's not Ember is not very effective. I thought it was just normal, but it's been a while. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that fire attacks are, are not very effective. Okay. Against Rock. I forget because I it's been a while. But it's time. it's it's a it's a it's a that. But for yeah, I want to say also Ember gets learned a little bit higher. Like it's in the teens that yeah, you it's ten or ten or twelve. But when you have Charmander, you have to love him up a whole bunch. Otherwise, yeah. you won't be Brock. Yeah, but yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, fire is yeah, fire is weak to rock, and and uh, yeah, that's that's how it works. So yeah, uh, so you would have to just you just have to you the best. I think the best strategy was to get Butterfree. Oh yeah, get Butterfree to learn Confusion at level ten, and uh, then you can wipe, wipe the floor with them. Be able to, which is why red version is even harder because because Caterpie is because Caterpie is ten percent. Instead of ninety percent. Oh, he's in both, isn't he? Okay. Yeah, they're in both, but but uh, but it's Weedle's it's, more common in red. Caterpie's yeah, more common in blue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a ninety percent, ten percent, or something like that. Okay. Uh, but you can totally, especially with how many you run into in the yeah. forest, you can totally catch one. All right. Well, thank you for telling me your memory, and stay tuned, everybody, for the next memory. Hi, and who's with me? Ben from the UK. I guess the reason I'm on this podcast is because I know Mike through <laughs> building overblood2.com, which is a, a website about uh, a game that nobody's ever played. This <laughs> <laughs> is unfortunately very true. <laughs> one day, one day I'm going to play it. It's on my list. <laughs> I keep telling myself that. And what is your favorite gaming memory? Uh, well, pro- probably kind of giving it away already. Just, just. I mean, I have a lot of good memories with games, whether it's from the actual game itself or just, you know, the people I played it with or where I played it. Um, but they're all, they were all kind of like fleeting memories, I guess. Um, so for me, it's probably just finally getting to the end of, of building overblood2.com. Um, it's, a, it's a game what? that not many people have played. And, uh, it was Why overblood2? So the, the short version of the story is that so for anybody that doesn't know, it didn't come out in North America. It came out in Europe. This is the sequel to Overblood for anybody that hasn't caught on to that <laughs> already. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I, I picked it up for like three for 20 pounds, I think, in like a secondhand store, probably 2002, something like that. I'd never seen it. I'd never heard of it. I think I got maybe beat like the first level or something. And this is kind of just when... You know, things like GameFAQs were, were starting on online. You could kind of, the early days of walkthroughs on the internet that were all text-based before <laughs> YouTube. Yeah. I, I, I remember, yeah, yeah, we must have went thousands of them. But I remember looking for one for Overblood 2, and it, it stopped just, just about the point that I was. I suppose the other thing you should know about Overblood 2 is that there were two releases of it in Europe, um, and the first one that was released in 1998 was Bugged. Um, it had a game crashing bug, so a lot of people <laughs> couldn't finish it. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, so basically, there's two versions, and if you've got one of them, then you can't complete it. <laughs> they they kind of re-released it, and then um, I must have had that one, and 
the, the, it just kind of sat on my shelf for a while and, and a couple of years later I needed something to play and I, I thought as any teenager probably wants to I thought shit this is probably my chance to write a video game walkthrough and, and that's what I did and it just kind of sat there for a long time and then uh, in 2017 th- this is where it got a bit weird in 2017 um, somebody actually found one of my old email addresses and sent me an email um, didn't work and then they tracked me down at work and contacted me at work <laughs> To, to talk to me about this game. <laughs> <laughs> They're just excited there's someone else and like, somebody else played this game! <laughs> so so basically, because I never actually typed up the walkthrough I wrote when I was a kid, can't remember why, um, I just put my email address on some forums and he basically found out what my name was and the reason he got in touch with me was because he, he wanted to make sure that he didn't miss anything but he didn't want to spoil the game for himself by watching it on YouTube. Because I obviously kind of said to him, you know, dude, there's there's like so many playthroughs on YouTube now. Surely this this can't be a thing. And then yeah, just, just kicked funny. off a kicked off a four year project. <laughs> I mean, it's impressive though. I mean, that's how I mean that's how we met because I'm one of the few people who covered the first game on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, exactly. So that's that's obviously how we met, like you say. Um, yeah, just I I think I think that. Probably like the, the 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 main point of the memory for me was when I unlocked the secret level, which is like quite hard to do. To, it's quite monotonous. That's what probably kind? like the memory that that I'm focusing mainly on here. The whole website and building it was like fun, but that specific memory, getting to the end of it and getting to there, and then being like, shit, I get to play this for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of is Overblood? Just like a third-person action game? Uh, a survival yeah, horror? It, yeah, it's weird. I've kind of seen it as seen it advertised as a few things. It's it, I guess I would just describe it as a three D action game. Um, okay. And I, I think one of the one of the things that probably makes it work against itself as a game and makes it quite difficult, but also a little bit ambitious in a weird way, is that there's lots of different types of gameplay. Whereas I, I know you played the first one, so in yes. the first one, like, I guess you would you would kind of describe that as a three D action game, maybe. Yeah, but and more survival horror because of the tank controls. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So full disclosure, I've never played that game all the way through. <laughs> no, that's that's you're missing absolutely nothing. It is a bad game. <laughs> Sorry yeah, for that. <laughs> only reason why there's a whole Facebook group dedicated to it is because Game Informer did a replay, did a video on it years yeah, ago yeah. as a joke. Yeah, well, that's that, that's that's how I was. I was like, well, I've watched that. I don't, I don't feel like I need to need to no, play. It no. really, it shocked the hell out of me when uh, Raz had an American accent because he's got a Scottish accent in the second one, which is just really, really strange. <laughs> uh, I've always been curious about Orbital Two. I was actually supposed to originally do it for our two-year anniversary, but then I just. Mm decided like i don't i want to play something good for our anniversary but i never got around <laughs> it's yeah i mean it's it's weird because like even as as man i must have i must have completed that game 20 30 40 times now and I, I can't i can't say that it's a good game i can say that it's a game that i really enjoy through you that's, know a, a nostalgic lens that's still in, I mean, plus, like, is, I can tell it's definitely not short because the world record speedrun, at least as of 2021, was six hours and 20 minutes. That is not a short game. Yeah, so uh, a guy actually beat that now. A guy got sub six. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I've watched I've watched quite a lot of it. And he certainly planned it out uh, and knows what he's doing. 
I'm pretty. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't mean to brag here, Mike. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> but I could probably do that. And I've, hey, thought oh, about, I've thought about it a few times, but I don't know if I've got it in me to play the game again right now. I mean, speedrunning is a whole nother insanity. I've interviewed a few speedrunners for the show, and it's an insane. I mean, I'm impressed by what people do in, in games like that. I I can't. I'm a dirty, dirty cheater. Anyone listen to the show when it comes to games? I will cheat however I have to get through a game. <laughs> I have to. And I just get through it and move on to the next game. Yeah, like me, I've, one of my one of my best friends. We uh, we play uh, we play games. Hi, Jareth, if you're listening, you'll probably listen to this. Um, we play Resident Evil and stuff online, and um, everybody knows that you get such a better score if you don't save it. And we'll get to the like halfway through the game, and we'll have like 50 saves each. Like, Same. oh great, just, then we've done really well on this, haven't we? I've never. I, or, I'm just. I'm watching Overblood to the the speedrun. Just kind of clicking through it right now randomly. This game looks so strange. Like I see him fighting a tiger monster all of a sudden. Yeah, there's a so there's a robotic tiger. There's a robotic dinosaur at one point. <laughs> there's a there's a whole mini game on level four that's just a dance routine, and you get to decide whether you want to do a, an easy or a hard dance. Um, there's a section where you've got to run on the top of a moving train. Uh, okay. Uh, there's some, there's some, I mean, there's some weird shit that happens. I think that, I think the weird thing for me is when I think of the game, um, I don't really think of the levels that much. I think of, there's kind of like a hub world in Overblood 2 that you go to between the levels, if that makes sense. Like that area to me is what I think of when I think about it nostalgically, I guess. Um, I like kind of the aesthetic in that hub world. I think it looks and sounds really nice for, for what it was at the time. But I mean, yeah, I'm not going to sit and defend. Oh, no, it, it looks interesting. Like I'm watching a video, a cutscene, or not cutscene, but pl- gameplay of him running around the store just chopping up random people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the bit with the gangs and uh, when you get to Gloom Alley. Yeah, there's, there's certainly some weird stuff. I think it's um, <clears throat> it's one of those weird things that because... Because one thing that anybody has played Overblood 2 will tell you is that there are a lot of long-ass cutscenes, like a lot of cutscenes. They're all fully dialogue. They're just really long. There's a lot of them. And I think, like, in retrospect, kind of the story and, and all of that dialogue, when you've listened to it, like, you know, 50 times, <laughs> the, the, there is, like the makings of not necessarily a great story but uh, an okay story i just think that the the levels themselves and the designs of the levels and everything is just just so weird and out there and some of the translation does not does not help it makes it sound super cheesy but i mean all games in the all games in the 90s and 2000s with cutscenes were cheesy right yeah it's that time yeah, I mean, it really is. It's just games were not good at like, well, PS, I shouldn't say not good. PS1 had some really weird stuff that they did. Yeah, I think see, yeah, I was having a similar conversation with somebody the other day. And I think that the, the, the PS, the PS1 kind of it was it was wasn't perfect. And there was a lot of experimental stuff going on. And it's, it's almost a shame that we don't we don't get that level of experimentation on consoles anymore. But at the same time, I mean, there's lots of great communities out there that you know, full of indie developers making some good games. I know I'm part of um, a few groups on uh, Facebook, things like that, that do indie horror games and stuff. And it's really cool to see 
what people can create and oh, also yeah. ones that ad- adapt existing games. I'm a big fan of like the uh, some of the fan creation games of like Resident Evil PS1 style kind of stuff. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff like that. I, I like stuff like that, too. I just love the fact that people make more games that people can now make a game just, you know, in their basement if they want to. Like, you know, you don't need a whole lot of, you know, skills. You can just make something. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's really cool. I just think it's fun. I mean, you got to be probably the biggest person out there talking about Overblood 2 in, you know, in 2022. Uh, yeah, there's not really much. <laughs> there's not really much of a of a calling for for it. Uh, yeah, it was just th- there wasn't really any kind of archival of it, I guess, online, other than sort of a, a Wikipedia entry that I created. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had the walk through, and, and it was a lot of fun going back and replaying it. And I ended up buying a load of stuff from Japan, getting that over here. And, sort of reading through that and learning more about the game. Actually got in touch with some of the voice actors from the game as well. That was, that was fun talking to them. It's just, the, it, as, as a game, it's had... <laughs> I don't know if anybody else will be able to say this, but I think as a game, Overblood 2 has probably had the biggest kind of impact on me as a person. Good, though. I mean, no, no one else probably can, but that's still good, though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I didn't, if I didn't make the website, I wouldn't be talking to you, so... Yeah, no. I met I've met lots of cool people through it. And that's been really fun. Uh, every now and again, I get, get an email through the site. Oh, thank you. I'm in Germany. Is a really popular one. Actually. I'm in Germany. Thank you so much. I couldn't get past this part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when I do someday play it, it will be using a guide. It'll probably be using your guide. I mean, plus you uh, also you had put the guide on YouTube. Also, you made video walkthroughs too. Yeah, so I, I, it was like a written one, and then I, I kind of watched all the, the ones on YouTube, and none of them quite 100%ed it or really got that close. <laughs> no offense, guys. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you are wanting to play the game, you kind of only got one choice for a walkthrough, mate. <laughs> one day. It, it's, it's I just got to find volunteers that are willing to suffer with me and play through that game, but one day. Yeah, I think I think it really depends on whether you are set out on getting to the end or not because i i I think you could probably get a good feel for what the game is by playing the first couple of levels but if you're really if you're really entertaining the idea of going whole hog then uh, it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna take you a while it's it's gonna take you a while i I think the average time is something like 14 hours oh that's 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 a decent amount of time yeah, and, and most of it is just cut scenes that you can't skip. I mean, if you follow the, obviously, if you follow the walkthrough, you can kind of be in stuff. But the same, so we're also talking about a game from before 2000, so it's kind of janky now. It's mm-hmm. a little bit difficult I mean, to uh, I beat Overblood 1, I beat Fear Effect. I mean, those are both janky PS1 well games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I could handle it. it. It's one day, and I know exactly who I'm going to contact when that day finally comes, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, I uh, look forward to it. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Ben, for coming on for this. And I, I was not expecting to have Overblood 2 added to the list of games that people will hear about on this episode. Yeah, no, awesome. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's nice <laughs> to right. finally talk to you properly, mate. <laughs> Same. And stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Hello there. It's uh, Commander Lionheart. <laughs> Hi, Emmanuel. And the question hey. I have said many times at this point, what is your favorite gaming memory? My favorite gaming memory? Jesus H. It's actually kind of probably my first 
gaming memory as well. It's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Do you people usually just say, "Oh, this happened in this game," or, or is it just like uh, most of the conversation has been? People have their favorite gaming memory of a certain game that we just kind of we'll talk about that game a lot of times. But usually it's always associated with some kind of family event that you for most people. As you, OK, as so I've heard. OK, so I'm going to follow suit with, with, with basically the same thing. My favorite gaming memory uh, is and it's because I vividly remember just the first time that that I guess I, I was transported into a world magically like my first game that i can remember me actually playing was spiral the dragon on the playstation (laughs) one okay and i vividly remember my my mom i i'm not sure if it was like christmas or my birthday because they're kind of around the same time and i just remember my mom just hooking up the ps1 to the to the tv that i had in my room and just putting on the disc the, the the spiral dragon one disc and you know you get the that that whole nostalgic boot up sound that we all know and love <laughs> yes and you know i don't particularly remember like the first cutscene or the menu or anything i just remember that first shot of when it says the adventure begins and when you finally have the control of spiral for the first time and obviously nowadays you you see those blocky textures and, and it doesn't look that great but you know when you're a kid and 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 back in the 90s to me it just looked incredible it looked like like i was transported to another world of of color and magic and i will always i have always and will always have this this memory of just mom just sitting there playing around with the controller a little bit, making sure that everything works uh, before handing it over to me. And yeah, that, that's, that is my dearest, I guess, gaming memory. Okay, that's pretty sweet, actually. So what you're telling me, it is a game your mom found. Huh? It, it actually is a game my mom <laughs> found because she bought it for me. I mean, you know, like a lot of other games when I was a kid, I guess uh, I know that you are that you just want one, but I could also give... It's fine. Another one where it's also related to my mom and it's also related to Spyro, but Spyro Tree, where I remember my mom worked from 11, no, from 2 to 11 on weekdays. So I never really saw her that much during the weekdays. I just saw her during the weekends. So on Fridays, we usually went to some Fridays she was free and, and she would like bring me over to Blockbuster to rent a game and and a movie and, and stuff. Uh, I remember that one Friday, she she just came to school on uh, lunchtime and she 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 brought the uh, Spiral Tree, the, the, the third Spiral game. And I, you know, it's it's simple. It's just that it's just I remember her bringing it, but she Obviously, she knew how much I loved Spir- the Spiral games. And it was like when, when Spiral Tree first came out. So I, for some reason, I have these two memories, like very synced into my brain of like uh, her hooking up the PlayStation and her bringing me that game one day for lunch. And then I came home because I, my school was like five minutes away. So I just came, to, came from school, ate something real quick, and and played a little bit of Spiral Tree that, that, that lunch break. 
then just have to go back to school <laughs> begrudgingly. <laughs> like, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go. Oh, I just want to come. I want to collect gems, mom. <laughs> well, so, something that makes sense why Spiral means so much to you. As I mean, it, not that long ago, people have heard our Spiral episode that you helped pick, and we just recorded less than five, you know, ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's good to see that that you know that game has still lasted with you all this time. Like, you know, even though it's been came out in fucking ninety eight, like it's yeah. still you know over twenty years old and still means a lot to you. It it def it means so much to me, Mike. Like. I'm I'm gonna tell you this and the, and I I don't tell this to too many people but and you're talking guess, to a whole lot of well like a hundred people at the moment if you hey, put it in the recording hey. if you're okay I mean again up until this moment but you know the the reason why my mom got me a PlayStation and and games was because my father passed away so it was you know when you're a kid you kind of don't understand the concept of death yeah so I, I understand so. You know, you're you're like, oh, he's just he's he's gone away or he's sleeping or whatever. So I didn't really I guess the reason why she bought it for me was so that I could have a coping mechanism because then it was she was the only provider of the house then. And like I said, she would have to go to work from two to eleven. And if I was, you know, at school, I would get off a tree and I didn't see her the entire day. So, you know, fire, you know, it's kind of cliche to say like, oh. but did this game character or whatever was like my my friend or whatever but it was true for me because that that's what i spent my majority of time like just playing these games uh, after i got off of school and done my homework and all that stuff so yeah spyro has always just meant a lot to me and it's just a couple of games at least the original trilogy that i just love replaying over and over again and yeah it's it's just Something that I have ingrained in me and that I will probably continue to have ingrained in me till the rest of my life. No, that that makes sense, though. Like, that gives it a reason. How old were you when your dad passed? Uh, I was seven, around seven or eight, around that. I mean, that's young, though. So, I mean, that, that you know, that, that's hard when you're a kid. Like, for me, not the same thing, but for, like, my son, when he I lost custody of him when I was when he was seven and I didn't see him. Like, we saw each other every single day and all of a sudden I was just gone. Because mm-hmm. I was stupid when I was like 21, and he was like one and gave up custody to someone else, thinking, okay, I'll still, you know, I still live there, it doesn't matter. And then all of a sudden, seven years later, oh, it mattered. And I didn't, like, I was like 21, or I didn't understand the concept of it. But like, I know for him, like, we didn't see each other for six months. And when I finally saw him again, he was just like, what? <laughs> it was, it was hard. Like, I remember that. Like, I always remember being at McDonald's, and like, he didn't really know what to say to me. I didn't know what to say to him. We hadn't seen each other. Mm-hmm. I just disappeared one day. I just was kicked out of the house and couldn't see him. So, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, it's hard for a kid. To kind yeah. of add what I, that's where I was going with that. But so I get that. I mean, and games, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, games are meant to be some, you know, they're an art form, something that you enjoyed. And, you know, the fact that this game had such a impact on your life and still does to this day, like, that's that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I know some people see it like, oh, the game, baby, you know, it's giving you something to do with enjoy, enjoy your time instead of going out and causing trouble. <laughs> or exactly. exactly. You know, like, that's how I always look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly how I look at it as well. You know, and especially when you're young, I mean, your your mother, you know, or any your parents, especially your mother, like, oh, mean a lot. Like, I know my mom worked a lot when I was a kid, too. And that's something that I, you know, I didn't see her a whole lot. Mm-hmm. She didn't work that shift, but I wouldn't. She wouldn't get home to like seven or eight o'clock sometimes. Okay. She worked all day. Mm-hmm. She's also the only person that worked in my family because my dad stayed home and took care of me. So <laughs> mm. it's hard. I, I completely can get that. Yeah. I'm glad this pro meant so much to you and stuck with you. And were you also a big fan of the second one, too? 
Oh, second game's my favorite 3D oh. platformer of all time. Like <laughs> that that game I have played so many times from from start to finish, like completed one hundred percent every single time, just so many times. So what is your order that you rank all three of the of the original three in? The original three, like excluding Reignited Trilogy, uh Spiral Two is my favorite, then Spiral Tree, and then Spiral One. Okay. And since we have just a little bit more time left, you still you played a bunch of the like PS2 spiral games too, right? Like you went on to that oh stuff. Boy. I only played well, I yeah, I the only one that I played didn't not play was the fifth one, which is a hero's tale. I never managed to get a copy of that on the PS2 for some reason. I God, I uh, Spiral 4 Enter the Dragonfly is not a good game. It's even as a kid, even as a teenager, I I understood that that was not a good game. So again, I cannot talk about our hero's tale because I I've only played a little bit of it for my show. And as for the rest of the games, which were the Legend of Spyro games, uh, they're fine. They they were they were very different. They were drastically different. They were no longer platformers and just kind of hack not hack and slash completely but like more action okay. games so you know it's it's not like i can truly compare them to to the other spyro games that I didn't were, realize they were like that I, I don't know anything about them other than they just i know they exist yeah they they wanted to go for a more gritty and, and dark reboot of of the franchise at that point so okay i i own a bunch of them but i've never I would just buy them when I found them because they they weren't cheap. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, especially the third one. Third one is super hard to come by for cheap, uh, which is Dawn of the Dragon, which is the only one of the three that I have not played. Uh, I is it will. PS2 or is it 360 era? It's it's on both. It's on PS2 and it's also on the 360 and PS3. Okay. And yeah, I again I know that some people really hate them. I I like. I like them. They are, again, they are just vastly different. Like, if you can take your mindset out of, oh, it's going to be another Spyro game, then you'll be fine. And also, it has Elijah Wood as Spyro. Okay, I can I can get myself out of something like that and not care. I don't have, like I said before, I don't have nostalgic for the yeah. series, so it doesn't matter. I just, if they're fun, they're fun. If they're not, oh well. Again, I say this as someone who hasn't played these games since he was in middle school, so things could up- no, I don't could change. So... Okay. Don't don't well, take my my word at face value. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for sharing that with me, Manuel. Hey, it's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> All right, and stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Red Fox. Hey, and welcome back. And I'm here to ask you, what is your favorite gaming memory? I have to say, probably back might date me a little bit, but. That's fine. <laughs> probably, probably back in around 1998. That's not really yeah. dating you then, to be honest. With the amount of <laughs> stuff I have, that's not dating. <laughs> <laughs> well, back then it was winter. Obviously, at that point, you're usually stuck in the house. And winters always seemed way harsher back then. But I really, really enjoyed and couldn't put down Ocarina of Time back then. So, I mean, uh, just running around and Kokiri Village for the first time and and really sort of getting used to 3D still because I, I, I want to say N64 was still pretty new for me at that point. 
I, I think I probably just got it not long before that. I mean, most likely. I'm yeah, because I, I, I never, like, especially at that time, I never got systems, like, right when they came out launch day. So, I mean, we were 10. Normally, yeah. So, <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't in my, wasn't in my control. You know? So, you know, I waited usually two to four years after launch dates to, to really get my hands on something. And, uh, and 64 and, and especially Ocarina was, it was definitely like a high point in gaming. I mean, not to mention 98 in general was an amazing year for, for gaming. So, but yeah, again, just kind of running around Kokiri Village and experiencing that kind of 3D, especially in the Zelda like franchise was, uh, so like almost overwhelming for me. Like I, n- n- nothing I've played since then has really topped that moment. And the funny thing is, I, I actually don't have the same <laughs> memories. I did. I just remember like when we met. I want to say it was the first or second year that we knew each other. And like I remember you were beating the game for me oh, yeah, <laughs> and for I other people. Practice by then, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what year we we met exactly. If it was two thousand that we met in or two thousand one. I want to say or ninety nine. It had to be. I, th- I want to say the end of ninety nine because if that's when we started sixth grade. Yeah, we met in sixth that's, grade. Yes, that's. If it was 99, which I'm almost positive it was, that's when we first uh, met at the end of that year. I can't remember when we, like, I know me and you played Ocarina of Time a whole bunch. I remember watching you play it. That game scared me for a long time. <laughs> oh, man, it, it was such an amazing experience. I mean, front front to back. I mean, there's a reason, like, <clears throat> people rated so damn high. I actually never beat it until I did it for the podcast. <laughs> I never beat it. I mean, as a kid, like, when we played it together... I think you beat it for me or something, but I never actually finished it myself. I think that's probably why, like, a lot of times, like, you skipped on a few games, like even Cross, for example, because you just see me do it anyway. I, I played. Like, why should I? <laughs> I played Cross once all the way through. I just, it's only the one time. Oh, I didn't actually, I didn't know you beat mm-hmm. it all the way through. I beat it, I want it, what year did Cross come out? That was around 2000, 2001. Okay, so we already would have known each other. Yeah, I beat it once. I know that for sure. I don't. I didn't do like the secret boss or anything, but I beat it once. But I never have since then. Well, at least you got that. I mean, that game. Sure. I, I replayed it. Like if I beat it, I. I mean, there was new game plus anyway, so I know there was at least one point where I ended up getting every single character. That I don't think I ever did. But like, no, speaking I can't of, promise I'd do it again. But. <laughs> Ocarina of Time. I'm curious if you still remember. I have one memory that's always stuck with me of us in Ocarina of Time. We went to God, I think it was William was his name, went to his house and we spent the night and you were helping him with Zelda, I remember. And we were both there and he had a duplex. I still remember that. Yes, he did that. They converted into like a whole house. Yeah. <laughs> and which a lot of people do. I mean, we knew two people that yeah. lived like that. Yep, I still know people that live like that now. Yeah. It's not that unusual. No. So, I don't know, just that's always stuck with me. But like, whenever I think Ocarina of Time, for some reason, that memory of me and you over at, Will, at William's house spending the night and wake up in the morning, and you guys and we all playing it, or basically you playing it and finishing it for other people on their saves. Yeah, and those there's other people that you don't know or might have forgotten that I've done it for too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was also thinking back then with 64 because it's like you couldn't download saves like you could now, like you couldn't, you know, you had to have someone and you wanted to, and you know, as kids we didn't have many games, you want people to unlock more game you know unlock more potential of your game i remember i think you did the water temple for me for sure you did that oh, for yeah. everybody. and i actually never needed a guide for it either which is impressive i beat the water temple on the 3ds version and the gamecube version i used a guide both times so the 3ds version i want to say is a little easier don't they have like some vague signage 
Yeah. Um, there's a signage, and they fix there's a, they fix a spot so you can't screw yourself. Like in the original Water Temple, you could screw yourself in a certain spot. Yeah, I never got stuck in there either. I mean, you that don't was get, back in the day. But you don't get like you're not all. It's not like a soft lock or anything. But if you you there's a spot where you're supposed to go forward, you can raise the you can mess with the te- water level. And if you do that, you got to do everything over again. I think they either got rid of it or moved it so it wasn't right in your face tricking you. There's something like that. There was some trickery that was. I don't remember exactly, but I know there's something they that they changed that was like a real fuck you moment back then. <laughs> I yeah, know. I mean that definitely worst dungeon of them all. But uh, even then, I somehow, some way, it, it, when I was younger, found a way to enjoy it. And even then, like when I played this, I actually beat the 3DS version of it too. I was very impressed with graphics on that, by the way. But yes, good. like when I when a Water Temple was coming up, I knew it was coming, so I was like, hey, you know what? I'm still not worried or anxious to do this like I, I just went through it and then when i found out it was like very slightly easier i was like oh wow big deal <laughs> it doesn't matter to you no <laughs> was this like the first 3d game you played too was ocarina time maybe not i i want to say i mean it depends on what you're really considering 3d because i i did play some like 3d-esque games probably on like sega maybe uh, i'm talking more like like my but if we're talking like full blown 3D era games, I guess um, no, because I, I don't think I got this like when I got the N64 right off. I think I might have played like Turok first, <laughs> or Turok or Top Gear Rally. Those are the first two games I had for N64 when I got it. Okay, I forget about Turok. I, I know we. On Steam. I know. I, I I I actually I don't know if I do. I know we played it as kids. I remember that, but we it, we were never like. I know I was never big in the Turok playing it with you. Yeah, I mean, I that definitely at that time at least wasn't your style of game. Like the most FPS you were really getting into was going to be like Goldeneye, mm-hmm. for the most part, and not for good reason too. <laughs> the Goldeneye wasn't great. Cause I know we played a lot of Smash back when we met. Oh yeah, I mean, shit, I, and I actually played smash before i met you but when i actually actually you know i had friends to play with like you and everybody else oh man that was the greatest game ever for for that time yeah i remember i remember we loved that and i i want to say ocarina was an early game for us too that you were playing a lot like i'm pretty sure i just because it must have been sixth grade that we would have spent the night at william's house sixth or seventh grade it would have been early for sure yeah it wasn't the seventh by seventh grade we already i don't i don't think we were talking to him anymore at that point I no it was five six then to be six yeah <laughs> the weird i mean i completely haven't i have not thought about that but then as soon as you mentioned i'm like oh yeah <laughs> like the random I thing that in my head. completely forgot about it and then when you brought it up i can see it now i but i remember most like as far as gaming at at williams house was like playing pokemon stadium and having those like Game Boy packs on the back of the controller and, and just facing off doing that kind of stuff with like a group of us. God, Pokemon Stadium I have never beat. One day. One day I want to change that. But fuck that game. Stadium? Fine. Yeah. Oh, man. I actually, You know, when I got a little bit older, I want to say 15-ish, I went back to the stadium and started paying attention to like the tutorials. Like as far as like, all right, well, um, if it's super effective, it does two times damage. If it's you know, whatever, like 1.5 damage, all like mo- the modifiers. Yeah. Oh, man, that changed up the entire way that I played. <laughs> it's <was, it> <laughs> so interesting. Like, it then became somewhat more of a strategy game at that point for me. One day, I, I do want I really do want to go back and play it. There's so many 64 games that I've been meaning to, and I just I haven't gotten around to yet. I'm trying to go back I to my childhood and finish. 
<laughs> yeah, you you definitely should. I mean, did you ever beat Majora's Mask? For the show. Not before that, no. I love Majora's Mask. That I, I thought that game was stupid, then I finally played it, and I'm like, okay, I love it now. Well, we, we both thought that initially. We're like, what is this garbage Like when it first came out? And then <laughs> I, I beat it when I was still in high school. So, and, and I used GameFAQ, so no pictures, nothing. <laughs> Just text that somebody put in there. <laughs> text that somehow got me through that, like, stupid stone temple or whatever it was. That was worse than the damn water temple to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Majora's Mask. Great game. I actually bought it on 3DS and I have not played it once. because The 3DS version is amazing. That's what I played. And that was really, I, really good. I need to do it again. You know what really pisses me off is that I, I've had two 3DSs and I beat Ocarina of Time uh, remaster on there on the first one. And then I like didn't transfer all my saves to the new 3DS. I, I probably thought at the time, at least, that everything's saved to the cartridge. Like, That's you know, kind of like <laughs> so some of the games have. And I was so pissed when I lost my save because I, I was just starting the Master Quest. Okay. And now I got to beat it all over again in order to do that Master Quest. Yeah, no, I can I can see that being the IV Fist too. Yeah, I mean, at least it's a game I love and, and I'm, I don't think I'll ever get sick of. So if I want to do it again, put the time in, just mess around on there. Eventually get Master Quest open again. Just stick with it. You know, I, I can see that happening. Hey, it's, it's a great game. I mean, it's something that you should go back to every once in a while and just replay, especially the 3DS version. And, and there's there's games like that. You know, you can talk about Trigger or some <laughs> maybe Final like Nine or Final Fantasy games. Games that I can always go back to. That was our era, and you know, just like when I see like some of the new Final Fantasies, I maybe can't feel them like I did the old the old ones, but that's fine. My my time came and it, and it went. You know, it's the same with like trying to enjoy IPs from like our, our childhood. You know, like Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles. Like you're not going <laughs> to really enjoy the stuff that's on TV. You got to enjoy the stuff that's either from your era and stick to it, or you got to enjoy this like certain other media that might come out that's geared more towards your your age range. You know, that's why I can dig the Power Rangers and Turtles comics, but I can't do the TV shows. You know, it's different. Well, the comics also are, are not childish at all. <laughs> so, No, no, they definitely aren't. That's why I enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I found for my age range, and that's what I got to stick to. I mean, other than the movies here and there, I maybe tolerate those if they're done right. Yeah, that's a big that's if there, it. buddy. Usually aren't. I mean, even Power Rangers wasn't uh, anything amazing. It was all right. It was all right. It was, I didn't hate it. I, I like that more than the uh, Turtles reboot. Sure. Okay, yeah, I just that Turtles reboot is bad. Yeah, I mean, second one didn't do much better, for sure. I don't remember. I only saw the second one once, and I was at a drive-in, and I don't remember anything. For the new one? For, yeah, for the new one, the second new one. Oh, well, okay. You said oh, drive-in, and, you know. And it was the second movie, so I was falling asleep. I just wanted I to go home and go to bed. And I, I knew there was a great chance it was going to suck, but I was like, you know what? I, I want to see it anyway. One day I'll watch it again, for sure. But I don't know when. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, especially if you ever do these ones for the podcast. I'll oh, yeah. I'm, I'm each year I do one. Definitely do it. So <laughs> well, I'm so working there next. The reboots or no, uh, you still got the 2007, 2007 TMNT and then the two reboots. Oh, and Turtles Forever. Yeah, but I'll just do that randomly one day whenever I finally make us do it. Well, that's worth <laughs> it. That that was definitely interesting. I do, I do want to cover it. It's been on, it's on my list for a long time, just sitting there, and I look at it and go, hmm, I should record that one day. 
I never ended up buying it. I know, I, like, I don't even think you can stream it still. Mm, you can other ways. Well, other ways, sure. <laughs> I, <own a laughs> I probably watched it the yes. first time. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not on any websites or any any legal streams. But thank you, Red, for joining me and hey, sharing that about for having me. And help, and and I got to bring back an old memory that neither of us remembered nor wanted to remember, probably. So yeah. And I'm sure we'll forget in another uh, week. <laughs> That's okay. Until I listen to, when I'm edit this, and go, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, and stay tuned, everyone, for the next one. Hi, and who's with me for this one? Hi, this is frequent, I guess, at this point. Uh, yeah. Games my mom found. <laughs> yes, Blair Farrell, the owner and i guess editor-in-chief primary content generator for i can be whatever title i want um, <laughs> i guess <laughs> executive vice president of uh, comicbookvideogames.com your number one source for the review of dc league of super pets <laughs> i won't get over that one that was funny it's getting good numbers well because you're one of the only people to review that crap <laughs> yeah and you are here with me to tell me about your favorite gaming memory yeah, I, it was a tough one to think about because I, I was kind of trying to narrow down one, especially over the past uh, couple of years, because like I've done some things that I never thought that a small town Newfoundland boy, whatever, could do. Like I'm friends with uh, Chris Baker, who worked on many of the Marvel games that I have on my shelf and love. I wrote a book about Avengers games. I've interviewed the people behind like Spider-Man 2000 and Maximum Carnage and my favorite Spider-Man game. So I've done some pretty crazy things and I know I'm sounding like I'm humble bragging, but oh, um, let me indulge myself every now and then. <laughs> but I think I'd, I'd rather go simpler and it's kind of a, I guess a broad memory, but I think one of my favorite gaming memories is the summer of 2000. And the reason why I would kind of pick that was my brother and I were pretty close. And then in 1999, he went to university in Ottawa, our country's capital. So it was for the first time in my life where we weren't in the same household. As the years went on through his university career, he stopped coming home. But in his first year, uh, which was the summer 2000, he came home and he was with us again. So. In late 1999, for Christmas, my brother got a PlayStation, and it was the first non-Nintendo system our house had ever gotten. We were Nintendo kids up to that point, and for the 3D generation, I didn't have a Saturn, didn't have a PlayStation, I only had an N64, and that's a rough thing to have when you don't have many friends and love (laughs) single-player games. Yeah. I don't even have that many GoldenEye memories, because I would just, I don't know. I had friends, I had a friend who played with his brother all the time, so when we played, I just got annihilated. So, like, my brother got, like, a PlayStation, and suddenly uh, he brought into our house, like, Metal Gear Solid and X-Men vs. Street Fighter and Final Fantasy VII, which is something that I only saw with, like, bated, jealous breath on commercials (laughs) on TV, and it didn't even show the game. It was always like the snazzy cutscenes, and then I looked at that and my N64 game choices that I had, like Iggy's Breaking Balls and whatever the hell was coming out. And I was like, kind of had that Job on Arrested Development look on my face where I was like, I think I made a huge mistake. (laughs) And that year, too, I like Resident Evil 2 came out in N64, 
and that was my introduction to that and that quickly became my favorite series so like my brother came out in the summer and he he had final fantasy 7 but he never really had a chance to play it so i would get home from school and rpgs always intimidated me so i was content to sit down and watch him play it and i missed a lot of it because i was in school but then for his birthday he got final fantasy 8 and i got to watch him play most of that so i would actually just like give up playing my own games to be like oh you're gonna play final fantasy 8 like i want to see how far you're gonna get <laughs> there was even points where like i would sit there and i would run to my room and get a calculator when he was at a tough boss and i would try to add up all the damage he was doing to see how much more he was doing each turn and it was just like so cool just getting to watch him play that and he also got legacy of kane's soul reaver which is a really great game that i own but i've never actually played i played the sequels but i've watched him play that so it was it was those memories of just like being with my brother and playing those games and then we would have like rounds of like x-men versus street fighter and then x-men came out that year and i bought x-men mutant academy because i was so hyped on (laughs) x-men so we're like playing that together and then like he would go out with his friends so it would be my turn then to be like okay i'm gonna go get a playstation game and rent it out from like the good video store so then i had like so many games to catch up on like like the Mega Man 8, Mega Man X4, like I was dying to play Mega Man Legends, like I played Resident Evil 2 and N64, and then suddenly there was like, okay, I have Resident Evil 1 and 3 to catch up on, plus Dino Crisis, <laughs> and like all these other like great games, like I remember running out like Strider, or Strider 2, just like stuff I was like reading about in EGM, and then like that summer it was kind of like, I was reading Nintendo Power pretty religiously up to that point, and then I just started switching to EGM, and that kind of started, like, a years-long love affair with EGM, and I kind of saw what I was missing and how cool, like... Because I, you know, I got nostalgia for Nintendo Power, like, a lot of people, but, you know... And they're pre- I, I always kind of joked about how fair they were. Like, they would never, like, outright say something as bad, like, even... Like, that year was, I guess, no, no, it was the year before. But anyway, they reviewed, like, Superman on Nintendo 64. And they're, like, <laughs> positive about that. I think it was, like, a four. But even that was a little bit generous. And that's coming <laughs> from someone who, like, actually doesn't hate that game and is really fascinated with its story of how it came to be. And they're, like, well, you know, it's, it's it kind of works. And they tried. Then my EGM is, like, 0.5. <laughs> or, like, one. <laughs> And it's like, this is like, do not spend money on this. And like that level of honesty. And then it's kind of crazy just like thinking about those days and started bringing EGM. And now like, like I went to Halifax a few years ago and like had lunch with Greg Seward. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, people talk about like, oh man, like I want to meet like these celebrities and like these rock stars. And it's like, no, I, I met Greg. Like that's a big deal to me. <laughs> I mean, I was like a, yeah, I know. And I was like a blathering mess. (laughs) As I was just like, I just don't know how to like handle myself because I'm just like, oh, this is so intimidating. And, but no, yeah, he's really great. And I really like catching the streams when I can and donating to his, to his Twitch stream, which you should all do because it helps a good cause, the IWK Health Center in Halifax. I'll, I guess I'll chill for someone else. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) 
yeah, it was like one of my it was probably like that year two was like the last year, I guess. So that would have been me going from grade nine to grade ten. So I didn't really have a job either. So it was just like my life is renting video games and rediscovering like years of PlayStation classics at that point. And it was just such an unforgettable time. And like I cherish those memories. Do you have a favorite game from that summer that sticks with you the most? I mean, I'm assuming it might be Marvel or not Marvel's Capcom, but X-Men vs. Street Fighter. Oh, I thought I would probably say Mega Man Legends, because I think I rented it out before and I never really got into it. I never really because yeah, he would come over spring break. So I think I rented it one weekend and I never got very far. But like that summer, like I think I took it out for a few nights and that kind of started like my love affair with that series. Because <laughs> like I remember I was so jealous because that was the era of like Mario 64 and everything was 3D. And here's Mario in 3D. Here's Zelda yeah. in 3D, Castlevania to a lesser extent. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't hate that as much as other people. And I'm actually sad I don't have my copy anymore. But then I saw like... Mega Man in 3D and I was like like oh I want this so bad but then it never came in 64 until January of 2001 so like by that point like Mega Man Legends is out Misadventures of Tron Bomb is out which I got for my birthday that summer actually and I had the Mega Man Legends 2 demo so I forgot that, yeah that was like a, such a great year for games Two, like later in that year, it's like I got my PS1 when they did a sandwich container size redesign. And you're talking about, oh, yeah, I love that little thing. I'm so sad I don't have mine anymore, even though it's like kind of useless now. They have like a PlayStation 3 and Polymega on the way, but boy, really missed that little tiny PlayStation because you were already a fan of X Men and, and Marvel and things like that, I assume, at this point, then. Oh, yeah, and then that was the kind of when like Marvel movies were. Like, Blade was out, X-Men was on the way, and, like, my brother used to read Wizard magazine, so, you know, we are kind of following that, and then, like, Spider-Man was just over the horizon, and then, like, the Spider-Man PlayStation game was that summer, even though I, I never got to play it until the fall, um, when I went to go visit my brother in university. So, yeah, it was just, like, X-Men, we had, like, X-Men versus Street Fighter, and, like, people kind of... And they're justifiably make fun of like the PlayStation uh, kind of Capcom Marvel fighting games because they're far from arcade perfect. Like, there's no tagging, but like that was my introduction into that ecosystem. Yeah, and if and, you didn't have, yeah, we knew we never had an arcade like that. It only came out on home consoles in Japan on Saturn, and like I watch Greg stream, and he streams a lot of Saturn stuff, and. Like, I'm so sad that I missed out on that entire console because, like, everyone dismissed it. Like, even magazines were just like, who who needs this thing? Like, oh, PlayStation is better. And then you had, like, Nintendo 64, which had its fair share of problems, but you still had, like, your Banjo-Kazooie's, your GoldenEyes, your Star Foxes, your what have you. It's like, I'm, I'm not even sure, like, if you can even buy Saturn games right live. Like, if you... You couldn't oh, rent came around there. They, were, they probably had some at Walmart because we never had like Funko Lands or EB Games here or Babbage's. Um, like I bought games at Walmart. And when we go into the city, we had a 
chain called Microplay that doesn't exist anymore. But like that's something I had to beg my parents to take me to because it wasn't in the mall. So like, you know, that's an extra trip for them. And they would have to sit in the car and be like, oh, my God, how long is he going to be in there? <laughs> I can understand. Okay. That's all. You had a very good summer. I mean, I'm you know, I mean, that's the thing that I stick with you sometimes. Yeah. It's just like that. As a year after that is like I it was like I started working and I mean, I didn't exactly have a hard job, but, you know, there was just less time to play the to play a lot of games. And that was like 2001. So like there wasn't really a lot of new PlayStation stuff coming out and I couldn't really afford a PlayStation 2. Um, so like I had to do with my Game Boy Advance, which I got a lot of mileage out of, even though I couldn't see what was on the screen half the time. Good system, though. There's a lot of good gems on that system. Oh, yeah. Like, I got Castlevania, like Mario, like, eventually the Mega Man games, like the Zero and Battle Networks. Yeah. Yeah. Which I still have never played. And Mega Man and Bass. Yeah, it's a good game, just hampered by a bad port. That's much to do with just, like, the screen dimensions of the GBA. But it's better than nothing, because I never <laughs> played that. Like, not in English, anyways. One day I'm going to play it. It's on my list of things I, I want to get to someday. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. And everyone, stay tuned for the next one. Hi, and who's with me? This is Bomb Bomb. Hi, and welcome back. Also and, known as Blake, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and as I... What is your favorite gaming memory? Favorite gaming memory? Honestly, probably when I got... When I rent... The first time I ever played FF9... I remember specifically <laughs> renting it from Blockbuster. The only Final Fantasy game I had played up to that point was 5, and I thought it was going to be related to 5 because it mentions crystals on the back. I had tried 6, but at the time, oh. it was way too different from like how 5 was to me as a kid, so I like kind of skipped it, went back to it way later, but I'm, I thought 9 was going to be like a sequel to 5 almost, just based on the back cover. So I was super excited. It was not a sequel, but uh, it's still just like from the moment I put it in, it, it blew me away as a kid. I was like eight or nine when I played it. Um, <laughs> and just like I had never experienced a game like that with like as vast of a world and like very rich. The uh, the characters all had just big personalities. And yeah, it was really shaped the kind of games I liked as an adult or like as an adult, I should say. Okay. The question I have to ask is, how did you play five first? Did you play it the PS1 version or did you? Yes, I, f I forget why I bought it. Because it was in the anthology, the anthology collection. Yeah, I forgot why Like I picked that game. I don't know if it was like on sale at the time or what, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't have been more than like seven or eight when I played it. Okay, I just so, find that like, real interesting because that's what because that came out in 1999, the year right before nine comes out. Yeah, so I was yeah I had to have been seven because I'm pretty <laughs> sure I got it in 99, and then 2000 would have had to have been when I played nine. <laughs> okay, I, in, I think I was in third grade at that point. I just find that impressive that five was your first Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's a really weird one, but it is. It's a, I love five just because of how much you can customize everything. That's what I don't like about it. But yes, five is a great game. <laughs> I don't like games where any character can be any character. It doesn't work for it makes me I think it messes with my anxiety or something. <laughs> you know, I, I completely understand that 
you know, there are some games that I feel like we're like, there's too much to do, so or it's too open. So it, it in a way, I kind of get that. A little anxious, I think, or something. I don't. I have played five once. Nine. I love nine. I have not replayed it in years, but I feel like I always remember it being such an amazing game. Yeah, like I said, it's just I don't know. the The world is so fleshed out in a way that I think that like. Eight isn't seven is now, but I think at the time it it wasn't nearly as fleshed out. But no, yeah. seven wasn't. Seven is improved because they added so much to it because it was yeah. so successful. Nine, I have a soft spot for eight, but part of that is I have no memory of eight, so <laughs> I filled it in with like roses and things that I don't know if it's accurate or not. We'll find out one day, but I don't remember. I don't know if I'm accurate. I replayed that last year. It's a good game, but some of the worst pacing. I've ever experienced because I hadn't played it for a long time and the the pacing is just so bad. <laughs> oh, and then when you were a kid, did you finish nine or was it later on that you beat it? Yeah, it took me forever as a kid. And I rem- <laughs> I know it took me forever because this was the one time where I had beaten it and I was watching the ending and my mom had come in to say something to me and she's like, did you finally beat it? <laughs> <laughs> So, like, it had to have taken me forever for my mom to notice. Hey, you're getting your money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> Her money's worth. So she didn't For sure. That. No, and then, I mean, as and 9 went on to, you ended up becoming a speedrunner for FF9 too, then later on, which we've talked about before. Yep, yeah. So it all started there, and then... Are luck. you still the world record holder for 9? Yeah, it's been a... It's actually been over a year now. It, nice. I think tomorrow it'll be a year and a month. Okay, we're recording this in August of... Late August of 2022. Yeah. Put that out there. Okay, because this will probably go out next month or the month after, depending on when the show hits its goal. So, okay, that's cool. That's really yeah. awesome. Okay, but 9 is... I should have known that 9 was going to be something you were going to mention. I didn't think, I didn't you know, think that <laughs> It was either that or probably, like, I don't know, something in the Resident Evil series, to be honest. But... That would have made... Yeah. 9 has just been such an integral part of, like, my adult life, which sounds <laughs> weird, but... No, it doesn't. Not to me. Yeah, but, but I'm a I'm a full blown gamer and everything. So, yeah. And the thing about nine is I think it's more relatable as an adult because a lot of the game, you know, the characters are coming to grips with their own like mortality and doing what they can with the time they have. I mean, you have such great characters. You have Garnet slash Dagger, which I really like her. I like how much she changes throughout the game. I yeah, mean, I think it's a, Zidane who has to come to terms with himself and like, hmm, I'm not like everybody else. Isn't that weird? Hmm. <laughs> you know, you just have so much or like Vivi's not even he's like a puppet, essentially. Right. Yeah, he's manufactured with like a set lifespan. OK, so he, he's real, but OK, I you know, it's not natural. It's been so long. And like, I think about the game off and on well, because we have talked about it. And I'm just like, man, I need to. Re- I'm glad to hear that. It sounds like it still is good, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it still holds up. I mean, the only thing that, like, at the time, this wasn't a big deal, at least in my opinion, and it, I still don't think it's that big of a deal if you turn the battle speed all the way up, is people say it's very slow. And, like, I, I can see that, but if you compare it to, like, games like Legend of Dragoon, <laughs> Legend of Dragoon is the probably the slowest JRPG I've ever played. <laughs> Uh, I have not played that in years, but I can, like, remember, like, uh, 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 uh. yeah, <laughs> so I can. Believe I don't that. know. I a lot of people love that game, but I ha- I played it as a kid and didn't like it. And I, I'll probably give it another chance at some point just because it's considered a classic. But 
I, I just don't think it's that. It's great. also a game that no one's been able to play for years, so that plays a part in it too. Yeah, I actually have a greatest heads copy somewhere. I I did. I don't know if I still do, but I have a copy of it. <laughs> so, I can play it. I just yeah, I have little interest in I. It's one of those. It's also one of those games where I keep thinking about. Hmm, I should go back and play that one day, and I'm like, I'm good one day. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I am. And then I'll find another game that I'd rather play. <laughs> <laughs> nine is one that I keep thinking about like heavily because, like, I know there's a PC version of nine now, which I'm assuming has some quality of life enhancements in it to make it faster, or easier to play. Yeah, I think as a casual, like, just for a casual playthrough, it's you know with the speed up. It's it's probably better, especially, you know, for a podcast. But I just think the the menus, they're the mobile version, so they look ugly. And mm-hmm. then the other thing is they didn't upscale the backgrounds, but they made HD character models. So they just like look really out of place. Oh, that's strange. I mean, they did that with FF8 also, to be fair. OK, but, that I have on yeah. PC. I bought it pretty quickly after it came out. I get to play it, but I really, really want to. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's 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 fine if you're just going to play it. Like, I would yeah. honestly recommend that way, especially if you're new to the series. I recommend it that way just because it does have like fast forward and stuff like that. OK, and that that's what I like about the fact that they like we have done so many games, RPGs, because especially the guy like me who plays a game every week, it's nice when the game goes faster. Yeah, yeah. It also makes the hot and cold minigame faster because you can speed up the game, but it doesn't speed up the clock in game. I don't even remember the hot and cold thing. <laughs> it's like the treasure hunt with the chocobo. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're bringing back old memories. The thing I always think about 9 every time it's brought up, too, is my dumbass bought the Final Fantasy 9 player's guide, was so excited <laughs> to get that player's guide. It's like, go online, go online. I didn't have internet at the time. I had to go to my mother's work, and I would, and she'd go in on the weekends, and she'd be working. I would go in one of the other offices and go to a computer and have to like look stuff up and then write it down. I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but like game facts existed at that time. So <laughs> you could just literally go there and look up a guide. That was one of the, that was the la- one of the last guides I bought. That was probably one of the last. Well, I shouldn't say one of the last guides made, but it was. No, it's not. They still make. I think they do. They still make guides. I want to say they do. I feel like they stopped. Didn't like Brady games or Prima games. One of the two go out of business or something. They might have. I can't remember. I don't pay enough attention to stuff like this anymore. As a guy yeah. who loves games, but I'm and I'm in the past when it comes to games. I don't really pay attention. Yeah, I mean, especially with guides, the internet kind of ruined yeah. that market. You don't need it. I mean, I, I I use the internet for everything when it comes to guides. Like every game I play, I just go find somebody put something up, and I go, boom, here we go. All right, yep. what's up? Either a text guide or YouTube. <laughs> Text guide most of the time, YouTube, when I really can't figure something out. If there's something like I'm just being stupid and they're like, go over here. And I'm like, I don't understand. Or for an example, mm-hmm. like Resident Evil 2, when I was playing that, they'd be like, oh, go run all the way back here. And I'm like, I, I don't know where that is. And I don't want to just risk it because <laughs> things might kill me. Yeah. <laughs> so then I YouTube fair. stuff and I have to right or I check where something else is. Yeah, that's fair. OK. And before we end this, I do want to ask you a couple questions about Final Fantasy V because it's not often I get to talk to someone about V. <laughs> So did you did you finish five two when you were a kid before you played nine or actually no uh, funny story about that. I always when I speed ran five I would bring this up but the part in the forest with the four guardians like just those slime things yes that's nearly isn't that halfway through the game at least it's probably a little over halfway okay but I cannot get past that boss mainly because I was a stupid kid and didn't understand how the job system works so I just used the same jobs the whole game. 
Yep. Had That's somebody as a blue mage, didn't learn any really any blue magic because I didn't understand how that worked. <laughs> Again, that's my problem with the game. Hmm? That's my problem with the game, and just the fact that you have so much choice. Yeah, I mean, like I don't I said, like. I, I didn't understand how it worked, and that like you know, certain I, classes I like give that. you certain stat boosts and stuff like that. It's too much choice for me. I love it yeah. now, but yeah, I, I totally get that. Okay, it's just yeah, just very seldom I hear people talk about five. It's five, I think, is a great game. I just. I haven't touched it in so long that I can't say a whole lot about it, unfortunately, anymore. Yeah, I, I speed ran it, like I said, for a little bit. I haven't played it really since. I still can't get over that you that you speed run RPGs because every that's such a commitment. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't really do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. You gotta go speed run Resident Evil 2 some more. You know, the thought has crossed my mind, but I just, the thing is, I'm kind of playing through the series with my girlfriend, so I, oh, okay. I don't want to like really remember a lot about the speedrun not some of it's kind of burned into my brain but no i get that i completely get that if you're experiencing the game but the casual way you don't yeah you don't want to do it the other way because i feel like that affects your vision of a game so much more because you i mean i listen to speedruns all the time you get so much more into it yeah and she's never experienced the series before so okay we'll have her play re2 remake in the dark (laughs) that's that's the only game that's terrified me. Like, I was scared of that game. I knew I was being stupid. I'm like, you're fine, Mike. This is not real. But I was like, can't sleep. Stupid game. You know, it didn't really get that game didn't get me until I heard the time. You can just hear Mr. X just walking around. Mm hmm. And then that's it just becomes it. more tense immediately. Yeah, that's what I had infinite. I had an infinite uh, gun in that game, too, because I bought it on the on the on the market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I had infinite ammo. And I was still terrified. Yeah. It's just honestly the the game that scared me the most is probably the either like Silent Hill 2 or the the remake of the uh, original Resident Evil. Okay, that game is pretty, pretty scary, terrifying. Okay, All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Blake. And it was good to talk with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Uh, it's Richard Sampson here from the YouTube channel uh, Rich Kale dot Rich Kale, and from various <laughs> writing sites where I have I'm under either Rich Skits Kale, Rich Kale, Rich Gen X. You know, all those fun names are out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and as I've asked, I'm sure depending on what year you pick, what is your favorite gaming memory? Well, you know, gaming has been pretty much a good portion of my life. <laughs> And I can tell you, I have good memories from all over. I mean, even when I was a kid and I had an Atari 2600, I would remember when my friends and I, we, they'd come over, we'd play Warlords on that. <laughs> I, I know you're talking about I played it a, a little bit, but much later in life. Oh, yeah. We used to have fun because, you know, when you're playing three players on that, well, the computer replaces the car- the non-player with computer players and always... The first one that they put in is the dumbest. I mean, we would always watch it. We named him Firecracker Frey because, you know, that ball would boop, boop, and then he bounced his shield, kill kill himself quick. And like, Firecracker Freddy, yeah! (laughs) And of course, you know, as I got older and all that, I have many good memories. Some of them involve my late wife. We would always play games together. Our favorites were usually the Mario Kart games or Mario Party. We would start a game and play it 
sometimes when I got home from work on a Friday night, and you're talking about 1130 at night, play for about an hour and all that, continue the game maybe in the morning or at a later time, but we always had fun playing. Was there a, a certain one that you guys played more that you remember the, the fondest? <laughs> All just, of them were. I, okay. do, I do like number seven because that had different elements to add into that really threw in some strategy thinking. And like I said, a good part of it was just uh, playing it. And my wife, I believe she loved Coconut Mall. That was always a fun little course to drive in Mario Kart. I know nothing about, I haven't played a Mario Party since probably Mario Party 1 or 2. I unfortunately never kept playing them very much. <laughs> yeah, I know, my first one was Mario Party 1, and I remember the pain in my palm. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I remember, cause I played it at friends' houses back in the 64 era, but then I never continued on with the series. Yeah, I, th- I, I wouldn't be surprised if that whole little pain in the palm thing ha- had a, a, a downside on it. <laughs> I didn't get back into it till I met my wife. Until I met my wife, so oh, you that's know. sweet though. I mean, having a game to play together is it's good. Like, I mean, oh, me yes. I don't play any games with my wife Tiff very much because it's just not. I, I game. I don't even game with anyone. I always game by myself. But that's that's a whole thing. For oh yeah. Me. And I must admit, some of my other memories for video games has also been where you get a lot. It tied into my love of reading. Okay. I mean. uh I got, I have a whole library of books, and over the years, I have gotten books, and I've also had to sell some, that were based off of various franchises. I had, I'd never played Diablo, but I've read every Diablo novel. <laughs> you, you should play Diablo. Hey, have you played Diablo Immortal yet? No, I have not. You I should. do have the first Diablo game on my wish list. I just never break down and buy it on GOG. I understand. I have... <laughs> Read every Resident Evil novel by Stephanie Perry. Those are good books. Yes, they are. And I've been a fan of her and her father's writing for years. I have a bunch of books by the Perrys. But I think I read them before I played any Resident Evil game. Okay. That's that's interesting. That's not how most people probably would have fallen into it. but Yeah. I have actually read the Primal Rage novel. There's a Primal Rage novel. Yes, there was. There was. It oh was uh, written in the 90s when the game was at its peak. It was, I think, done as part to tie in with Primal Rage 2. How'd that work out? <laughs> uh, yeah, that game never came out, unfortunately. It got made, partly. Yes, I've seen I've seen videos of that. They, they created, they were working on it, but then they just got, they're like, yeah, you're done. And they just scrapped it. Yeah. I remember playing through the first, the third Legend of Zelda game with a friend of my neighbors. That was an interesting kind of thing to do to cart the 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 SNES back and forth to play through the levels. <laughs> Were you, I assume you are talking about Link to the Past, which is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites too. When I got it on the Game Boy Advance, I played it multiple times over the years. That's a Zelda game that definitely earned replay value in my book. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's see, I have the Doom book. I've read almost all the Doom novels that have been released. I think I've read them all. Which, again, you're a big fan of Doom, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. I've never been a huge fan of Doom. I I played the first game for the show, and now I'm about to play three at some point. But other than that, I mean, never, I've never read, I didn't even know there were books before. (laughs) I never read Uh, them. Yeah, those, they came out, uh, Probably, at, they definitely came out after Doom 2 and before the final Doom came out. And it was uh, David Abhu 
and Brad Linweaver, if I'm remembering the names right. They were in my library. I think I had to sell those too. I am glad I actually read them. I read them because they were a brilliant little take, a different direction than what they had gone for, but they were still a very good read. It's one of those few times where I didn't mind the to be continue at the end because it was sort of, they always threw it in with a joke. Get me this, this, and a large boot. <laughs> Never found out what a large boot was for. Put your foot up your ass, maybe like Rip. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I never. I don't read very many. I don't read much at all. But I. I haven't checked out a lot of the video game books. Have you read the? Did you ever get in the Mass Effect books? I know there were those. Uh, no, I have never gotten into Mass Effect. Good series. I have, but like some of my other memories are, it's when we do those puzzle games. My wife loved like Wordscape, and she has played. She played most of the latent series as well as I have. She'd borrow my game, and <laughs> I got reminded of that as I'm going through them again, and I see her name on there, and like, I'm not erasing that. No, I'm I, I've, I've never touched the Professor Layton games. I don't play puzzle games in general because I, I don't like them. But <laughs> I, I've heard good things about that series. I just oh, never yeah. touched it. You should. It's a fun series, and if you ever do it for the show, I'd glad to join you with it. Okay, I'm starting to try to experience more DS games. DS was a part of of DS library I completely skipped over, so it's been something newer that I've been trying to get around to exploring more. Oh yeah, I mean those are good games, and even like with Wordscapes that you can play on the tablets and on the iPhones. The worst fight my wife and I ever had. We both went to bed. We were upset with each other. We were literally not talking to one another. And she was having a hard time, and she's like, you know, doing the whole silent motion, yeah. maybe grunt. I helped her solve it. I helped her solve it because it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we are together. We, are, we were a team. And I also used to love sometimes giving her the cryptic hints. She's like, I can't figure out this last word. <laughs> and I look at it, and I look at the letters, and I says, I cannot tell you that. Why? It's, why? I'm not telling you the word. It's like, why? Because you are asking me for the word. <laughs> and that's when she figured it out. It was hint. Oh, that's okay. That's kind of funny. Yeah. I, I just, I can't do puzzle games or stuff like that because when I do them, I inevitably will cheat because I'll just get tired of trying to figure out how to look up the strategy. So I can't play those type of games. Yeah, I can understand that. I found word makers too online. <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm just like, no, nah, I, I need to cheat. But, you know, it's also the fact that I can share some of these games now. I've shared some of these games with my daughter. I showed her Torrance Passage. We had a good laugh. I used to have the video up on YouTube where, uh, not on YouTube, on, on Facebook, where Tor, we have Torrin dive swan dive into a peat bog, okay. which, is, which is definitely a, whoops, you're dead scene. <laughs> And it just goes on about, and we got a three point. I got a nine point four, nine point three, eight point nine, nine point two, and four point one. Oh, that must be that judge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you know, it's like we're laughing our heads off. And even some of the games I have in my my libraries, they have very dear memories. Final, I have Final Fantasy three on the DS. I've never beaten it. I haven't either. You will never see me part with that copy because that was a gift to me from my late wife. It was actually given to me on the Christmas my daughter was born. 
Okay. It's supposed to be a good game. My my girlfriend at the time bought it for me, but I've never gotten around to actually. <laughs> I tried it, and I know it's one of my lists. I've beaten almost every Final Fantasy game at least before 10, <laughs> besides that one, but I just, yeah, someday. I've beaten almost every Final Fantasy game up to 7. I just haven't beaten 7 or 3 yet, so... <laughs> Seven's seven's good. Seven's overrated at this point, though. But hey, okay. I'm enjoying replay. I'm enjoying playing it for the channel. I'm enjoying That's it. Good. I mean, I'm glad that you're able to experience something like that because it's a game that should be experienced. Six is my favorite, personally. Oh yeah, good game. I played six on the three D on the, on the uh, GBA, and it took me a while to get through that one. <laughs> yeah, especially GBA version. It's long, but very very good. Yeah, especially if you're grinding everything to get maximum power on everything. Which, in some ways, you kind of need. <laughs> I, you do for the extra stuff. I did last time. In my last playthrough, when I played it for the show, episode 150, I went to, like, everything. <laughs> I don't know why, but I did. I never beaten that extra dungeon that game, so... I did everything <laughs> in this playthrough. I went and fought every super boss. I did everything. I think I turned off battles at one point, just because I was getting tired of wandering around and having to fight. <laughs> but I, I, was, I was maxed out, so it didn't matter. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I did everything in that game. Even like the Kazer dungeon, which you just refight, fight after fight after fight after fight after fight. I did that too. So yeah, I've did. I've gotten to the point where I am not a completionist for many of the games I have. I down when I get finally get done with Breath of the Wild, that I'm going to complete everything and find every Korok seed in that game. I mean, there's 900 of them. <laughs> no, thank you. And all you get is golden poop. Mm-hmm. That's why I will never do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get it just for golden poop. (laughs) (laughs) I I have fond memories of also sitting on the floor in our one apartment playing Twilight Princess on the GameCube. And it was one of those days where I was also watching my daughter and I'm just sitting there on the floor, cross leg, and she's sitting in my lap. (laughs) That's sweet, though. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have any fears of her being scared by anything in that. <laughs> One, she was little. Two, she's with her father. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and right. But I'm sh- just about to wrap this up. Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank you for sharing those with. I mean, hey, you see, that's one thing important about games that they leave a lasting impression in your life. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. You have mine. <laughs> I mean, we can ha- also have all our fond memories of beating our fa- our games that we've had in our t- lifetime. One of my fondest, of course, was when I beat Hen- finally beat Henry Stickman and. First game on Steam I platinumed, okay. which is actually not well. It can be hard to do, but it's worth it. It's worth it because <laughs> it's a fun game to play. You laugh your head off with all the fa- various failures, <laughs> and if you look at the profiles, you can have a good laugh too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Richard, for joining me. Not a problem. And everyone can check out his YouTube channel at Rich Kale, and stay tuned for the next interview. And that's the end of part one. First, I want to say thank you if you made it all the way to here through four hours of interviews. Um, It has been an honor to make this. And guess what? There's more. There's also part two, which should be dropping the same day you hear this. So please go check out part two also next. And just have a few things I need to say. Uh, First, I want to thank everyone for listening. And part two starts off with Jeff Cork from Game Informers. Previously, game form used to work there. I had I got to interview him, so definitely that will start off. You're still so see that's the anticipation to pick up part two. It's free. Listen to it. 
And as I always say, we do have a Patreon. You can help out the show and follow and join our Patreon for as little as a dollar and vote in polls. Each month we have, we have different polls. You're hearing this in September, most likely when it comes out, there will be two polls. This is for spookiness. So please go vote in that. And I want to give an awesome shout out to my awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Helena at Hell Has Fear. You can follow her on TikTok. Please go give her a listen. Also, if that other music sounded familiar, the in-between music was from our original intro from Balby, a.k.a. Mike Stoney from his EP Bite the Bullet. It's part of that song of the Cool Kid Squad. I just, it was our old intro for many episodes. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you're probably, wait a second, that sounds familiar. That's what that was. But I want to give him a shout out for that. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. We are on YouTube. Audio only, but we are there. And we have a Discord. You can always talk with us and a lot of, a lot of the cast members of the show. And just whoever, I mean, please join our Discord. You'll see a link in the show notes. And you will see links to every all the people that interview that had stuff to plug will have a link. You can go check out all their content that they plugged throughout this long, massive episode. I uh, also want to give a shot to my buddy Bill Tucker, who did the MCU movies with me. Started his own podcast, The Gamer Looks at 40, so definitely go check him out. I just want to say thank you, everybody, who listened to this, who took the time out to do, to do this, who took time out of their day to download an episode. It means so much to me. And now stay tuned for part two. It'll be a brand new episode you can click on, but you will see it too. I look forward to what you think. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye.